It's December 2016. This is The Clues Chronicle, issue 15. So, um, well, you guys have already met, haven't you? Yeah, it was a good time, I thought. Cool. Amazing time. What do you mean good? It was amazing. It was fantastic. No, it was... so happy to have met you. Double plus good. Oh, dear. Yes, we're using the... Oh, you're speaking my language now. Oh. (laughs) Double plus. You want me to summarize what... What I think Clues Chronicles is to the audience. Yeah, and you can be honest. It's okay. <laughs> oh, um, I guess we look at po- we look at posts or threads at Clues Forum, and we discuss them. But see, Kay, see but Kay, how they're relevant. What what's Clues Forum? What what is what are you talking about? Well, Clues Forum is a website where. I would say I, yes. I, I know it's one of those sites where they think everything is fake. Right. Yeah. Fake. They think everything is fake. They think everything, absolutely everything, is fake. Yeah. They think, yeah. yeah, the moon is probably fake, and you know everything's probably fake. Yeah. Yeah. Every absolutely everything is fake. You know the buildings were there, and then they're gone. What do you say about that? Uh. Right. I've heard that. Yeah. Well, so yeah, Clues Forum is a is a site started by Simon and me, Simon and I, I should say. No, Simon and myself, and we we wanted to create a new forum to discuss with Brian V and other people who were appreciating our research into forensics of the news media, and and give them a platform to discuss. Things like that, because other other forums like Above Top Secret or Godlike Productions or Coast to Coast, well, no, they didn't have a forum. They had um, was it Imaginative Worlds or something. Uh, anyway, there's a whole bunch of sort of alternative ways of discussing things online, but they always bully people into positions. They don't let you take the neutral position of I don't know or this needs further investigation to be more certain about or other positions that are valuable to have. And I think the Loose Change Forum actually banned discussion of September Clues and Clues. Uh, but I think this was before Clues Forum existed or was parallel to us. So they had banned discussion of September Clues, which is the landmark documentary by Simon Shack about um, how the airplanes supposedly on 9-11 didn't actually exist on paper. Uh, officially, or barely on paper, and there is no uh, solid documentary evidence of their existing outside of computer-animated graphics 
of a computer animated Manhattan being attacked um, in these so-called terrorist attacks. So, yeah, all sarcasm aside, it really is one of the few places on the Internet that you can actually talk about the possibility of that without being ridiculed, basically, which is kind of remarkable in a, in a supposedly, you know, free and democratic uh, Western worldview that all these countries that we live in, um, like in Europe, European countries in America, that, you know, they tend to say that we can talk about anything. But actually, that's not always true. There's some things that we are shamed out of talking about. So, so it sounds like you're just asking for fair play. Yeah, I mean, we've created this space and we defend it. We ban trolls. We ban people who don't at least consider us as an option. People who come on saying, oh, I love what you do, but I don't agree with anything that you actually have proposed. And I think that probably everything, you know, official that they say has happened is what has happened, even though I haven't really looked at the forensic proof that it's fake. You're probably all full of shit and, you know. Well, somebody would have spoke out by now if that was true. Yeah, right. Somebody would have said something, and you can't possibly be the people that are saying something, because otherwise, why don't any of my friends and family talk about it, or professionals in the news media? So, obviously, you can't possibly be the only way I've heard about this. It's this strange mind trap, right? (laughs) Yeah, like uh, Oprah Winfrey would have said something. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump would have said something. But Donald Trump would have said something, right? That's. I think that's what they're saying. Because how do you know there was somebody maybe at a cocktail party some somewhere in Southern California in 1972 that exposed the moon landing to like 200 people at some gathering? That would would that include would that count as somebody speaking out or you see what i mean I yeah. mean, what 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 are they saying when they say someone would have spoke out by now what does that exactly mean anyone except us is basically what they're saying you're right yeah like say, yeah what they're i think what they're trying to say is you are not who i would expect to have said something that challenges my worldview i only allow these other people to challenge my worldview because those are the people that i've like opened up my mind to trust like to slow you know kind of predictable challenges that i feel safe in but if you're challenging my worldview so directly that um you know i that like the whole foundation of like what i'm doing with my life might actually kind of come into question which is the case for some people that question this you know that's not acceptable so i think that's kind of what it is what, what they're saying is actually you know this is this is an interesting question but Someone in my channel of safety would have brought this up, not you guys, not some random person on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or someone. Even, it could even be somebody who would listen to someone like um, Noam Chomsky or something like somebody like that. Yeah, well, yeah. And there, you know, that's the definition of gatekeeper. So if they are positioning themselves as some anti-establishment mouthpiece, and then somebody could be even open to ideas that are, you know, so-called anti-establishment or not typical of the, what you're going to normally get in history class or, you know, or, you know, mainstream academia or whatever. But uh, still, 
if they didn't say it, then it's probably not true because they expose everything about the government, right? <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so who who all is in this call? Let's introduce the audience to us, right? Um, I'm Hoy Paloy. I am the forum administrator at Clues Forum that's part of Clues Chronicle, the others being Simon, who's behind the documentary September Clues, and some other people he has appointed as admins. And then who are you, Kay? I'm Kay Ham, and I did a radio show at Fakeologist for a while. What's Fakeologist? Fakeologist.com. It's a website that um, talks about fringe things, I guess, in the media. One, if we're going to make this a general thing, maybe you could say that. Fringe like aliens like in the, and... Like in the, the realm of media fakery. Most, um, it's, I guess it's media fakery. Let's just say, you know. Okay. Pointing out lie after lie after lie after lie. Yeah. Have they, have they caught anybody in lies? Have they proven contradictions or are they just kind of mistrusting of the news and pointing their finger and kind of blindly, you know, yelling at the news that this is all fake and I don't want to hear it? Or do you think they've actually come up with some good points? Well, I, you know, if you're, we're going to hit science, then we have to go back to Clues Forum. <laughs> if you're going to hit good points there, and that's where I would look. I don't know how to describe it. Maybe issue number three of the Clues Chronicle helps explain it best, that there are shills online, and they will try to disrupt conversations. They will, I don't know, what are, the, what are some of the tactics they use? Like, um, they will make annoying noises, uh, they will pretend to be a friend and then turn around and disavow everything that you stand for and then claim that they've gotten close to you, um, and so they're the authority on it, you know, stay away from those people, don't go to close forum, no matter what, you know, they, they claim maybe that you should open your mind, but I've checked out clues forum and I can tell you. Take it from me, you don't want to even think about the stuff they're asking you to think about. That would make me curious. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, the, I'm the reverse psychology person. If you want to trick me, do reverse psychology on <laughs> me because it usually works. So it'd be somebody going, "Oh, you got to check out Goose Farm right now! Oh my God, they've got all the answers. They're the best." Or they're picking up on stuff, man. Right, which is kind of what we're doing. So certain personalities <laughs> might not jibe with this, I guess. Well, we're asking a lot. I don't know if we realize how much we're asking yeah. for people to believe. Yeah. Because media fakery means the president lies because he's on the media and he agrees with them. Mm -hmm. We're asking people to believe like nobody now. Well, I think we're asking people to understand that there's there's a range of personalities in this world, and we have a skewed assumption with the help of the media that tells us most people, maybe 90% of people, maybe even higher, 99%, with only one fringe, crazy woo-woo group that's liars, are honest and won't ever lie, you know, in, in a position of power, even to protect that power, or they might 
do a baby lie now and then, but they wouldn't protect murderers because obviously murderers get locked up and put away, and people who start wars unjustly get put away. Um, you know, there's that kind of perception going on. So you're really asking people to take a kind of a sharp left turn towards the leftist view of what was, or a libertarian view, very, very right. You know, if you, if you just had to talk about left or right paradigms, it's extreme and say, Oh, whoa, some of these wars are actually unjustified. They're just from made up propaganda and whoa, like some laws are actually made up based on propaganda stories that never actually happened. And, yeah, that that is a lot to ask, I guess. But so for you, Clues Chronicle is we're discussing cluesforum.info, but you think that maybe we're making it inaccessible in some way too. Did I sound like that? I didn't mean that at all. No. Some um, come on board. <laughs> we'll listen to you there. Let's have a discussion. Yeah, yeah. just get a hold of us. Absolutely, it's like. Um, you know, let us know who you are, just like with Clues Forum. You don't let anyone post. Yeah, yeah. You and you, how the introduction works at Clues Forum is um, you send Simon an email. Okay, I'm interested in contributing to this media fakery analysis. Kind of might get some questions from existing members saying, okay, how did you find us and why are you here? <laughs> That's pretty much what we do. But we're also trying to spread the information through audio and other means. You know, Kham, you have like a cool YouTube channel. Um, I think it's cool anyway. I, I, sh- I shouldn't throw in the adjective cool. Like, okay, I'm propagandizing, but I think you're, you're making a great YouTube channel about this information. And Chris Kendall, you have just an amazing talk show about this. It's not necessarily about Clues Forum's discoveries, but it, it's just about awareness of the existence of certain kinds of lies using technology and bureaucracy and all these traditional ways along with new ways of lying. And yeah, so we're trying, we're trying other ways. So you, you don't have to go to the forum, you know, if you're not interested in that, that's why we made this. We're going to read some of the forum um, in almost all the episodes here of Clues Chronicles so that if you're interested in the subject but you're kind of like intimidated by walls of text even if it's well vetted and kind of moderated so that it stays there's enough pictures no there's enough pictures people to keep you interested don't worry <laughs> yes actually it's actually hard to do audio about the pictures so sometimes yeah we'll say just go to the forum and look you know you don't yeah, have to register plenty of fun pictures yeah let's go I mean we are ultimately critiquing, in a way, one of the biggest weaknesses we have as people, which is being fooled by imagery. Ah, oh, thank you. Yes. so much is being used against us 
yeah, even Hollywood. It's it, it's it's got all these weird messages, and I and I I've heard from that scene that writers sometimes try to work in messages to the public about what's going on, and then producers who have the power will say, no, you have to remove this part or change this part. And it's not all writers. Some writers are just obviously just total sellouts, but um, but there is an there is an issue where. Hollywood actually will not permit you to talk to a certain at a certain level, um, and they, and it has to be framed, you know, in a way that's kind of traditionally pleasing. And 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 they may be right from the monetary perspective. People might not pay to see a movie about the truth. It might actually tank because it's it's not as entertaining as the as the fantasy that is being painted by Hollywood. I don't know. Oh, they can't let that mind control drop. No. no. It has to be continually propped up. Yeah, that's what I noticed. They got to keep the level there, you know? Anyway, go ahead. Well, yeah, Chris, tell us tell us about what you think Clues Chronicle is in your own words, and don't let us sway you or anything. Uh, it's a forum, right? Yeah, it's a forum. And then people have, well, posted, you know, pointing out, you know, stuff that's presented to us in the news mainly. And then, right. And then, uh, just doing a, just analyzing it, questioning it. Cause that's something that, um, well, I mean, if you think about it, the, the public at large, if they're presented with a story through the media, by way of the media, um, there's not it, well not only is there not any kind of uh uh encouragement to like pick it apart or question it, it but there's not really many sources out there that will look at something presented you know not only in the current news uh cycle or recent news cycle or what have you, but like, you know, historical accounts and stuff that's been presented, you know, cause I think a uh, clues Chronicle goes into, uh, the question of nukes being real or, uh, yes, NASA and all that too. So that's not, not necessarily current events, but it fits in with the overall theme of the, uh, deceit, the level of deceit that the average person is confronted with on a, throughout their throughout their whole entire life so but then you know like i was saying earlier is there's not we're not taught uh at least in school anyway the majority of people aren't taught to um even question any of these stories you know uh these accounts of history you know we're 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 always our, our so-called education process is usually to um have us be presented with what are by inference are facts of history. And then, you know, we're supposed to regurgitate those facts through tests and rote learning and, and that sort of thing. But then, you know, we're, I think undergoing that process, um, you, you end up with a lot of adults who have no critical thinking skills and who, um, will not even question what's presented to them as long as it, long as it's emanating from a so-called authoritative source, which would include like, uh, you know, your government officials or some kind of so-called accredited academic institution or something from so-called science. Mm -hmm. 
mm. or anything like that. People just absolutely do not question it. If it's presented from a certain um, – well, I mean, we have this recent well, – there are people that question global warming, but – there still is a large contingent of people who just absolutely do not question it, and their and and their default argument is, well, ninety percent of scientists believe in, you know, ninety subbonds percent of these scientists believe such a thing, so it absolutely therefore must be true. Like there is, uh, mm-hmm. but see, I mean, that's it, but that statement right there is just completely devoid of logic. There is right. no, and yeah. regardless of whether you know we can find evidence for or evidence against there's there's debates open about so many subjects that basically certain authorities will say no the debate is closed you can't even entertain the other option and 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 we don't have time to entertain the other option you know time is critical so you know get along with our way you know yeah that's the same kind of uh Attitude you'll confront when you're confronting someone who's a huckster, you know, or a con man. <laughs> you know, they say, it's like, oh, don't stop to think about what you're going to get into. Let's just go forward and then let's seal the deal. But it's like, no, 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 wait a minute. Uh, well, you get the same approach when you're trying to buy a car, you know. A lot of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're so funny. You put things in uh, in very practical terms. It's true. I mean... That's what I like about your show. I, I just heard a couple episodes. The one um, I just heard a recent one when you were going on about how focusing on race has been <laughs> some belligerent idiot. I don't know if they were playing around or if they really believed this, but they were just uh, yelling about hanging black people, and it was like what? And you were, you basically summarized it by saying, "Well, yeah, that's kind of all that." worldview has to offer us is just screaming epithets and you know do we really want to is that the discussion we want to have when we're talking about the problems in this world (laughs) yeah like it has to be categorized as some something other than what it is it's we're confronted with that a lot it's like well it's 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 all about race and it's like well no it's not but for some reason, uh, there's plenty of people that um, that really gets their juices flowing. You know, it's like, yeah, this rate, it's 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 about, the, yeah. It, it, and, it, and I was thinking about that recently too, and I and I, and I think, well, why is that the case? You know, and it's like, but I, I think that um, instead of confronting what the real issues are, it's like, what, which I think the real issues comprise uh, that we we're having these social engineering and, 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 and manipulative tactics used on us mm. from, so, so then, then the question is like, okay, who are the people that are doing it? And to have something to attach to it, like one of, one thing that's attached to it is like the concept of, uh, the reptilian idea, like the, some, yeah, yeah. Like these are reptilian or some other race other than human or, or we can go like to the Jew angle and say, well, it's 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 the Jews, and then something about there's something fundamentally in the Jewish race that makes them uh, do these sort of things. So it's I, I think it's a way to way to kind of simplify an issue, I guess. Instead of learning about how you're being manipulated, you can just point or we just go straight to the source and try to, which is which is really totally I, I don't even know how it's even 
remotely practical that's say, well, say, I mean, what are we going to do? We're going to eliminate all the Jews. Is that what people are suggesting or the reptilians or, mm, like, and then our problems will be solved or is that, but I, I, I really have a hard time really understanding it. So I can't really say that I got a real grasp on why that is, but there seems like there's some kind of compulsion to do that though. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think that it is in a way, um, an inner racism that, that we, we have built into us. We talked about this a little bit last episode, uh, when we were talking about London 7-7 and a bunch of other political things. And I don't know, like, I just, I think the thing I speculated about is a lot of people have this need to quickly categorize uh, some other group as if they were like another species. So yeah, okay, if it's reptilians, <laughs> that's something we can't really go into on Clues Forum because it's it's related to the, um, I don't know, like extremely unprovable things because they're supposed to be this super race that's also invisible and can morph and okay we can't really go into that um and but we can go a little bit into the jew topic and we are going to do that a little bit today because there's something going on with look we have to face that there's a political jewish lobby and Mm -hmm. and they have some power that now it's foolish to, as you say, go into some conclusion about how uh, one particular religion or even one particular uh, color of person or one particular nation or organization is ruling the world. It seems to me it's – this is just my experience. I don't know how you feel. Um, I, I think that there's more like different cultures and there's a certain culture which – we don't have a name for because it's unknown to us. It's unfamiliar to us. We don't, we've lost the ability to identify it, except that now as researchers, it seems to be kind of psychopathic in nature. Mm -hmm. Um, So it means they don't care as much about um, the feelings of others. um, If at all, it's very, it's just the ultimate selfishness, the ultimate arrogance, the ultimate, uh, insecurity, all that kind of wrapped up into something. So one aspect of that culture seems to be Jewish, of course, just as there's probably one aspect of the culture which is also uh, Christian or Catholic or uh, Jesuit, whatever you want to call it. Um, and another aspect is probably largely Masonic or Rotary. And it's funny because the people who get focused on categorizing it in blanket terms will say well actually masons are crypto jew and jesuits are also jewish or they'll say if they're on the jesuit angle they'll say well actually jews work for the jesuits and you know so you can sway it any any way to avoid the uncomfortable truth that there's a bunch of different cultures that are psychopathic and so when we're looking at something like the Holocaust, um, you know, it's tempting to say, well, obviously Jews are behind it. Um, so, and so many Jews are conspiring 
that it must be some kind of evil conspiracy, you know. But even, but, and that's just when you look at the basic facts that probably six million Jews probably didn't die, mm-hmm. you know, during the Holocaust. It's probably some other number, and we can go into that later. But um, that discussion alone is so controversial that it makes me doubt that Jews are in control here because I think that, I don't know, there's something. There's something inherently European Jewish about that thing. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. in America, we can talk about it. We can kind of say whatever thing we want in a way um, and not get punished for it. But there are legal repercussions in Europe. Like, you actually cannot come out questioning the Holocaust. You can actually be thrown in jail, supposedly. This is just. I wonder about that. Is that is that actually true? Because I, I I know that there's like people in Europe that listen to my podcast and and, and probably your guys' stuff too. Like, so it, by it, by listening to it, is that a, is that a problem or being in possession of Holocaust denial material or a book or something like that? Is all is that also a crime or is it just? coming out in some kind of public forum and, and denying the Holocaust. I, I believe like, it has to be in the public setting. I think you're... <laughs> obviously, they're not going to bug everybody's home uh, more than they already have with cell phones. Yeah. Um, but it's. I think it's something where it has to be a public statement of some kind and that, you know, if it upsets a Jew... <laughs> Somehow that mm-hmm. can, you know, that can be considered a hate crime all of a sudden. So I think there definitely is some what about Canada unfairness there. I don't know. I don't know about Canada. The point is, you're right. I don't know. We should investigate to see whether it's true or not. But the point is that there's there's some kind of intimidation going on with this topic, and I can see why. But even if it is happening. I'm not willing to say that, oh, it's an evil Jewish conspiracy making, you know, making this all happen. To me, it seems like there was some kind of deal. There was like the Jewish gang in Europe made some kind of deal and they have a certain influence and power there. Um, But it's just like the Catholic Church does or the Protestant Church or something. That's what it seems like to me. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I, all of us being Americans, <laughs> um, it's harder for us to, you know, know people who have been directly affected by these laws if they exist. Here's a one article I just pulled up. German Nazi grandma sentenced to ten months in prison for Holocaust denial, and this is from, I think, 2014. So put 2015. Us- Put on your Clues Forum fakery goggles and see if <laughs> what exactly do you think this article uh, is? Is it a propaganda piece? Is it fluff? Is it real? What do you think? What's your feeling? Well, it says she was part of a movement, I guess, in Germany. Uh, and then she did a bunch of stuff, and then they punished her for it. What's the source? So, well, the Telegraph. The Telegraph. is that? That's a typical... Corporate paper. Yeah, like Daily Mail. Oh, reg, kind of like that. Like Daily Mail, ish. So is Ursula Haverbeck a real person, I guess? Hmm. Hmm. It looks like she is. They have a photo? Yeah. Send us that, uh, send us that article. Let's take a look. 
It's not in the article. I oh. have to um, do, uh, look at her later. Oh, I see. Okay. Here, I'll send you her name. Well, so what's your sense? Do you think this is a real thing that's going on? I really don't know. I, But then again, too, I I say this about the government and in law. It's like they can't enforce 99.9% of the crap they have that's supposedly law. Yeah, they usually just and, pick some scapegoat or, or you know, punish. Yeah, so that's, that's the only thing that it could be is some somebody to make an example out of. Like yeah. you see this too in China, and China is supposed to be, okay, one of the most oppressive regimes on the planet. And you see, and I'm sure they do have a lot of bullshit, you know, that's in there uh, that's subjected on the people the people are subjected to. But even with that, I mean, they supposedly have a billion people in China, and and it's like they can't. So imagine, you know, if they can't enforce the laws they have here in the states on three hundred thousand people. What, what about three times as many people? But um, does that not mean that certain people are taken and made examples of? Uh, it, that's probably the case. So anytime you're seeing that, it's probably. But even with the, here's something about that, and I think this is important to understand too. Is even with that said. So the government wants to, you know, quote unquote, make an example out of you, you know, but you don't have to really do anything for the government to take you and snatch you up and lock you up. I mean, there's a lot of people in jail right now that are in jail for not even speaking out against the government or anything, but the most trivial things, the most or being locked up under false pretenses, like, you know, being at the wrong place at the wrong time. That happens. I think that's so common. Uh, I think in one respect, I guess the point I'm trying to make is like people in reality, the average person has like just about nothing to fear from their so-called government in reality when it comes down, even in China, you know, because the odds of you getting snatched up, you know, depending on the population size and whatever, how many goons are out there representing the government and then their willingness to act on you. It's it's you know, it's it's all about creating the perception that something's bad is going to happen to you if you if you do this that or the other thing. Right, it's how police enforce things. They have violence at the um, at their behest. They've, they're able to smack you upside the head, even kill you, and they often go unpunished because that's just their. They have to show you that the law is important enough to do that. Yeah, you can be killed over not wearing a seatbelt. You know that, yeah. that that you know. So there was a one instance a guy got shot not wearing a seatbelt, but it's like, oh, he went for his registration too quick or whatever. It can happen to you. So it's like, it's like why be yeah, concerned no. with any of these laws or anti-Holocaust laws or whatever? Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, unless there's, um, you know, it, 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 unless you're going to be made an example of. I guess what, you, what, what what I guess what I'm trying to say is they could. You can run afoul of the goon squad anyway, whether you're speaking out or not speaking out or what. That's so. true. I th- yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, it brings to mind the idea that, okay, in like Soviet Russia or whatever, they would say, don't stick your neck out. Just don't stick your neck out. That that means, you know, don't make trouble because then you become a target and then they won't let go because then you have to be an example. I think the concern about these laws is it's not that we have to be uh, worked up about them in any particular sense, but it's something that we should be able to openly discuss, and hopefully they will just fade away into obsolescence on their own. 
because we'll, you know, people will have this reasonable discussion that, oh, yeah, actually the Holocaust is something that we should question because there's a lot of suspicious things going on during World War II. A lot of propaganda, a lot of, um, from, from many different sides and a lot of fakery that was starting up. Now you're talking about the, uh, the extermination of six million Jews that happened allegedly during World War One, or are you talking about the Holocaust that allegedly happened in World War Two? We're we talking about we're talking uh, ostensibly about the World War Two one. I've never heard of one that may have happened in World War One, which is interesting. You bring that up. Um, tell us about that. Uh, well, I ran across this. It says uh, there's well, there's actually a book by uh, Don Het. Hedishimer. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but <laughs> uh, just type it into the chat sometime. We'll we'll get it into the show notes. Jewish fundraising campaigns with Holocaust claims during and after World War One. By okay, here's the name Don Hedishimer. Uh, is it documented with reprints and articles from the New York Times and other Jewish press that claimed that there was a Holocaust of the Jews during World War One? For example, see the article by Martin Glenn, former mayor of New York, describing a Holocaust of six million Jews published in 1919. Mm, uh, so there's that. That is fascinating. It almost gives one the sense that uh, if this Jewish gang, this lobby or whatever that's part of the psychopathic culture were trying to force the hand of other governments or at least position themselves as a minority in, in, a, in a better position worldwide, that they tried to do it in World War One and then succeeded in World War Two to like insert in the minds of the general population that they are the ultimate examples of victimhood. And that, you know, crossing a Jew is tantamount to, uh, you know, burning a baby alive or something, you know, just the worst evil, you know, so that that could, you know, that's interesting, you know, we'd have to check up on that source and, and that sort of thing. But well, I thought about this, about about the whole Jew issue. It's like, what? OK. I mean, you're seeing a resurgence of this now with the so-called rise of the so-called alt-right. and um, it, Which, by the way, we have to mention this. Between between last episode and this one, um, Trump has supposedly won the election, right? Or was selected to win. Which was kind of a interesting thing because it seemed like they had done it in a way that it kind of trumped, if you will, the normal electoral college prediction. That that Kay and I were looking at, it may have been kind of like scripted already for Hillary or Trump, and then now it's so contentious that they've actually brought out a third script, which is the script of ooh, we've got a really contentious country. We've got to you know exploit and divide people along these things. So anyway, I just bring that up because the supposed rise of the supposed alt right seems somehow aided and you know you know it's not it's not being downplayed at all it's it's actually on the rise it seems to be something where oh you know as american citizens you know you need to know that there's hate crimes happening all over you know that's kind of the message from the mainstream media right now it seems 
and mainstream media also including the so-called new media social uh, social media like Facebook and stuff um, this country is going to hell now because of Trump but you know it seems that this is actually all part of the, a same, the same stuff that's been going on for decades centuries Oh yeah, there was a well, that D. W. Griffith. He came out with that film, The Birth of a Nation, and then that's kind of, uh, of course, the Klan was already around at that time. But it, it touches on the same themes, and it's the same kind of thing that you're, you're seeing now. But anyway, I, I haven't watched it in a while. But I, uh, it, it I, I was reading something where the whole, a lot of uh, the the theater, I guess I'll call it, that the Klan puts on, uh, like burning, like the cross burning thing, or I think people are familiar with that, with the Klan. Mm-hmm. That they actually, I read somewhere that they actually got that from that film. So it's like, hmm. <laughs> so, so there was a there was a book that was written that was a, was a, by, by a popular Scottish author, and then he had some references to this. Uh, group, I forget the name of it, it was something clan, and then, uh, but it was a Scot, a Scottish, uh, cultural centered book around Scot- Scottish themes, and then, uh, in the book they had, uh, reference to cross burnings, but the cross was totally different that they used, it was just like X, what we think of it as, as an X, but then that was, um, kind of dramatized in that film as a Christian cross, and then they show a burning cross, and then, then, then the, <laughs> Klansmen got the the clan got the idea to use that in there. I guess they terrorized people with it or whatever they did or hmm. still do. I don't know, but yeah, it's just another example where a lot of the stuff we see is directly out of fiction, hmm. and then it gets put out into the so-called real world. But I'm not yeah. saying the clan is not real or that they don't really terrorize people. But no, but, right, you know, no, it was a horrific it's, it's, thing. It still is, but but right, like there's people are influenced by the fiction that is almost targeted at them, and and they take up those stories in their heads and they and they try to live them. And people, I think there's this silly phrase going around that uh, life imitates art, but I think it's more like one human habit is to adopt stories that are fictional uh, because of some dramatic attraction to it. And maybe it's, maybe it's related to our attraction to celebrity or addiction to attention, things like that. I'm not sure. But yeah, that, that's definitely going on. Chris, do you mind if I um, interrupt where we're going with this awesome topic for just a moment and ask you a couple questions about you and your show and stuff? Um, sure. Okay. Um, first of all, we usually ask people when we have someone on the show, uh, how did they find Clues Forum? I uh, it was in two thousand, I think two thousand eight. Uh. I was um, 
You must have, you, that must be September Clues then, yeah. Because we yeah, had, September Clues is when I is when I got introduced that subject matter. Okay. I don't even know when Clues Forum came online. It was it wasn't until what several years later. Simon's research, basically. I think I've, uh, ne- you know, Nico Haupt, right? Yes. Oh my gosh, he's an obnoxious character. He's a character that would. Is apparently he claimed to be the first note planner, and he would do obnoxious performance art in New York and scream at people and like strip and just kind of try to make it seem as though questioning the news media was associated with just mania. I guess mm-hmm. seemed like it was a deliberate attempt to discredit by association. I, I never heard of uh, September Clues until he mentioned it on uh, Paula Gloria's. Uh, it, I guess she has a cable access show out of New York City, and then she would post videos, of course, to YouTube, and then I used to watch those from time to time. Wow, so you actually got – that's interesting, because I think a lot of people have come to uh, in, interest in these subjects, like fakery and stuff, through chills, like Alex Jones and Michael Moore, and it, it's almost like they can't avoid – curious people you know taking it an extra step and going oh maybe you guys are full of shit too (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah i don't i don't know about paula gloria i i don't know that much about her i'll just put it that way but uh um you should ask ask simon about her okay he's got a pretty strong opinion about her being very much part of uh the judy wood um jim fetzer Ace Baker, yeah, this crew of people that basically have were set out to spread the most absurd 9/11 theories and create limited hangouts. Yeah, I that seems. I mean, I get that. I I, I did get that impression from because I I would um I, w- I would listen to like Nico Haupt and then he would take the concept and kind of spin it and, and pull it into a different direction and, and kind of emphasizing on stuff that. I, I kind of determined later on that's like the, that's kind of a red herring or dist- or distraction or kind of diversionary tactic to kind of. He probably know. brought up things like P Tech and InQtel and key, yeah, and Keyhole uh, and the things that basically we already know now are just oh that was just the government creating Google you know and stuff like that. I mean it's stuff right. that now it's so obvious, but. And he would say like you know satellite evil satellite space beams and you know James Bond shit. So anyway, sorry. Combat systems and yeah, all no, of that. I'm just I'm too familiar with it now to 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 not interject on that. Well, that's how I found out about September Clues. Oh, awesome! Eco help. So you got Eco <laughs> help to thank for uh, turning me on to it. Good job. He he would mention it repeatedly uh, throughout the one interview that I watched with him on there, and I said, oh, that's that. And then he's saying that, oh yeah, no planes hit the towers, and I'm like, okay, that's. That's totally crazy sounding, but then I, I think I was, you know, at the time I was looking at a lot of stuff that was put out there, and it was like, yeah, I just had a sense that was more to it than what we were being told. So I was really open to the information. Then I went and watched September Clues, and I was like, holy crap, this is just, I, I know this. There's there's a lot of truth to this because this 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 is where it starts to make a lot more sense. Nine Eleven starts to make a lot more sense. Wow. So what what initially drew you to being interested in questioning 
the world around you on such a level that you're watching Paula Gloria and uh, things like that. Oh, I was open to a lot of stuff early on. I, I can't remember exactly. I mean, I remember it had to be in my early 20s when I started looking into so-called conspiracy stuff and all that. might have even been prior to that. I don't know. I was just always kind of just, you know, I didn't do well in school. I hated school. I just hated institutions and it's just something that maybe just in uh, of my nature i just didn't i I just didn't really like the whole regimented world of you know the system and all that and as far back as i can remember i always had had this inkling that and something's really wrong you know and then (laughs) and then the i you get introduced different from different places, you know, you might, it may even George Carlin or something, or he's just saying, yeah, it's, you know, it's like bullshit, the government's lying to you and all that. You, you start picking up things like that here and there, you know, and then, yeah. and you, then you, then you can either, and I tuned into it and I tuned in, I started tuning into, uh, just books and stuff that are out there, probably pretty typical fare for so-called conspiracy. And then, you know, I, I started, uh, yeah, I started looking into stuff, started listening to, I think I got introduced to the talk radio thing when I was listening, like years ago. I worked night shift, um, and I, I worked at a warehouse on the uh, when I was in the Navy, and uh, I would listen to uh, Art Bell before he before yep. he even talked about UFOs. He would talk about like uh, he wouldn't go into government conspiracy, but he would talk on he would talk. It was like a typical kind of political commentary, social commentary type talk show format and then i i remember it quite well when he started when the ufo stuff started coming up and then he went from it was like a period of like a year or something where he was talking about one one particular set of subject matter into full-blown like paranormal ghosts ufos and crap like that yeah, yeah, yeah. and then i still listened for a while but then it just got you know, I, I'm not really interested in like fan uh, getting into a lot of uh, conjecture and speculation and ghost stories and mm-hmm. uh, you know those those kind of sensationalized stories of weird crap. But, but well, no, I mean weird stuff happens. We, we well, here's the thing about it though. It's like you when you get into something like that, there's so much lore and 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 stuff superimposed over the top of it to where you, yes. you, you'll never know the truth about what the hell went on or what didn't go on. There's this art that people kind of take on for themselves. It's, you know, doubly, triply, quadruply s- s- true for for weird topics because with weird topics, you don't have that much reality to base it on. So there's huge room for speculation and stuff. Um, so that's why at Clues Forum, even though, yeah, okay, we acknowledge weird things happen, but if something gets too, uh, into the realm of, yeah, we've only got this little tiny snippet of reality on it, we're not gonna, we're not gonna bother and, you know, having our forum look like the David Icke forum, basically. So, mm, but right. so, anyway, so it's cool. So how did you get from interest in all that, you know, broad, weird stuff, and we should just have a conversation about that sometime. <laughs> And and narrow it down to oh okay there's these psychological operations and actually there's all these fake things that are on, are on top of the weird stuff that's going on in real life like how did you come to understand that there's so many liars and such I don't know I was told by my grandmother a couple of years before she died I was spending time with her having lunch or something and uh, 
she was just telling me, yeah, I always re- I remember one thing I, you know, about you when you were little is like you you never stopped asking questions. You just asking questions about everything. So I, I, I guess it was just something that I I don't know if it's innate or inborn or whatever, but maybe it's just curiosity. I don't know. I mean, cur- curiosity can lead you in different directions. But I'm, I'm I'm just curious about a lot of stuff. I don't. I mean, but then when when you're getting presented with like we are in the modern day where we get bombarded by so much media and entertainment i don't see how you cannot have an, a degree of curiosity about like w- what is the true nature of entertainment and media because mm. it's definitely not what we're told i mean because you start seeing patterns and if you're if you're in tune to picking up on patterns like you know that there's something seriously wrong with with people being on board with the same subject at the same time, that that's not something that's organic or naturally occurring. It's like, uh, but you'll see that with the media. It's like they're supposed to be independent sources, but they're all kind of in unison. I see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They did the study about that town in Australia where they introduced TV and I think they were doing some monitoring of it and found that people, stopped having as much conversations because people started talking about the same thing. Once they introduced TV to this town, it, it went from, you know, what's the news here or there to, well, did you see that this happened uh, on TV? Well, of course, you know, I just saw it because you saw it and we were all watching the same thing. And that would be like the end of the conversation. So TV actually introduced a kind of strange dominance over this kind of oppression of like normal conversations and stuff. Yeah, I think too. Have you ever read the? Uh, uh, I don't know if I've asked Kay this. The the book there's uh, the forty arguments for the elimination of television. Is that by Jerry Mander? Yeah, that's his uh, pseudonym. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it, it's it's an interesting book. And it goes into the effects on TV on different cultures that didn't have TV, like the uh, Inuit culture up in the you know North Alaska and all that. And yeah, can uh, we, do we have a clip of that? I wonder if there's a clip of him reading that or if we could find something on YouTube that we could squeeze into the show. Let's see if we can find somebody yeah. A lot of people talk about television viewing as a drug and they, they, they like to think of it in terms of being valium. But I really think it's speed because what happens is you're pacified when you're viewing it, although your nervous system is reacting back and forth. But... Um, when the thing goes off, your nervous system is still reacting, but the information field has stopped. And so in some ways, you have to get your system back up to speed. So then you go outside, let's say, and all the cars are moving fast, or you've got a Walkman on, and that's speeding you up. Or if you go out onto, into nature, though, if you go out onto nature, is barely happening at all. You know, it's very hard to experience grass growing um, or to see the interactions of nature if you've been if your whole internal system has been sped up so um, um, I think that for a lot of kids that that becomes a very uncomfortable experience and so they sort of have to get back up to speed and back to the machines back to the speed and so TV set goes back on and and it's used in that way as a kind of drug so I think what's happening is that television viewing for children and to, I think to some degree for adults is a training for um, more hyperactive inf- lifestyles and hyperactive informational systems and um, 
and for speeding up the nervous system and speeding up, it actually pacifies the mind, but it speeds up the desire to do something else. And um, and that that is putting people into a kind of um, emotional psychological state, which makes it impossible to relate to nature. So I mean, it's it's concrete alienation again. It's a it's internal alienation. Plus, images are going in, which stay in, and which can't which can't be got out either. So it's a real uh, heavy impact. And in the modern world, another point is that 70% of this information is controlled by three is controlled by seven corporations. 70% of global media, and that's not only television. That's also radio and magazines and books and movies and, and uh, billboards and uh, theaters. 70% of global media is controlled by seven corporations. And um, three corporations control 50% of the 70%. They are AOL Time Warner, Disney, and Fox. And the other four among the top seven are Sony, Viacom, General Electric, and Bertelsmann, I think, now. These people are controlling 70% of all the information that's moving through the world. We have never lived in such an information field before where we're separated from the natural world, so we don't get information that comes from nature very much. We're separated from alternative information, information delivered in this medium because the ownership of the medium rarely allows that to appear. And we are sitting and receiving a form of information in which, which is very, very powerful, it comes in the form of images, and once the images go in, they don't come out. They stay. That's, what is that? That's extremely weird phenomenon. It's almost science fiction in its, in its implications, it's big brother. And yet, we're, we think it's perfectly normal, you know, we think it's... <laughs> And then we're also living in a in a in a uh, physical universe of cities and cars and technology that we use all the time, and uh, which which makes which 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 accelerates the power of this, so that single voices can really have dictatorial power. primitive cultures and all that and they kind of it's like okay what do you do if you're a so-called primitive you know you're you're hunting you're gathering you're uh they would they would have a lot of discussions they were they were totally preoccupied and they were they would discuss the the of course you know nature on the world around them and they had you know they would they would you know share observations that they made about 
oh, did you, okay, there's this, uh, like, mountain cat or whatever, and he's up on that ridge all day today, and then I saw him walk down to the water hole, and then, uh, and then, it, and then, you know, I, when I, when I, when I saw him again later, he had, uh, you know, a squirrel in his mouth or whatever. They're just going and recounting and they're retelling all their observations and they're sharing all their observations today. And then they would, you know, that, that's what their culture circulated around. And then, of course, they, out of all that sharing and information stuff, they would develop uh, and hone their techniques for hunting, survival, and that sort of thing. So the, the sharing of information, you know, has always been like an important uh, component of social life. You know, of course, I mean, naturally, that's, I mean, that's obvious. But, it, but you know, you, you fast forward to the modern day or maybe not fast forward if you're still living that way. I don't know. There's still <laughs> people in the world that live that way, but there's, they're dwindling numbers. But if, if, if you're in the, if you're a so-called civilized, uh, you know, product. I, I call it products. I think we're, I think we're in the in the civilized world. We're we're a domesticated product, just like a piece of livestock. Well, I'm not a product, but we're certainly treated like them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In a sense, I think we are. You know. I mean. Yeah. I don't. You could choose not to identify that way, but I think I think we all have domestication in our <laughs> in our makeup. You know, to one degree or another. But but anyway, like. Uh, you know, you, so there's, I, I think there's this drive, you know, to share information and stuff like we're sharing information and stuff like or, or about our environment, a system, the world around us and stuff like that. And, it, it, and I think that's what the media, uh, the mainstream media does is sort of has taken and co-opted the kind of traditional role of maybe like a tribal leader of some sort that de- disseminates or, 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 or kind of presides over sort of the guardian over the mythology or the legends of the, of the tribe or something like that. It's, it's some, it, it's, it's like everything in our artificial system. It's a substitution for something. So I, I think that mm. that's why it ha- holds so much persuasive power over individuals is because it's, it's, it's kind of this, uh, deep seated yeah. need. Yeah, they've tuned into it's like a cyborg attachment. They've tuned into what people want and have created um, surrogates for it. And yeah, you know, everything has some kind of analog substitute in the uh, artificial realm, as what you would have in a tribal natural uh, uh, social uh, construct. We're always given the sense that well. Between the two, you know, we've always chosen the most techno-fascist because it's superior, you know. Uh, it's like, here, you have this choice, but actually we always choose the technocratic thing. And that seems to be, yeah, and then we have this idea that it was a choice instead of, oh, wait, the technocracy has actually con- convinced us that it, it's better, you know. And then we have all these people with extreme depression and suicidal thoughts and things anyway one more one more thing um so your name uh my real name is robert ravel and i do a completely different podcast at a hair oh. kate laughing uh, she knows i'm, <laughs> knows I'm bullshitting. okay no i've been a i've been accused of that i i and and I listen to the guy, and I don't, I don't think I sound like him. I don't know. But then, you know, I can hear myself back on my recordings if I want. I can listen back. And I, I listen to Robert Ravel, and I was like, I, I don't do – I, I don't – Kay, do I sound like Robert Ravel? Have you ever heard Robert Ravel? Do I sound like him? 
No. I mean, no. you sound white, male. <laughs> Maybe. Is that it? Thanks, Jay. No, it's not an accusatory no. thing. It's just a, you know, um, Kay and I choose semi-anonymity. Simon chooses less anonymity. Um, different people have different levels, and I just like to ask people, you know, where they're at. Why Why do they choose anonymity or not? Is that something they came to immediately or something they accidentally did? Or Yeah. And, I just and, go with my real name because uh, it's like I, I don't know what what's the risk of using my real name. I don't think there's any risk, real risk. I haven't had anybody try to hunt me down or anything, and I, I think if I, – I, I, like what would be the point, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. I, with most I, with most people, it seems it's more like a, a job concern. It's yeah, not, I can it's, see the, like a job. Concern, the government already knows everything about you know us, I, but it's I more even like question that too because I've I've had people say that like, well, yeah, I don't I don't want you know my real name used or full name used, and it's like, yeah, but then on the other hand, it's like the odds that your boss is going to hear hoaxbusters call is probably like less than zero sure i mean it's like unless you share it with a co-worker and they decide hey you know what you know this guy believes or something i can see that so yeah insert but i'm not yeah i don't fall well, anybody like, for and like ab from fakeologist he's got a family and he doesn't want people just just the simple act of googling his name he doesn't want people to yeah, do yeah, that. yeah i i don't yeah i don't I, like i said it, there's just different circumstances for different people so i don't i don't i don't have a problem with it but it's it's just hard to keep it's hard to keep track of people sometimes. Like re- remembering if they're using their first name and they're using a handle, and then they're it, it, it kind of gets. That's the only problem that I have with it. It's just a practical. I understand. Issue, I'm sorry. If you don't mind, if you if you don't mind just calling me Hoy on the show, that would be appreciated. But it, but you don't even have to call me anything since people can just yeah. distinguish our voices. <laughs> yeah. I won't um, tell anybody that I don't know. You, you are sound a, kind of alike uh, <laughs> to me. Are you both white male? What's going on here? Uh yeah, I'm you, mostly you, white. Incidentally, Roy is actually Robert Raybolt, not me, but <laughs> I put that out to confuse everyone. I don't even know who that is, but it's funny. You've been making videos, haven't you? Chris. Uh recently? No, I haven't. What's the I last been one? Making made? videos? Yeah, what's the uh, last video you made? I think the one I made a video it was kind of a gag video. It was like a minute long recently. It was directed at at, at somebody that was uh, accusing me and Ab and uh Jay and John of being some kind of a net part of some sort of like network, I guess working for the Russians or something. I don't know. <laughs> what? I don't really know where the guy's coming from. I can't really pin it down but yeah it's putting out videos and it used to be on abs show and so i made a little video it was like a minute and a half video and and because he his main thing was like i'll oh, see you know he's looking at hoaxbusters call and i have like links down the side down the side of sites that i visit you know regularly so he's saying well this this comprises some sort of a network of affiliated chills or something like that so i put his name in there and i put a <laughs> I put, <laughs> And I put a link to the that. video. <laughs> well, good. well, yeah, perfect. I mean, if all if all you're going to do to associate people together is to say, oh, these names appear in the same spot and they have and they share like opinions. That's 
That's a pretty, that's not very strong research. I think we're asking people to do a little better research than that. We're asking people to like actually go, okay, where did this person come from? What is their background? If they're, if they're saying stuff that doesn't make sense. If they're saying stuff that makes sense, who cares, right? Who cares if, who gets the credit? You know, that was one of the other things that we did um, at Clues Forum that I think is pretty good is we've said, you know what? We don't really care who you are if you're not bullshitting us then the information itself is the message. That's the important thing. It's for the public to understand what's going on. So the personality discussions and the, it's not relevant if, unless it becomes a question of, I don't trust what this person is saying, you know, you can just leave it behind. Yeah. Well, this individual too is, is going on clues forum and he's going on the material and he's saying like, um, He's he's showing that uh, you know Simon and you guys are putting out false information and you know and and he's showing like uh, you know the the building that's falling at an angle in one picture and then you go to another picture it doesn't look like it it's such a drastic angle and he's and he's he, he's giving it his interpretation of that and he's saying well see this this means that Simon is uh, some kind of a shill and he's putting out bad information. Oh and my like, God! We've been having well, those people since uh, since 911movement.org when we first started proving that the 911 footage was CGI. You'd have uh, characters from a site called Pump It Out, which sounds like either Pump Out the Poison, which they're considering us to be, or Pump Out the Propaganda, as they're always talking doing. about Jeff. Jeff Hill? Yes, Jeff Hill and yeah. Flying Telephant and uh, Genghis and these these characters that were basically uh, their their whole uh, their whole MO was to basically try to say don't listen to Simon ever because this particular thing can be excused you know, and they would and they would only pick one thing and say, well, I haven't looked at the other things, but this shows that you know Simon's judgment is totally off, and therefore uh, you can't trust anything he says ever. It was a way to to make it so that people didn't even look at the information or even re-examine the footage because they know that if people are kind of upset by the information, they're too scared to go back to the record and, and see that, oh, yes, knows that thing is a thing that is physically impossible, and it is in the archives. And they replaced aspects of the archives with other aspects of the archives to mask it, mask it over. You know, they, they took over the Fox um, archive and just replaced it with something from, I think it was ABC, or even... Um, oh, an, really? An, yeah, or an even amalgamation... <laughs> of others because they they didn't want to have the original nose out footage in the archive. I mean, if you if you're actually paying attention and doing deep research on this, it's not too hard. I mean, all you have to do is ask where is the real information? Where is the source? Mm. And they're just throwing up walls all along the way. And so, of course, someone like Simon who's simply a guy asking questions saying uh Wait a minute, but this is the official thing, and he, this is also the official thing, and they contradict each other. And and there's this whole website dedicated to telling people, oh no, it's not a contradiction. You see, uh, you know, and then 
explaining it in circles and not actually proving that it isn't um, wrong, you know. So if something's on Clues Forum and then I'm looking at it and I'm saying, well, okay, this this can be this has a logical explanation that doesn't include video fakery or something like that. You know, maybe it could be some kind of a lens uh, aberration or <laughs> there are things that do occur when you're photographing stuff with uh, zoom lenses. That's really odd stuff. I've seen it stuff. I'm kind of familiar with photography myself, but it starts to look a little bit like you're making excuses because, you know, there's only so many ways you can explain the number of things wrong with what's going on. And to say that it's just, oh, this is, oh, well, maybe it was just a new camera that they had. Okay, what camera then? What camera? And then what lens, you know? And there is always just speculation that maybe you can force it to make sense. But then, you know, I, I went through all this. I went through all this because when I was questioning Simon's stuff, I was like, no, the the second plane path, it doesn't, it's not a contradiction. You can actually, for, you know, but I set up a 3D model of it in my house. I, I made like two towers and I made the airplane path. And I, and I tried every way to photograph it so that every single so-called captured image of the, of the attack made sense. It's, it's impossible to reconcile unless you futz with it in computer animation and make these videos that they're making now where they make a path that moves and morphs. That's oh, you're talking doing. about like comparing the so-called dive bomb footage with the like the other footage that was taken below the Brooklyn uh, Brooklyn Bridge, where it's like a it, it appears to be like a straight shot path, and then yeah, you just count all you have to do is count back the seconds or count back the frames and say like here's the plane and the nose bomb footage, you know, uh, you know, point five seconds before or you know two seconds before impact, and here's here's the other. Uh, from the other perspective and this is two seconds before impact and it's like okay and you take and you, and you put those side by side and it's like how, how the hell can you reconcile reconcile that through any lens aberration or anything else i i have no idea so it, so the, the the most plausible explanation is like okay they can't both be real if they have that large a disparity between the two you know positions of the plane it doesn't you know what i mean it doesn't the thing that people don't say is, yeah, if if one of them has to be fake, then both can be fake. That's what people forget to say. They say, well, one of them might be fake, but <laughs> but then that is right there says, okay, if that can be faked and you're not going to ask how and you're not going to ask why and you're not going to say uh, – you're not going to explain to your own self how the contradiction occurred – and you're just going to leave it in cognitive dissonance in your mind and say, mm. oh, well, uh, one of them might be fake, but I'm waiting for an explanation to prove to myself that it's not. Then then you're hopeless. You're not you're not actually going to do any research. You don't want to do the research. You don't want to know. But right. if you're but if you're a curious person and you say, oh, yeah, they gave it a reasonable shot to make it like somewhat consistent and they also made stupid fuck ups it, they 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 did both you know they gave it a reasonable effort and they fucked up that's just that's just human nature i don't understand why that's difficult to understand but for for a lot of people it it's too much it, they, they they can't process the idea that um something that fooled them 
could also have seams that they can obviously see. It's just like a magic trick. When the magician is saying, you know, obviously there's no rabbit in the hat, and then he pulls the rabbit out of the hat. It's, it's, you know, people don't want to think about how it happened. So they go, oh, well, maybe, you know, they just allow for that little magical thinking to enter their brain. Yeah. But, it, but there is uh, all the footage of the plane coming out the other side of the building. You know, there's the nose out footage. And I've had a discussion with Simon about that before. He says, yeah, if I could, you know, if I could update all the copies of September Clues out there and then take out the one part where I'm saying that 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 was some sort of uh, layering glitch or something like that, because, um, you know, you know, as he's told me, he's come to understand later that it, you know, there are there are other so-called amateur footage and other footage where the plane is coming out the other side. Now, well, that, that they, is like, that is, now, I think that is hard to, um, for anybody to like kind of take that in for a minute. And I think that's what probably... I don't think it's so difficult. I'm sorry, but I've just been sitting with this for many years now. So allow um, me to, allow me to respond, please. When did the amateur footage come out? Uh, it, I don't know. Okay. I really don't. Look, at first, there were only a few news shots mm-hmm. that supposedly depicted what was going on. In fact, at first, there was only just, like, the one or two. Then mm-hmm. they, you know, seemed to multiply over the course of the day and over the course of the following weeks and months. Well, then, when the so-called amateur footage came out, they could not contradict what had already been shown, or they were not going to do it already. They were not going to do it worse than they already had contradicted it in the in, oh, the, right. in yeah, the initial slap together shit. So, of course, the stuff that comes after has to somewhat match up. But you'll notice that some of them, it seems as though, oh, that's not, that's not quite, you know, uh, that's not quite an airplane nose. It's actually the air, air, airplane nose and some debris and some clouds, or you know, there is some three D. 2D weird software being used, um, but the reason Simon has told me that too. He said, "Well, I would take that back." But the reason he gave to me was why he would explain it um, as something that's not really worth putting in the video as that particular speculation that it was like camera drift or whatever, is because he wanted to emphasize that they used multiple methods mm-hmm. and that it was done like a Hollywood production. So. Just like in Hollywood production, they'll use they'll use miniatures, they'll use uh, CGI, they'll use special effects. You know, it's something that we can't really know, uh, and probably will never know. So it's not he's not taking back that it's fake. He's just saying I shouldn't have said this is the particular way that it was done. So I mean, I understand what you're saying that yeah, it's worth it to question what he's talking about, but these. A lot of these people don't actually want to get into the nitty gritty. They don't want right. to. They say they do, but then when you explain to them, they're like, "Oh no, no, it's, it's once, uh, you know, I don't really want to think about it. I just want to say that Simon is is untrustworthy, or he's, you know, or he's full of shit or something." And it's like, "Well, why don't you act?" He's just pointing out things that anyone could discover for themselves. Well, I was uh, having this argument with uh, Marcus, you know, because he was he was taking the position that you know, oh, you know, Simon's. Uh, a a shill because he's putting out bad information about you know, how they faked it. 
He's putting out uh, speculations, yes. He's putting out speculations, and I was saying, well, it wouldn't wouldn't that be what you would expect from a real person doing their their own actual earnest research to try to get to the bottom of the truth that they're that they are that they're not going to be. So if you're hundred, if he's coming out of the gate one hundred percent spot on, that's suspicious. If he's coming out of the gate and he's got some things that aren't that aren't you know technically hundred percent spot on, then he's a shill too. So it's like you, there there would be no way you can win. We're accused of of being full of shit for not speculating enough. We're accused of being <laughs> know, full yeah. of shit when we actually speculate and say, here's our most reasonable explanation for what may be going on, even though we don't know. And we always say, we probably don't know and we'll probably never know. And there's too many people that will completely ignore all the times that we say that and just say, well, they're pushing bad information. Where are we pushing it? We just have our one little site on the internet, on the entire internet. Right. And there's all these people saying, don't go there. Don't look at it. And it's like, okay, well, who is pushing around who here? Like, can we not have one place on the internet where we discuss this? So I just don't buy it. And, and th- this new phenomenon of someone accusing you of being partnered with Simon? No, that's absurd. It's just more of the same, like, uh, pump it out and um, let's troll. Let's troll forums and all these people saying, yeah, you know, they're deliberately trying to skew information. And No, I'm sorry. This is, but, but it's good that people are aware of this discussion because, yeah, it is, it is part of it. it. You know, we can get sort of really entangled in all the particulars and then kind of get debating among ourselves about the thing. And then we're kind of losing sight of what the whole gist of the thrust of the information um, is, you know, ultimately it's that the question is, I, I think it comes down to a question of like, okay, so you saw this imagery on September 11, 2001. Could, is it possible that what you saw could have been, uh, contrived you know could have been fake could have been um what was presented to you didn't really happen the way you were told is that possible and it's like so if if someone has taken any kind of position on it unless it's the official story and they just want to take what their hand what's what's delivered to them you know from official sources and then they're not going to look at anything else you know i'm talking about these people that are you know so-called 9-11 truthers and all that it's like so and they're open to ideas like, like a plane didn't hit the Pentagon or something like that. Mm. So it's like, okay, so you're, so what they're saying is like, so what you've been, what you were shown is not what happened. So like, it, so then with that in mind, is it possible that a lot of the imagery or maybe most of the imagery is fabricated or fake? And then they'll, they'll take this, this, this total, uh, in, inconsistent, uh, stance of no, no, that that is not possible. It's like it's not possible, and then it's like, well, well, why? You know, the technology is there. Um, it, <laughs> it's it's all, been there forever, it's, and it's and been there the forever. Landings. I mean, yeah, the, the simulations have been happening since the Titanic. I mean, the Titanic even probably didn't happen. That that looked like uh, it looked like a particular kind of photo manipulation going on back then, and that was just like a few photos. So if if this has been happening since you know the dawn of the of the technology of of photography and videography and things like that, I don't understand why people. It's mainly 
it seems. People just don't believe that people would get away with the lie. They just don't believe they would get away with it. They think, well, someone would capture them. Someone would do something. Someone would call it out, and it wouldn't have to be me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I, I think that's another, that's an important issue. It's it, it, it's it, is to get anywhere with this. It's like to try to, to try to get a better understanding of why people think the way they do, and that's and that's what I, I, I talk about that a lot, or I try to flesh these ideas out in my uh, in my podcast and all that. I, I want to take the, the the thought process of stuff that have get developed, you know, looking into the stuff and looking at the implications and the wider implications, and then what it usually kind of swings around to is that like you run you run into this these these barriers with people not being able to uh, assimilate or absorb this information, like but. The, 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 that, that raises the question is like why or how do people get that way or what what makes certain people open to these ideas and other people not not open to these ideas at all that's why you you won't get many academics or people high up in the system that will even entertain any such ideas of like the fake imagery being presented on as real on 9/11 or something like that because they have this perceived in, they have this perceived investment into the system through by way of like you know maybe getting a degree getting a good paying job having a nice house nice cars whatever and then they feel like oh they've they've won in the system or they are they are represented as a winner or a, an achiever or a successful so called and i think though there's not everybody that's like that is like that so you know of course there's exceptions but i'm thinking i'm I'm just thinking in general it's like this it's like uh the fear it really comes down to like a fear of loss right because i think that's what a lot it it, it characterizes a lot of our insecurities as human beings is like a lot of it is uh centered around fear of loss you know either a loss of life or loss of property or loss of something and i think that's what that's what drives this resistance to this information it's like this fear of loss what are the implications and what could i potentially lose even though they may not be their job may not even be in jeopardy at all or whatever it's still kind of the implications of like okay what if this is true that means that the system is a sham it's a fraud it's 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 a big scam you know and so they just don't even want to entertain they they don't want that to enter into their worldview at all I think that's I think that's a lot to do with it. I think there would be a totally different attitude uh, if we were in some sort of like real economic depression crisis situation. You would see probably like ten, I would guess ten times, twenty times, fifty times more people that would be open to this kind of discussion. I don't want to be associated with this potentially troubling information because it might have my boss pre- might be prejudiced against me. It, why is that? It, it can. I think this goes back to the the question of is it legal to talk about, like for example, something controversial like the Holocaust in Europe? Is it? And if it's not, why are people afraid of it or not afraid of it? And yeah, it, it's uh, we should always push for free speech. I do think we should try to spend some time on our our promised topic that we're telling the audience we're going to talk about. Um, are you, do you want to, after a break, like, uh, 
dive into the Holocaust thing? Uh, sure. Okay. Okay, great. Um, we'll just play some... I'll just digitally insert using my amazing audacity editing techniques <laughs> um, a Simon Shack song here and then we'll come back. of the topic at cluesforum.info and I'm not sure how much people have gotten into it last show Kay and I talked about uh, you know I went to the Anne Frank Museum and I saw this book that's supposedly this volume of everyone who died in the World War II Holocaust which I guess we have to distinguish now thanks to Chris's pointing out that maybe this is an older meme 
um, than World War II, uh, but it looked like it could have been just fake. I mean, there was only two pages open. You know, it was a spread. You can only see the two pages, and the rest of the book you can't see. You don't know. And even the names that were there looked like Sims. You know, they looked kind of variations of each other, which is slightly plausible in, you know, a homogenous culture. But it was also kind of odd. It, it looked like maybe like too many similar names being swapped between middle and last and first name. And I don't know. It just seemed a bit odd to me. And the fact that it was in a case and we couldn't look at it. I mean, we talked about little things like that. We talked about there was some particular researcher who did who went into the uh, um, Auschwitz and found that you know it it was turned into a museum and when they turned it into a museum they altered it to make it appear more like they were killing lots of people. Um, right, they put the that square hole in the ceiling. Yeah, to make it look like that was clearly yeah, they, hammered out with a chisel. Right, <laughs> it wasn't some wartime thing, but it was something done after the that base was captured or whatever. Right, and they put walls up or something weird. Right, and then the propaganda of all the shoes, which is like this very Jewish theme, all the sh- all the piles of empty shoes, how sad, you know, like... <laughs> right, hard to walk around barefoot. Well, the implication is, of course, the, the germ- those shrewd Germans kept all the shoes but burned the people, which is so, such a funny... Thing. Anyway... Is it in the? Is it one of the in the thread? It might be one of these many, many videos we have in here. It's a hefty thread, thirteen pages. Look, look. Here's the thing. I don't think Chris or Kay or even I am trying to suggest to anyone that feels threatened by the information and like that they will get really in trouble for talking about it in public to go around and do it, you know. We don't recommend people break the law. But at the same time, uh, let's acknowledge that free speech is kind of precious and we should use it and exercise it. And questioning the Holocaust is one of, apparently, the most uh, radical things you can do today because there's still propaganda about it all the time. Basically anything connected to World War II, Nazism, um, what actually happened in all these countries. So, so let's so let's get to it and take a look at this thread. Do you did you see anything that you wanted to read right away? Not yet. I mean, really, it's from all the research I've done, the most compelling was the um, lice eradication system that they had with the Zyklon B. It was okay. a whole like systematic cleansing. I mean, couldn't we just, it seems to me a logical place to go. I mean, we don't have to talk in the negative, like something didn't happen. Just talk what did happen. Zyklon B is supposedly what was given to people in ridiculously large doses to kill them en masse. That's the idea. They were brought to these shower rooms and they dumped pesticide in. in. That's That's what they say. Right? Is that the official story? Yes, yeah, something like yeah. Dumped okay. it in, they then they choked off the gas and died okay. naked and afraid. And so, how does that how is that contradicted by what you found? Well, what I found was that it was just removing the clothes was important because they were infested with lice and they had to be cleaned. Hmm. And it they had to cut their hair because it was infested with all of Germany 
was having a huge problem with lice. Mm. And so this was one of the attempts at making sure it didn't get out of control and make too many people sick. Mm. So the idea is that these compassionate Germans were kind of like, okay, let's, uh, let's make sure our, you know, our system. Is no, they, they were worried about their own health. Okay. Okay. So they had to clean these poor people up before they got them sick. Right I, on. That's really what was going on. That sounds, sounds about as plausible, you know? Is the official story that the Germans used de-lousing agents in the camps? Or is the official story that, the, that they had poisonous gas disguised as de-lousing agent? Or what is the official story on that? Yeah, that's I don't what know. I wonder. That's what I wonder, too. It, because let's say that... You know, that would be the question to research, you know, if you wanted to start researching this. It, it seems like if they were using pesticide to kill people, then you would want to know if this pesticide wasn't used for something else as well, and then why it wasn't being used for that. You know, if it if, if this thing really does just destroy lice, um, why wasn't it being used for that? Okay, so what, what they're they what what you're saying is that they said that the delousing agent was um, either it could be dual use. You can either use it to kill people, or you can use it to delouse, and they use it to kill people. Is that is that what the is that what you're reading? It's not an either or discussion. I have you have to go to several videos to get your viewpoint right there. Okay. Either one says it's this way, and or another video says and. The Zyklon B found in this this uh, document list, whatever list of what do they call those, the bill of lading, mm-hmm. you know, accepting it. And there's German soldiers signed for it, and here it is, proof they use Zyklon B camps. But then there's other pictures where you see them. Uh, they put these clothes in these mesh, so the German, so the the Jewish people would come to the camp. They'd send them to this place, they'd take their clothes off, put a, then they'd shower, you know, or not shower, but dust them with the powder insecticide. Mm-hmm. I think they cut their hair off, then dust them, then they put other clothes on them, and then they would, their own clothes and belongings would get put in mesh bags. And then they would be hung, like, you know, a couple dozen at a time in this big shed room thing. They'd close the doors and then gas that and let that sit for whatever, 24 hours, 48. And then they'd open it up again and air it out and then hang them on another hook where they'd air out more. And then, wait, the one I saw, one had hooks. Okay, the hooks was the airing out, but when they put them in the Zyklon B, they just dumped them in a big pile. They didn't care. It's interesting. When I'm looking it up real quick, I'm finding that um, it's associated, at least on some sites, uh, with the chemical hydrogen cyanide. And hydrogen cyanide is something that's um, found naturally in some foods and cigarette smoke. And it is known to uh, cause uh, convulsions and inability to breathe and stuff. So I would want to know whether this is supposedly the thing that was used to de-louse because it sounds a bit extreme. But at the same time, if we're eating it, it's another case of... The dose, right? So what was the dose? What was the dose? If it was just like, you know, we have those things where you can draw like 
chalk lines on the ground with this special stuff that that messes with the nerve damage. It, it damages the nerves of cockroaches, and so that's how you you know kill the cockroaches in your house. But it doesn't hurt us. You know, you don't want to be like eating it, but it's kind of like yeah, it's all about the dose. Yeah, so you would have a. Well, I'm looking at the Wikipedia entry on what Zyklon B is a some pe- is a pesticide that was used in Germany in the early 20s. And then, yeah, like it says, it's hydrogen cyanide based. Yeah, the question is, um, if, if you're going to, because that's, I mean, what we're told, here, here's the whole thing about the Holocaust. I mean, the way I understand it, the way it's presented is that this was a program, you know, so they, so they built camps and they, and they had the whole, they had the intention before they rounded up the Jews, that they were going to enact what's called the, the final solution and systematically eradicate or kill Jews or, you know, whatever classification of people they wanted to kill. But the, but the, but the, the issue is that they had a program set up to uh, mass execute, you know, millions of people at these camps. So then, then the question is like, uh, so the official word is that they used pesticide, a, a, a certain brand name of pesticide to do this. Is pesticide the best thing to do the job? I mean, I guess they might have had stronger pesticides back then. I don't know the difference than what we have today, but you know, typically, well, like you're like you're referring to as a matter of dose, but then like when, when you're talking about something that's designed to kill lice what, what is the body mass of, of a single <laughs> lice compared yeah. to a human you see what i'm saying exactly and like so you but so, so you, the you doses, basically you would need insane amounts you would right. need like you would need more than uh, i mean you'd have to have people you'd have to probably have like an entire tub to kill each person or something except they're saying okay so it was in close quarters but they're going to have to put it on you. Let's say they're going to use it as prescribed, you know, as a delousing agent, and they're going to put it into your hair. And so they're going to need enough. They're going to need a, to put enough of this crap on you to like to cover your hair, to saturate your hair. It's probably going to get on you. It's probably going to get absorbed in your skin. So it so it couldn't be that toxic because if it was that toxic, then even at those amounts that the prescribed dosage amounts would make people ill at least, and it wouldn't be, and then that would be one good reason for it not even to be on the market, not even have it accessible. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we could you touch this stuff and it makes you sick. It's so yeah. toxic. But it's like it, apparently it wasn't toxic enough to. You know to, that it prevented it from being used as a as a common delousing agent. Yeah, if you could just put it on your body and be fine, then it would probably have to be massive amounts to inhale and stuff. But I suppose they're saying okay, they they heated it up to a certain degree. I mean, it's it's very fuzzy. It's very fuzzy, and it's so fuzzy that it makes you think. You'd think they'd have a much more s- specific information about how this was accomplished because if we're talking about Six million people in, I don't, I don't know how long this was supposed to have been taking place, but let's just say it's just a year. That's like, uh, it's like, that's oh, over 10,000, it's like 15,000 people in, in a, per day? That's insane amounts, huge populations, you know, right. per day. Um, and let's say that you divide that up just in like 10 major camps. 
that's still uh, what a thousand five hundred thousand five hundred people per day nonstop in each camp. Like, how is the how would that even be? And the German Should- soldiers, yeah, they had to carry each body up the stairs and around the corner to get them outside after they gassed them. I mean, you would need you would need armies. You need that many German soldiers just to be like operating the thing. I don't know. It the numbers themselves just don't seem to add up in the first place. So that's like my first major question. And then the second question is for me, um, yeah, like this method that's supposedly so effective and yet it's kind of this, uh, this, it, it wasn't especially for, for how precise and exact the, the Germans are, you would think they would have created something that's actually much more efficient at killing than having to sho- shove people uh, into like a, a processing facility that only takes, you know, some dozen and then it's this thing that they kind of use for this other thing, but we're just going to like overdose people on it. I don't know. It, it doesn't, it doesn't come across. It, it sounds like something out of, um, it doesn't even sound like science fiction, which would have, which would have a more like evil sounding way of killing people. It, it just sounds like, a bad idea that just got carried away. And I don't understand. I don't understand how this is like not investigated much more fully. I don't know why they just didn't poison their food one day. Oh, here you go. Here's right. just have some, Oh, we get some goulash with the special flavor. They'll just eat mm. it and die. I mean, why strip them and terrify them and shove them into these weird showers and waste a bunch of product, you know, that may or may, I don't get it. To me, it sounds Why? like it, it sounds like an anxiety of the prisoners of war, and they're going, "Well, we don't like being treated this way. How can we exaggerate this story <laughs> into something horrific?" You know, that, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like an imagination running wild about, yeah, the general, the generally crappy treatment of prisoners of war, which is not pleasant, but it wasn't. It wasn't murder. It wasn't massacre. So that that's what it seems like to me. Just um, like, where'd all the people go then? Well, they were turned into lampshades and soap, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we should still be using that soap today if that's how many people were. No, I don't know. That's not true. That's. Uh, but but anyway. is there a question on the people? I mean, I've heard that before. Where'd all the people go if they didn't die in the camps? Six million of them. They burnt them up in the ovens. Oh, right. I forgot. Right. There, there wasn't there. So there was another way of killing people that was like Hansel and Gretel. Like shoved them in the. Were they dead by that time they went to the oven? Well, it said they killed a million with the pesticide method here in the Wikipedias. Ah. So it's only a million that they killed with the Zyklon B. Wow. How did they kill the other five million? Um, just executing them constantly all day. Would you say fifteen thousand a day? Was that the number? Well, yeah, that's what it adds up to. Um, if you just take, if you say it happened over the course of a year, it's like sixteen thousand something. I just did the calculator. Sixteen thousand, and how many concentration camps were there that Jews um, have said to have been killed in? Gosh, I, I, for some reason I feel like, yeah, five, that number jumps out to me, less than ten. But, you know, there's all these weird stories. Let me just tell you a little personal story. This is, this is my personal connection to the, the Jewish thing. I have, 
I'm a I'm an amalgamation of of different genes, but my I'm closest to a Jewish gene on my mother's side, and so I was asking her about her relatives who are Jewish and like how how exactly we're tied all up in this story. <laughs> And it's pretty weird. The closest thing I have is someone who's not blood-related, um, but who was, like, married into the family and, without going into too many personal details, kind of a predatory person. They're a sexual predator in the family. And they're associated with a town, I think in Ukraine, that is known for being an incestuous town. And this is just all... Please just take this all as third hand, fourth hand, fifth hand, you, you know, so not much better than speculation, but this is just my personal connection. And they apparently were responsible for setting up personally a memorial of Holocaust victims, like they got support. I'm not sure if it's associated with this town, but it's that family from that town where there were many, um, kind of open secrets it was almost like it wasn't exactly the mafia but it was like there was a lot of uh, under the table kind of stuff going on and so th- just the fact that something as supposedly revered as a holocaust memorial can be led by somebody who's so into such like a twisted world of incest and abuse and all that just makes me think Hmm, like, what is it about these people that promote this? Could there be a connection? Could there be some kind of almost I scratch your back, you scratch mine kind of thing going on? There's a bit of the whole the whole thing about who is promoting this exactly is creepy. Uh, and who is promoting this? Well, uh, yeah, that's a good question. I, the only thing that I know of right now is there's a museum in the Netherlands called the Anne Frank Museum, which is heavily, you know, constantly reminding people the Holocaust is the worst thing ever. And Amsterdam is an extremely Jewish uh, city. It always has been. And so there's that. And then there's like those books, right? The, the, the supposed survivors. And, and then as far as I know, the rest is just Hollywood. It's like Schindler's List and other propaganda movies. So... You don't have, I guess, a great deal. It's just like we have this understanding that it's this big promoted thing that can, like, cannot possibly be questioned. But have we actually even begun questioning it? I don't think we have. Well, we have Zycon B, man. I mean, yeah. what that's proof that they did it. Why? Why would you have this? Here, here's the evidence. You know, like, uh, like I say. Uh, Zyklon B labels from Dachau concentration camp used as evidence in the Nuremberg trials. The person, so, so they have evidence that they used this poisonous gas. I mean, how, how much more proof do you need? Well, that and, that and the stuff that was written afterwards where they, they said, oh, we'll see the Germans, it was all part of the master plan. The master plan was to ultimately eliminate the Jews entirely. But there's some, there's some questions about those, documents i think that 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 claim that was like the the ultimate plan of the nazis you know the point i was going to make about the zyklon b is that it's a it's a delousing agent which <laughs> right. is uh 
which is known, which is that's what it's made and sold for, you know. So now, I, can you go convict somebody on murder on this kind of evidence? Let's say like they they want to go to like my house and they and they so, so I'm <laughs> so I'm accused of of like killing some poisoning somebody and they find like a can of like raid bug spray and they said, well, like here you have a can of bug spray. So there now, if the person was found to have died from bug spray, I'm not saying if somebody turns up dead, but like that's, it's not proof of anything though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, you could say, oh, or uh, I was trying to think of a better analogy, but. Or like bleach. Like if they found bleach under your sink and they're like, oh, like obviously anyone who died and then the body has disappeared, you, you clearly, you know, you obviously poured bleach down their throat and had them die in extremely loud agony and then, you know, got rid of them yeah. somehow magically. Based on no other evidence that based you have on finding, Based it. on finding this chemical, yeah. That you have it. And then, because that's what they're, as far as I know, that's what they're saying here. I mean, they're, of course, they try to say that there's residue on the so-called gas chamber walls and stuff like that. And it's like, well, yeah, if you were using it as delousing, you'd probably have some some residue, right? It sounds then, like a, it, it has echoes of weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, doesn't it? It has this kind of like, well, there's like some aluminum tubes and that could be maybe used for, you know, something horrible. <laughs> so, or they could say that they have these facilities where they're pumping out this explosive liquid agent and they have these all over the country. Mm-hmm. And then like and then everybody says, yeah, well, shit, let's 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 bomb them. And and then oh yeah, it turns out later that that we were just talking about gas stations. <laughs> it's just there. natural gas, actually. <laughs> or yeah, yeah, natural gas or something like that. Yeah, that's the that's the kind of evidence. So that's a category of evidence. So, so they have delousing, but they're but you, don't they have this at any institution? I mean, right now as we speak in the country, like you can go to your local nut house or uh, children's home or whatever, they're going to have delousing agent. In there, that's probably going to have something pretty toxic in it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's that's a it's a, it's an institutional like staple. It's just something that it's like having, yeah, like what you say, like bleach or anything else in inside of an institution. Well, what are you doing with this? Well, we're cleaning the the freaking floors with it, you know. It's <laughs> like well, it's, that's not evidence of a crime. Neither is delousing agent evidence of anything. It's just like, okay, yeah, we got all these damn people compacted into this one small space, and we have lice, and then we have delousing agent. That's, that's not, so I mean, just, I mean, if we wanted to go down the list of so-called proofs that this happened, I don't think that that is evidence of anything. Yeah, that's not a very good one. And, and I, I hate to go back to, um, this question of whether people are actually being punished for having these discussions, but I I think this is worth mentioning and talking about. The first post in our thread um, called The Holocaust, Propaganda, Censorship, and Media Fakery is by Aleph on September 5th, 2011. And uh, he says, a man, Robert Farrison, born in 1929 of a French father and a Scottish mother, Robert Farrison taught classical letters, French, Latin, Greek, before specializing first in the analysis of modern and contemporary French literary texts, and finally, in the appraisal of texts and documents, literature, history, and media. 
He was professor at the Sorbonne and the University of Lyon. Because of his historical revisionist stance, he was effectively forbidden from teaching. Uh, he has incurred many convictions in the law courts and has suffered ten physical assaults. In France, access to the press, radio, and television is barred to him, as it is to all revisionists. Amongst his works, um, oh, he just mentions some volume, a create revision, like, I think it's, like, translates to, um, the criticisms by revisionists or something. Victory, oh, victories of revisionism. And, yes, the link is to radioislam.org which is interesting because there is probably always this a question of uh you know what's going on in the Middle East and you know if you're a holocaust denier you must de- definitely be for you know Islam taking over the world or some extreme position that they try to force you in but uh then there's some videos so what do you think of this character do you think this um could this be a real person who was barred from teaching I mean, that's, that seems believable to me just because people lose their tenure in America, and that's kind of a big deal. If they're, you know, applying to be a professor and then they say, no, you know, you didn't pass this this standard and you're filtered out of the system. Um, I mean, to me it seems, yeah, it is plausible. I'm not sure about the 10 physical assaults or what that's all about, but what do you think? Oh, it's just like anything else. I mean, how do you know for sure? Yeah. I guess we'd have to know somebody who knew somebody who <laughs> knew somebody, yeah. I mean, my approach is like, well, I, I like to take when looking into this stuff is I tend to I, I try to keep away from just accounts of things or even like if you go into a discussion about 9-11, they'll say, well, uh, you know... Well, well, someone the said they saw a small plane, or right? Or the lead terrorists, they were seen at a strip joint snorting <laughs> cocaine off of uh, strippers' backs before right, they... Right, right, right. It's like, I don't know. I have no way to confirm that or to uh, disprove it or to prove it or anything. It's just some story that's out there on the, uh, you know, that's out there. It's like, I, it, but then I, I do know for a fact that they showed on television a plane going into a building and making like a plane shaped hole like Roadrunner going through the side of a canyon and that's not possible. I do that is a fact. They did show that. Now is it I guess it's a matter of argument whether or not that that's, you know, physically possible, but it is a fact that they showed the plane, you know, just going into the building and leaving a plane shaped hole. But like so uh, like what what about the Holocaust can we say where they they're presenting it with they're presenting us with something as uh, either photographic evidence or maybe the conspicuous conspicuous absence of what should be there that's not there. I mean, along that lines, it's like we're okay. So they allegedly burnt up these bodies. So whenever you cremate somebody, you're gonna have ash and then bone fragments. Like mm. where is all that? There should be tons of it somewhere. They're like, what now? What do they supposedly do with all that? evidence yes i agree in fact um i'm just opening the the link to farison's speech and he mentions that i mean regardless of how we feel about this character um it's an interesting text that he wrote here where he says 
President Ahmadinejad has used the right word. The alleged Holocaust of the Jews is a myth that is a belief maintained by credulity or ignorance. So that he's defining myth for us there as a belief maintained by credulity, so like believing in something or ignorance. In France, it is perfectly lawful to proclaim unbelief in God, but it is forbidden to say that one does not believe in the Holocaust, or simply that one has doubts about it. This prohibition of any kind of disputing became formal and official with the law of July 13, 1990. The said law was published in the Journal Officiel de la République Française on the next day, that is, the 14th of July, day of commemoration of the Republic and of freedom. It states that the punishment may run to as much as a year's imprisonment and a fine of up to 45,000 euro, but there may also be orders to pay damages and the considerable cost of judicial publication. Relevant case law specifies that all this applies even if such disputing is presented in veiled or dubitative form, in other words, what we're doing, or by way of insinuation. Thus, France has but one official myth, that of the Holocaust, not God. Yeah, that, that That's interesting. Um, and he says something about how uh, the Holocaust remains the lone official religion of the entire West, a murderous religion if there ever was one, and one that continues to fool millions of good souls in the crudest ways, the display of heaps of eyeglasses, hair, shoes, or valises presented as quote, relics, unquote, of the, quote, gassed, unquote, faked or deceptively exploited photographs, texts of innocuous papers altered or purposely misinterpreted, endless proliferation of monuments, ceremonies, shows. That's what I was talking about, where I know for a fact that this monument wouldn't have happened without this um, this person that I know being involved. Um you know, the, the monument wouldn't have even occurred. But their, their, it seems almost like their job was to, okay, let's commemorate this and set, who convinced them to say, we need a monument here in the middle of this field. This is where, you know, all these people died. Anyway, so he goes on and on about this. I think it's, I think it's worth reading. It's worth checking out this person's research. Anyway, it's a good first link from the forum. What is the question? What is true? I mean, well, he basically, he's been looking, it seems, and I I haven't looked too deeply into this character, he's looked at the documents claiming um, to be, or, or that are claimed to be like the German allocutions saying, you know, we must eliminate the Jews, and oh. saying that actually these are deliberately misinterpreted from language, or, or even altered, uh, like forged. Uh, from language that is saying, actually, we need to find a final expedition. We need to find a, a final place for them. In other words, almost a Zionist position, um, as opposed to the the claim that actually the Germans' goal was to was to uh, destroy the Jews. So he's countering that idea with with his own documentary evidence. So I mean. I just, I'm just going where the evidence is, and he's saying, there's a bunch of evidence here, you can look at this, and as long as he's pointing to the original thing, which is what I always want to get to, I always want to get to the bottom of it and say, what is the actual document that is claiming to represent a simulation of this point in history, and, and how are the ways that we can interpret this? I think if he's just saying that too, I mean, 
that's just that's that's allied with what we're thinking. I mean, it's just about interpreting and seeing the world and trying to figure out what has been going on, what is going on. Um, I'm is not there saying, an original document? Exactly. Is there original document? You know. So. Well, how would you know if it was original or not? Well, you can't, as a lay as a lay person, as just an average guy. No, I agree. You can't. You, know? you can't know. You can't know as an, as just a lay person. But as someone, I, this is what I believe. I believe everyone has some expertise um, that whether or not it's suppressed or not isn't important. But everyone has some expertise, and if we allow ourselves to tune into our own strengths, um, and and as long as we're aware of the things that you guys bring up. You know, you brought up earlier about programming and things like that happening. As long as we're aware of that, but we're also not cowed, and we're not afraid to use what we uh, what we what we really can use our perceptions and our critical thinking, then we can come closer. And we may only be able to do this personally, and not and um, you know, and with people that we that we trust, which is probably very few people among all of us, then, you know, that discussion alone is, is worth having and is superior to some top down. Here's how history has been. Here's the document that is important. Ignore all the others. And here is the only interpretation of that document. Ignore all the others. And here is the only person who can give you that interpretation. Ignore all the others. You know, it just gets more and more and more specific about who we're supposed to be able to listen to. And I feel like, no, everyone, you know, everyone has valuable information. And we should know whether those people that we're talking to are psychopaths that are going to lie to our face or people who we can trust. And that that's that can only be determined by the individual. That's not something we can impart to people, really. But that's kind of the typical theme of Clues Chronicle, isn't it? It's like, ultimately, the thing that we always boil it down to is, oh. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you can run into a lot of... I mean, there's no end to documentation, is there? I mean, forms, paperwork, so-called documents. With 9-11, there is. (laughs) With 9-11, we've we've actually... I mean, we've, we've pretty much cornered it. I mean... Every time they release something, we can say, oh, it's under this particular category or it's under that particular category, but it always seems to be these few things. So, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it seems overwhelming, and it it often is for most people. I was talking about, like, in reference to, like, say, the Holocaust and, like, or somebody ran across some documents that are purportedly from from the German high command or something like that. That is something in reference to the, to the you know Jewish Jewish Holocaust or you know but but then then it but there's so much there's so many different um, ways to to look at that it's just like it I mean for me like something like that which which a lot of people put a lot of weight or emphasis on that like that's but but then then again too it's it's uh I, the way I look at things now is that. Um, if somebody's claiming to have some kind of uh, document that's proof of anything, it, it's it's uh, it, all of that to me is in question because mm-hmm. you know because it, especially a historical document from you know a hundred years ago or fifty years ago or or whenever it's supposed to be. Yeah, I mean there is so many different ways for 
especially if it's in a different language, it's got to be interpreted and like, okay, who's interpreting it and, and what are, what are their agenda or what is their spin on it? Or yeah, it's deep it's like, research. It's yeah. absolutely, it's deep so, research. Like who has any way to really get a, to pin something down based on something like that. I mean, okay. It's really, really us, Maybe it's too hard. If we can look at things like, uh, like the approach I've seen a lot of different, um, critiques of the Holocaust is that, okay, look, you know, they're, they're pointing out the, uh, ovens. And so, and then you take that with the testimony of like, okay, we, 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 we shoved them in the ovens for, was stacked for high because, <laughs> you know, and, and, and so they're just comparing and contrasting, okay, what is the reality and what is it we're being told by these so-called eyewitnesses? And you got the, the supposed capo that was there and he's saying that, um, yeah, we because he was supposedly loading these ovens with the bodies, and he said, "Oh, we stacked them four high. We burned them. We bur- we burned four bodies in half an hour." Well, and they're t- and they're taking con- and comparing and just doing just some real basic analysis of those statements, and then what what are we presented as like? Okay, what were these ovens that they were using? Certainly, we have pictures, and sure enough, they show photographs of the ovens at Auschwitz so were supposedly they were they were putting them in four high but but as people who do cremations for a living or different people have pointed out it's like you can be you can't even fit four bodies through the freaking opening of the thing it's not even that's not even possible one thing so you got one strike against you and plus by and you can gather this information and, and there's there's no um it, from sources that have no dog in the hunt you know they're they're not they're not trying to prove or disprove the 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 holocaust they're just saying hey we cremate bodies for a living here's our machines here's their capability and then they're showing you that we can do we can cremate a body and we can you know at this weight uh so they give you a figure like a hundred hundred pounds an hour um we we got and these are machines that are designed modern machines that have all the right fuel air mixture everything optimal for cremating a body modern machines saying that we do here's our machine that can do 100 pounds an hour now you take that with this so this so called testimony of somebody that was there at Auschwitz loading the ovens it's like that dude is lying there ain't no way in hell that they burnt four bodies in an hour because it because then the reason why and then you look at okay why is he saying why is he using those specific terms like we put four four bodies in there we burn them in 30 minutes half an hour because his testimony has the kind of Re, uh, have some ballpark reconcil- uh, reconciling with what they're saying is the number of people killed because you got this astronomical astronomical number of people that were supposedly executed mm. and then you then you have to have this absurd testimony that somehow can make that remotely plausible and it's like it's laughable on its face dude when you really start to try to get down the real nitty-gritty and the real specifics as far as like what are the actual logistics involved in getting that many people into ovens turning them into ash Burying them and, and doing all of this, which we're told like a religion that the six million Jews actually is 11 million. They say it was 11 million, six million Jews and another five million. Where the hell is all the all the bone fragments? Is there anywhere in the world where you can go and find tons and tons and tons and tons of 
the uh, the bone because you're going to have bone fragments if you cremate, especially if you're not cremating under optimal conditions. I mean, there's no way in hell that 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 happened the way they said it happened. And that's a great and excellent point. Well, there's all kinds of stuff like that too, though. I mean, it's like that's I see not what only, you're saying now. It's not it's not that all documentation is uh, is equally worthless. You're saying it's more like things like official paper stuff is kind of more fishy and it's and we need to get back to like hey we can actually visit this place we can like physically go here and look at it and go oh yeah well, like or, or what what they're giving you as far as numbers like they're saying you uh, they're telling you auschwitz killed five hundred thousand people within this time frame so okay that's they're giving you specifics dates times numbers and stuff like that that if you're looking at it from uh, 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 you know, trying to figure out anything. I mean, you ha- you have to like you could quantify the different steps or the different uh, all the different processes that would have to be involved to carry that out. And 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 what what people are demonstrating or pointing out out there on the different videos and stuff is like that that is a physical impossibility. That is not it's not even remotely plausible. That that many people were killed in that time frame, but that's the official account. So if it's like if that's that far off, then like how do you how can you believe anything we're told about anything that happened in World War II in regards to the Holocaust? Is you can't when okay you, you couple that with the fact that the governments in general lie all the time. It's like what why why would I believe? anything that comes out of their mouth and why would I believe uh, especially after I see that something is being told to me that it's like physically impossible right it's right. just not possible it's great no that's a good, very good point and um, finishing that thought just looking up Chris what you said about the body of um, the bones and stuff so according to this one website um, mainly urns what size urn do you need for your loved one a one pound body, it's one pound of body weight equals one cubic inch of ash. So if you figure right, a hundred pound adult will yield 100 cubic inches of ash. Okay. What happened? What happened to all of it? Like where did all the ash go and the bone fragments go? I mean, that's, that would be evidence. That's a big pile, right? Well, yeah, if you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people, I mean, that would add up, right? 100 cubic inches over the course. So, I mean, you could do the math on that and figure out, let's say, 500,000 people would be how much ash and bone fragment that has to be disposed of. Like, so let's say they had some efficient means of disposing of it, but there would still be a very large amount of evidence somewhere in the form of bone fragments, because you'd have tons of bone fragments. Like, where where is this stuff at? What did they do with it? Did they dump it in the ocean? How do they have time to do that? So what's the story behind how they took it out to the ocean and dumped it? Where's the uh, record? Is there any record or accounting of that or any testimony of that? I think it's, associated with the idea that it's a myth, um, you know, we, we hear we only have kind of a subconscious idea of what's been implanted in our heads about what happened. Like... I remember 
stories about people saying, oh, you know, all the ash everywhere and you could like, and there was this horrible smell and, you know, it's kind of like, it's like a, it's like a nightmare. It's not really reality. It's like this, it's this horrible fantasy nightmare that was painted. Yeah. And the the lampshades and the soap and, uh, which there is no, from what I understand, there's no evidence that, uh, that ever happened yeah i'm not sure if there ever was or is i mean and if there was or is would it just be like a single example in a museum which we know you know could easily be faked i mean that's it's kind of like there's all these stories and myths about the super myth but yeah and as you say it's not just jews it's like what the official number is 11 did you say 11 million that's what it says in the wikipedia entry oh dear well, okay, here's another post that I found interesting. I'm not trying to always drag it to Clues Forum, but this is this is my reference because I tend to I, I first of all I moderate the forum and second of all I kind of admire some of the research that shows up here that I'm like, whoa, where did this this is great, I've never seen this. And uh Warrior Hun on October sixth, twenty eleven, on the same first page, says, Dear all, Holocaust is a slippery ground. Not only can one get a prison sentence for doubting the official story, like in my country, so there's that again. People people seem to really believe this is something that you can't talk about. Also, as in the case of 9-11's 3,000 victims, we have to face the 6 million victims and their psychological barrier. I think he means not that they're living, but that the, the barrier that they compose, you know, there's this wall, the wall of tears made up of six million victims, then we have to figure out, oh, how exactly do you, you know, consider this if it's such a horrible tragedy? He says, one of the many, or one of the reasons why I doubt the Holocaust is the PTSD angle. Both killers and survivors should have suffered a severe PTSD if the official story was true. And I'm not talking about simple survival guilt or bad dreams with flashbacks. I'm talking about mass suicides, masses turning into blubbering idiots and vegetables, mass drug and alcohol abuse, family violence, and spouse and kid beatings, the works. 90% of the people participating in this on either side should be dead or in the madhouse by 1955, if the Vietnam War's veterans' PTSD cases are anything to go by. And that was simple war, not industry-grade mass murder. A small amount of perpetrators simply cannot do this for years, and if they are relieved by new forces, the tales had to spread like wildfire. Still, all the Nazi leaders, the first time they ever heard of their own evil deeds was Nuremberg. I'm not sure if this is true. You know, this is just Warrior Hun's perspective. And is it possible that Jews lie about their enemies, exaggerating their evil and their own sufferings? Just asking. Be that as it may, the angle which should interest us if we really want to explore this part of history here at all is the media fakery angle, as in fake photos uh, and things like that. So, so Chris, sometimes we focus a lot on fake imagery, and you may say, okay, that's all just images. It's all, you know, you you can take it either way or not. But we don't believe that. I mean, we've seen direct evidence of fakery, doctoring, photo manipulation, things that will not happen in natural photography, punto. You know, like this is two images exactly the same except for one person is missing. You know, that kind of thing. So we have an an example of that here. Um, And I don't know if you can see this, but it's got... And we don't know where these come from, admittedly. 
but even if they're even if they're both fake, it's just it raises even more questions. In the one you have a supposed picture of June 1944 um, at a prisoner's uh, being processed for slave labor. And it says, many of their friends and families are being gassed and burned in the ovens and the smoke can be seen in the background. And we have this kind of like sea of people in what looks kind of like a camp. And there's there's maybe like smokestacks or something. And there's this very painted in looking foggy color, which looks like it could just be a stain on the photo in the shape of smoke. But they're, they're claiming, you know, this is the mass of ashes and smoke of the dead flying out. Well, then he posts, unfortunately for them, the original photo is available too. And (laughs) it shows the exact same scene, but there is no strange, blurry, artificial-looking mass of smoke. And he says, the crematoria is not smoking for some reason. In reality, he says, I think he means he believes that this may be the original. So this is an example where you can't really have both of them be true, right? You can't have both of these pictures. Either it's the exact same picture and the smoke was coming out or it wasn't. And the smoke looks incredibly fake. It looks incredibly painted in almost like charcoal or something or some other old-fashioned way of manipulating black and white photos. And it makes you wonder, like, I don't know, how easy it is to uh, to fluff up stories. And when when were these photos even made? So... So were they claiming that that was human smoke coming out? Yeah, the idea is that this is their their friends and families being burned alive or, or being burned in ovens. And you have, I don't know, you just have a kind of curious smile on the first person. These people don't look so traumatized as much as crowded in a crowd. What would that smell like, I wonder? I mean, that probably wouldn't smell very good. No, right? You'd imagine people would just be gagging. Yeah, I would think, but uh, I don't know. I never, never been around any mass burning of human bodies or anything like that, so I have nothing to. But I, I, I but from what I understand, it's not pleasant at all. No, they were just kind of standing around, grinning, getting their picture made with bur- bodies burning, mm. smoke going into the air, and. Yeah, I uh, see. I don't know. Like, where's the uh, where's the evidence of this uh, Holocaust thing? Eleven million people being systematically eradicated, and then they tell us that they were burnt up in ovens. I guess to to give an explanation of why there's no trace of the like, where's the mass graves or or anything? Yeah, um, they're just gone. They're just up in smoke. Up in smoke. They're just gone. I think also. I think also there was some real persecution, of course, of uh, Jews, and I think that probably, like I said before, the fear and maybe the desire to identify with the victimhood kind of creates in the mythos, like the cultural mythos, like this idea that yeah, we have to believe in this. It's almost like it's a religion. It's like a religious belief that, you know, we're cho- we're the Jews are the chosen people, we're the chosen people, so we have to be, you know, also the most damned and the most blessed and all this kind of drama. But, you know, 
it's only a belief because we're told it's a because be- we're told it's true. Yeah. We're hammered it's true every year in school. It's legislated in the state of Washington yeah. that students have to learn about the Holocaust every year. Yeah, see, so and it is... other thing gets pushed aside because of it. And it, there's so little evidence for it. It's like, it is like this guy said, it's like a religion of the West that is pushed on us constantly. Boston Terrier owner posts immediately after... Um, a, a little bit about this, and I think it's I think it's a very pragmatic way of looking at it. Even if <laughs> even if you want to believe that some of the Holocaust is true, which I, I don't I don't I'm not inclined to right now. Um, but he says I posted this somewhere before, but I have to say that the official persecution of Jews is a fact. My grandmother lived through the war in Warsaw. I know from her eyewitness accounts that it actually could have costed you your life being a Jew in Poland in this period. Now, this is Poland, and I've heard Poland was extremely harsh, but I don't know. Anyway, she remembered very well the liquidation of Warsaw Ghetto and some stories of the horrors committed there that reached her ears. She didn't go close enough to see it live. So there we again have this floating myth and fear. We don't know. (laughs) We don't know. We don't know what actually happened. But he writes that. But some of her friends and neighbors did. 30% of Jewish residents of Warsaw had to go somewhere. Whole neighborhoods were discontinued along with their Orthodox slash Chasidic. Does that mean Hasidic members? Yeah, I think Hasidic. yeah. Hasidic. Okay, so it's like right. extreme Jewish religious kind of. I could Google it instead of make it up. <laughs> I just made that up right there. But I think I remember it somewhere. But you know, Hoy, I mean, this is true that maybe Jews were not yeah. liked in this time in this place, but. I mean, how is that any different than blacks in the South in the 60s? They weren't treated well. You could get killed if you stepped out of line. You better shut your mouth and do what you're told. I mean, so Jews didn't have, like, the market. No, but this is – he goes more into, like – what it what it uh, what it implies for him i think exactly it it lines with exactly um it aligns very much with what you just said he goes on to say in my opinion the numbers dead in so-called holocaust are greatly inflated but it doesn't mean the poor the uneducated mostly hasidic or chasidic masses of poland lithuania ukraine belarus didn't suffer severely during the war they did i would say that around one million jews died due to diseases harsh treatment, hunger, and a plain wartime bestiality. The Nazis were bandits, period, and anyone thinking otherwise is simply delusional. To make the matters more complicated, I want to stress that Hans Frank, the Nazi governor of Poland, was Jewish, along with Adolf Eichmann and a vast majority of prominent Nazis, Hitler included, and I'm not so sure about that. There's some debate about whether Hitler himself was Jewish or not, but anyway... He basically summarizes, the gas chambers are fake, and the Holocaust survivors, so-called, seen on American TV, are as real as the 9-11, you know, family members. In other words, basically, they're just criminal ventures. Um, And then the post immediately after, F. Benario just comments very simply, well, in 1976, the International Red Cross in Switzerland analyzed every single existing German record from the war, and you know the Germans are very thorough, and it totaled 376,000 Jewish deaths. There was obviously no hollow hoax, just a lot of civilians of all types who died in the war, period. Yeah, I read that. Isn't that an incredible number? Let's say that again. It's so incredible. 
1976, the Red Cross in Switzerland analyzed every single existing German record from the war and totaled only 376,000 Jewish deaths. Now that sounds like a much more like normal number for like a country that's being attacked or something like that. Like, and even that seems really high. Um, so you could say, okay, yeah, that that makes sense. And was, it wasn't out of line with all the other deaths in all the other countries who had war and concentration camps. That's what I was thinking. And the other thing I was thinking about was the six million numbers, like. Were there even six million Jews in Europe? That's a yeah, really. That's a huge population. I mean, we're talking about the 1940s. So well, then it happened in World War One too. Yeah, as we're told. I mean, that's a matter of record that that you know there was six million killed in war. That's like that, and then World War One and World War Two weren't that far apart. What about thirty some odd years? So that was like not even just barely a generation, and then another six million were killed. That's a that's twelve million Jews dead. Like, what, where's how is there any Jews left after all that killing of Jews? It's amazing. I mean, we we have. Um, I mean, we didn't account for uh, as some other posts in the, in the thread go over. Uh, you know, we didn't talk about genocide in Rwanda or how many Native Americans were slaughtered. Uh, or how many aboriginals of Australia were slaughtered as uh, Western civilization pushed through um, violently and colonized the area. So, I mean, that if if that was in the millions, that would make sense. But we have a thriving Jewish population today all over in America, in, uh, in the Middle East, in Europe, still probably in... Um, like I want to say, like uh, Turkey or, or Kazakhstan, like mountain area. So, so uh, what 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 is this problem that they? <laughs> what is this problem that they have? You know, where's all the where's all the synagogues? By the way, if there were six million Jews, you would expect like in Turkey, right? We have all these mosques that have been turned into churches. You would expect there'd be a bunch of synagogues turned into churches. Mm, you know? Okay, so yeah, Turkey maybe not be would not be the right country to say that there's still some Jewish population, but right. But I mean, just like you would see old buildings repurposed, because I I see it all the time. I go into a lot of mosques that have been something else. A lot of them have been synagogues that you know the original population outgrew, so they left. And some have been churches. And it's, it's quite interesting. So I would imagine if there were six million Jews in Germany, there'd be a whole bunch of synagogues emptied. Yeah, nobody. Uh, yeah, where's uh, yeah, where's that at? Where's the proof of that? Well, here's I, I ran across this is about the human lampshades that are made out of Jew skin. You know, <laughs> they supposedly did. So supposedly, here's. One that turned up somewhere, and they're saying it, it's it's from the Holocaust. But I just want to read this couple of paragraphs here. It, this is from this National Geographic article. It says, Human Lampshade, a Holocaust Mystery, December 27, 2012. It says, it's winter in Brooklyn, gray and cold, appropriate weather when, you're, when you've come to direct one of the final shoots in a documentary about an alleged Nazi lampshade made from human skin. 
that emerged in New Orleans post-Katrina. Uh, that this particular lampshade is, is human seems incontrovertible. Back in 2006, it was tested by the same DNA lab the FBI chose to identify the 11,000 body parts le- left after 9/11. Oh, and that, <laughs> and that lab, wow. and that lab determined that the lampshade was indeed of human origin, quote unquote. <laughs> what lab is this? We've got to talk to them. They're brilliant. But uh, it, it's of human origin, obviously. Well, Every obviously. fucking lampshade on the planet is of human origin. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's semantics. Talk about semantics. Yeah, that is but, so. F- I, but see, we thought it was like lampshades, but it's a lampshade. Now, but it, it, it is the, confirmed. The rumor that the lampshade has been found. It's like the missing link. <laughs> like space. Oh, would that take a million? They, they know that space aliens didn't bring it here. Yeah, we fu- we found this lampshade frozen in a block of ice. Oh wait, no, we got the we got our myths mixed up. Uh, like some of these, yeah, some of this shit read is just ridiculous. Oh, I found it also. I've been doing a little more poking around. I found the numbers, um, up, like about uh, and they match what you were saying. Eleven million people systematically exterminated. Uh, it's POV six hundred three. On, our, on the forum, and they say that that's approximately 2,075 days, and it equates to 5,301 people every day being systematically exterminated. So that's huge. It's, oh yeah. It's it's uh I mean it's not as absurd as 16,000, but it's still in the realm of the absurd. It's like how how did they do this? How did they? <laughs> no, it, it's it's not plausible. It's just not plausible. It, it might even be proven to be completely impossible. That is 7.5 cubic yards of ash. Thanks, Kate. By the way. Yeah. 7.5 cubic yards of ash from... Yes. What, 300... What, from every day that uh, that these 5,000 people were being supposedly systematically destroyed by various means and then burned. And And, you know, here's another funny thing. They weren't worked to death as a slave force. They weren't you know, put in some system in some way. The the best solution supposedly was just eliminating these people. Does that does that even make sense from a strategic point of view? I know it's human capital, right? They turned war up. They turned their workforce into their. I mean, something that could have been a workforce made work for them to get rid of them. Yeah, I mean that's what we normally see when we. I mean, talk about space aliens coming to enslave everybody. It's like. I mean, that's what we normally see or feel as a threat, you know. But this idea, it's like, well, they they had this really bad problem back during World War II, but yeah, now everything's okay. They just run all the media. They've got the UN in their grip, you know. They bounced back. They bounced Boy, back. They, they bounced back yeah. in a big way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, by the way, 5,000 people is 10.7 cubic yards of ash oh that's oh, cubic yeah yards. per day per day Jeez. that would fill up a pretty good size dump truck wouldn't it right that, about like yeah that's cubic about a yard yeah i think a cubic yard i think i could i'm trying to think of how much volume is that is because uh you deal with that when you get gravel and crap so last time i got gravel i was trying to fig- figure out i think it's like half yard or something fills up the entire back of my truck if i'm not mistaken yeah, that's like yeah, half a load. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Half, half a cubic like a, yard. Yeah, like that's you, a little trailer I pull behind my car. Half a half a cubic yard. So how many cubic yards did you say from that? Ten point seven. Ten point seven. That's that's a lot. So that's twenty uh, truck bed loads. Uh, twenty truck bed loads. Where is it okay. all? Where did it all go? Like, what did they had to do something with it? And that would be physical evidence. You can even get, um, even if you had, if you had te- teeth, will survive and stuff like that. So you'd have teeth that piles would survive cremation, teeth. piles of mm-hmm. teeth. You would have bone fragments of different sorts. Can you get, can you extract DNA from burnt bone? I wonder. I don't know. But, Crack uh, one of those nuggets open. Bet there's something in there. You could definitely you identify know, it if it's bone human bone don't. or not. Yeah. Right. I. It's like where where did, now. Maybe maybe they have that somewhere or have evidence of that somewhere. I've never seen it. Have you? Any kind of I've, mass graves or mass dumping of human remains? No, that's the it? other thing. Is the monuments seem kind of like 9/11 in that they pop up as almost like. Uh, celebrations or kind of like like tributes that well let's just put up this thing but it's an abstraction of what actually took place but here it is we'll just put it here in this field or you know this is probably where a camp was or it just it doesn't have this you don't have the sense there's actually um like the the equivalent of the morning going on it and it it becomes a circular logic too like oh well the people who would have mourned them died as well and it's like no that doesn't doesn't explain why it there's no it doesn't seem to be a human cost besides names on paper being said to have disappeared but that's it's again it's like this wall of tears strategy (sighs) so we've seen the imagery of the bodies being bulldozed into the pits right like they'll show you that and say that oh that's from the holocaust that's all the uh exterminated jews being shoveled into pits but you look at the you look at the bodies and they look skinny, emaciated. So, like, but we're told that they were gassed and killed. Like, what? Like, what's the story behind how they died? Now, there was also accounts that a lot of people died from typhoid. You know, now if you like those emaciated bodies and the fact that they're trying to put them in a pit to keep the typhoids from spreading, they're trying to do some containment there or something like that. That makes more sense, doesn't it? But if if they're taking marching in them in from the trains, like they told us, like they they took them off the trains into the gas chambers into the thing, they wouldn't have time to be emaciated, would they? If mm-hmm. if you're looking at emaciated bodies, that then that that's indicative of somebody that either starved to death, either they starved to death, or that they were sick and somehow they got emaciated. You don't you don't shrivel up necessarily after you get killed in a gas chamber or whatever you're going to be like bloated you're going to you're going to still be like a normal body weight person average person you're not going to be having seeing all these emaciated corpses you know yeah the the facts about what actually took place in these camps is super sketchy it's super sketchy and i have a feeling that when the americans came in and i do believe that they did i mean long before long before they showed up physically when they did come in there there were deals to be made just like they have with japan now that japan has to say like yes you bombed us with this magical weapon that you know destroyed all these people made them vanish in a kind of holocaust way but the buildings were kind of okay and it looks kind of like firebombing i think it's like that like 
they came in and they said, okay, here's the story that you're going to say. So we don't end up having a lot of evidence because there's kind of like this gag order combined with the myth that's going on based on fear and everything we've been talking about, like these sort of like rumors going around and there's no solid evidence. So we don't actually have a lot of evidence of what actually took place. And well, we, t- and, we have and positive we, evidence, though. Right. But we something do, else. Something. The but lice it, thing. Yes. And we've got definitely, um, as you say, this program in place to enforce the official story. Definitely don't question this, you know. Yeah. Strange. It's strange. Yeah, how can this be a real event if this is how it's handled? But I think that there's a lot of power in the lice thing. It was a huge problem in Germany. I mean... What does lice cause, right? Lice causes um, epidemic typhus, relapsing fever, trench fever. Trench fever was huge. They didn't, I mean, so what they had and these guys were, it's, it would, lice was everywhere. Everywhere there's an unnatural gathering of humans without proper sanitation. Boy, health goes way down quickly in sanitation. It's like, it was a huge problem, and if we underplay the huge problem of lice, we won't ever understand the Holocaust properly. I think. Well, yeah, I mean, we. I guess the point bringing up the about that there's footage out there too. Okay, you have these massive piles of bodies, you know, and then of course they're always going to show you that as proof that the Nazis did it deliberately as part of their program to systematically eradicate Jews, you know, primarily. But it, it, that's like the footage on 9-11 of the, the, the Palestinians celebrating that they showed repeatedly for a while. And people still refer to it to this day. It's like, oh, see them damn rat-feeding Palestinians celebrating after 9-11. And th- this is after the news media admitted that that footage was taken completely out of context. It didn't have anything to do with 9/11. It was shot before 9/11, and it wasn't. And then, but then it was presented as you know, uh, Palestinians celebrating 9/11, but it wasn't. So, so what I'm getting at is like, so you can they can show you something out of context, like bodies being scooped into a pit, and say, oh well, here's this is proof the evil Nazis were killing people. When in, when in fact it you know could well be people dying of typhoid and that that explains why they're emaciated. So uh, so the story isn't that the Jews starved people. To, well, I guess some people would have starved to death, I guess, or whatever. But that's not how they killed people, right? They didn't starve people to death in mass <laughs> as part of the program. Uh, not a, I don't think. Yeah, if anything, they would have been because the German soldiers were also starving. I think. I mean, there were there were. I mean, that was one of the strategies of war, isn't it? Wasn't it? I mean, it still is. Starve the enemy. So that's going to happen to any population and the prisoners of war in that population, too. Yeah. But I'm just saying that's not what you'll hear, though. You'll say, oh, well, they were systematically gassed. Yeah. And then, like, but they'll show you emaciated bodies being dumped into a pit. So that's those are two, those two things are not those two things don't line up. But still, that people will still show that it's, they'll say, hey, that's proof of the Holocaust. Yeah, or the one that I know of, which we criticize and we kind of laugh at on the forum, is this one where it's supposed to be in in the cots in this in this uh, concentration camp, and they have skinny people, and some have the striped shirts, and 
in one image this person is there and another person or another image the person is gone but it's exactly the same image it's the same as that smoke it's just it's we are so wrapped up in this propaganda today the holocaust is almost a good example of how something gets successfully buried to the point where you're almost like you can almost not question it but thank goodness we have brains like yours's <laughs> to point out yeah actually you know there was this evidence about lice and the david cole investigating the the strange modifications they made to the concentration camp to make it look like they'd actually been burning bodies or or poisoning bodies in mass i mean that's about all we've all we have because propaganda is still swirling around this to this day to this day this is like it's almost like justification for all the wars that we get into now. It's like, well, because industry is going to save us. So, and look, it saved us in World War One, World War Two. So we've got to keep keep the bomb, keep producing the bombs, keep sending the drone strikes. This is this is how good survives in the world. That's the myth that we're being told almost. Well, yeah, it's still going on today. It's like that. that the, this this goofy lampshade story from National Geographic. That was only from 2012. So, yeah, it's still getting propagated. But here's here's another question. Okay, so this guy is in possession of this lampshade that's made out of friggin' human skin. He's ta- And he's taken to go get it tested. Do you think, okay, if you're taking something into a laboratory to get it tested, and they're saying, yep, that's right, that's a, man, that's human skin on there. Okay, are you going to walk out of there with a freaking lampshade? Or any human remains, a skull. Hey, I got this skull. Without them wanting to know where the hell you got it, hoodie or lampshade or whatever, they're just going to let you walk away with it without no further. Oh, okay, thanks for stopping by our lab and, and see you later. And you walk it. You really? No, but this guy is going around with a lampshade that's supposedly made out of human skin without mm. without it being. Yeah, it's it's definitely suspicious enough to think. No, about. that's that's in that's not going to. I, I I'll, I'll propose that that is just not going to happen. You're not gonna you're not gonna have that much human skin on anything and be able to have it tested and say, yep, it's human skin, all right. And then it, no further questions. Oh, it's just oh, I just got a human skin lamp. I I you could have made it yesterday, right? Like we're. It's just going to have the natural assumption follow it that it's from the Holocaust. Why? Mm-hmm. It's, it's ridiculous. I think that's the point of constantly producing more 9-11 reminders. It's not necessarily to always remind you of 9-11 specifically, but to always tie people into certain ways of thinking about stories. And And actually, I think they do studies on us and figure out ways to push us into new paradigms slowly through um, kind of, yeah, I mean, I guess it's related to the subliminal topic, but um, it's more like just myths. We tell tell ourselves stories and we tell ourselves myths about ourselves as we go through life and do things. And they figure out ways of using each big event – to sort of have us keep revisiting it because it's emotional and our emotions revisit it and then run through the whole story, you know, in our head subconsciously. And so it just plugs us back into 
whatever we're whatever behavior we're behavior set we're supposed to be doing. And of course, yeah, people, as I said earlier, we we do that to ourselves naturally as well. But they've found an exploit. They found an exploit of the human like brain. It's like it's like programming us in a way. I think we're not meant to question exactly the Holocaust and 9/11, or if we are, it's supposed to wrap back up into a conspiracy theory that they've set up for us, you know. Um, so it, it's good. I think that it's an important subject and an important uh, service that we do by just talking to everybody about it as much as we can and and kind of breaking the program. Oh, it's hard, man. I remember seeing this in grade school and feeling sick to my stomach, especially the bulldozer with the human body ones. I just remember, why the hell are you showing me this? What good is... Am I going to be in a position where I have to choose to bulldoze humans or not? So I, I got to make a moral decision. Okay, what a what a cute thought. No, we won't. Let's not make you do that. So why why are they showing grade school kids these horrific pictures? Naked women all standing in showers, <laughs> movies of recreations. What are you doing? It does it does emotionally tie us back into those stories, doesn't it? They'll use a negative emotion. They'll use a positive one. Hope, they use hope and uh, optimism in NASA and dinosaur ridiculousness, and they use. What does the What does the Holocaust do, though, on a uh, on a psychological operation level? You, you think that think about that, like, uh, what? Well, it's it, it, it's the subjects. Take the subjects that it has to do with: nations, mm-hmm. race, war. I mean. I would say war is one of the most important. How we think about war, because mm-hmm. because it, like I think it has I think it has a lot to do with how we think about the the subject of racism. Yeah, yeah, race too. That's a huge one for sure. Race and racism, and and the ultimate racism is this um, an uncaring uh, elimination of the other. Which it, it, there is that phenomenon, but I don't think it's. I don't think it's happened for Jews in the way that they say it has. Could Israel have happened without the Holocaust? Maybe they believe that it was necessary to well, create enough support. Here's a question. Could you have modern politics as they exist today without the Holocaust myth and the Nazi myth? Right, Because yeah. it's so common to bring that up. In any discussion, I mean, how many times has Donald Trump been referred to as literally Hitler? I mean, it's it's so prevalent in our modern discourse that what is it possible for the uh, cultural Marxism as it as it exists today? Is it possible to have it at where it is now? Without the Holocaust and without the the Nazi the specter of the Nazi ultimate evil hmm. yeah explain more about the cultural marxism meme because i've only ever heard that from like people saying you know obama's a, a gay muslim alien you know like <laughs> what is what is this cultural marxism concept well i mean the way i understand it marxism has to do with uh i, I guess fundamentally i ideologically like the 
breaking down of any social class boundaries, right? Mm. So culture, cultural Marxism has to do with like um, negating any kind of you know boundaries or class or distinctions, any distinctions at all on a social level, like between you know races or genders or anything like that. That's what uh. that's the way I understand cultural. Marxism to be so so it like it's, takes it's, it takes natural organizations and tries to destroy them in order to probably create a super state organization. Just a bit of clarification, um, I think Lenin Honor would say, Chris, what we're describing here with Hitler is the evil villain archetype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a there's, good one. Right. There's only so many archetypes out there, and he's got them all listed. And it's so when you when you read his stuff, you're like, oh, it's so obvious, this plan, it's ridiculous. And they had to build up, they had to have the Holocaust to build up his evil villain archetype character. Yes. Yeah, and then we see it used in common, you know, discourse today. It's, it's just a commonly used, it's it's a tool, it's a way, it, it's like tool. a, yeah, it's a powerful tool. It's like a, a, a way that they could take a persona, and they're, and they're, and then the same thing is being done with Trump or any, like Obama or any of these mm-hmm. phony puppet leaders. They're like, there's personas where you can just, it's like a container where you can dump a bunch of fictitious ideas into, to them. Like Hitler is like a container for all these that represent different things about like, oh, the, the extreme end of fascism and how it's dangerous and you're slippery yourself you're headed toward hitler or all these comparisons to leaders well you see what i'm getting at it's just well it's so constantly being used to temporarily conclude for now i mean we might we might have more discussion later but do, do any of you guys feel like um you know you need to just exterminate and genocide any particular race um Obviously, obviously not, right? I mean, my point is, when we talk about these subjects, we're told we can't talk about them because obviously the talks always lead inevitably to someone must be exterminated completely. And I don't feel that our discussion has done that. I feel like we've had a very humanitarian, very open, very fun, even lighthearted discussion about heavy things and I don't feel like this is bad for people. I feel like actually this could be very good and cathartic for people to talk about openly. Yeah, that trauma that y'all got from watching that fifth grade film, having not seen old ladies naked or old men and then watch them all rolling around in that pit. That was, that was just normal illness, you know, <laughs> normal wartime typhus. And what are you going to mm. do with the bodies? Mm. Which is a, that's bad, you know. But I mean, yeah, that's not uh, that's, that's not shit. the Holocaust. That's not the ultimate. It doesn't it doesn't have the same impact if you say thirty five thousand Jews died of typhus in the concentration camps, and uh, yeah, it was unintentional, and yeah, everybody was putting everybody in the concentration camps. America was putting Japanese in the concentration camps in America during World War Two, but uh it doesn't have the same impact, right? You know, that yeah. people got typhus and died. You gotta have this over the top horrific horror story then that that can give you the kind of footing that you can get to where we're at today with the where this is like a centered you have this at least one part of the spectrum that's that's been created 
artificially, I believe, is this uh, this this. Uh, it's an argument that manipulates governments. And yeah, it's an, it's an argument that serves a, di- a distinct purpose, I think, in our culture too. Yeah, and if you take that away, then people are scared because they're like, "Wow, I, I lose power. I, I don't have this most the most powerful myth available to me." Then wh- what am I supposed to talk about, Stalin? I mean, wh- what am I supposed to talk about so that I have so that I can threaten my government, which is like obviously out of control. Uh, with with some kind of label, you know, that I can label them as this for history in case they step out of line. You know, people don't want to believe that they don't have the power over their own government, but they don't. Unfortunately, we need it back. We we need to we need to organize and and uh, and talk about how we can stop the psychos from abusing their power. But it's not it's not going to come from using their evil tactics of manipulation and lies we can't do that anymore they're the best at that and they're gonna win that and we don't want to anyway we don't want to be stuck as a species doing that forever like when you say something to the effect of something that's going to prevent the from from them from them like the government from abusing their power like what? What does that mean? Like, well, I mean, like people think subconsciously. I think they, they they think that they can say, "Hey, government, don't do this because if you do, then you're like Hitler," or "Hey, don't do this because if you do, then it's just like the Holocaust." You know, they're stuck using those things as tools to tell the government what to do, and the government just laughs at that and they think, "Well, shit, we made that shit up anyway," so. That obviously they don't know where they're coming from. They don't have a grasp on reality, and that means we still they still need us to tell them what to do, to tell them what reality is for them. You know, we need to divest ourselves of this idea that we can use their stupid myths as a means of manipulating and controlling them. No, we need to use reasonable arguments. Free your mind. Yes. That's number one. Free your mind. And get in tune with... I think who you are. I mean, you said that one episode. I thought that was so, so relieving. Anyway, just get in touch with who you are. Yeah. Really. The more honest you are with yourself, the more bullshit you see through. Yeah. It's amazing, really. You can sometimes just feel it, you know. When you finally admit that stuff to yourself, you've been hoping not to. It's like. It's really like doors of knowledge open up. I can't, it's hard to explain. But and it's not like you're gonna, it's not like doing that it makes you ignore other people and suddenly you become a psycho. No, it's the opposite. It's almost like you can understand where people and where they're at and see, and help them, you know, help them right. too. Anyway. Or you could, I, I mean, I, I try to keep in mind too, is I'm not uh, exempt from being potentially fooled yeah exactly like i it's like <laughs> we could be yeah exactly yeah because you, you look at some of the schemes or or just look at some of the i mean just on the surface level for just magicians and look how like a like you could see like a clever trick and how it's like they they carried it out and everything it's like man that is really well done that is really thought through like that, and then maybe in a different context, if I wasn't inside this context of it being entertainment, knowing that it's a, I might have been fooled by something like that or something that employs that sort of same 
diversion tactics or whatever the the sleight of hand trick or whatever tactics they're using it's like that those are designed to take advantage of blind spots in our perception you know and they're like capitalized on yeah. and that's just one realization of that is the you know magicians and magic trick but then as a science i think that's it's it's one of the most studied sciences of of all time is human is exploiting those human holes in our those gaps or in our or blind spots in our perception to to advantage and and I, and i think that is what we're up against we're up against this very uh very uh uh honed or 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 perfected maybe not completely perfected but you know to a large degree science yeah that, very practiced very experienced science for sure yeah yeah in in yeah. hoaxing us manipulating us and 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 telling themselves convincing themselves that they're in the right for doing so yeah yeah because uh they can i guess convince themselves that if they tell us ahead of time or reveal it to us in a certain way that that somehow lets them off the the uh karma hook or uh, whatever how are, i've yeah, heard, heard I that explain they've know. gotten into some really yeah, dishonest habits just, with themselves to, i think it's just to get us used to it that's all we just you right. know what the more times you see something the more times you're familiar with it and yeah. that's you know this that that feels like we're giving them some sort of moral light you know mm-hmm. no they're amoral they they have moral money is their guide yeah, and money power. and drugs and power. Basically things yeah. that just stimulate their addictions. That's pretty yeah. much it. I mean, I've been thinking about that. But. Yeah, how many people do you think now in 20, it's going to be 2017, right? In a few weeks. So how many people at this point in time still pretty much largely accept the official story of what happened on 9-11? I would say 40%. I think if you really get down to people and ask them, you know, do you believe every single thing the government says? I think 40% that generously would say, oh yeah, for sure. But I think 60, how many even? I think 60% oh, are like, yeah, something weird is going on. And then I think maybe like 10% say, oh yeah, it's, it's all, it's all nonsense at this point. Mm-hmm. But do they even know, right? Do they know what the government's what, – what is the official – I don't think they even know. I think a very small percent actually understands the, some of the methods that have been used to lie. They might suspect it's a lie, but they don't, they don't know how it was pulled off. They're just like, hmm. So what is then – quick recap, government position then? Well, uh, I think it's, the, it's twofold. It's that the government allowed it to happen and that – it was predicted, but they let it happen because of insert blank and blank enemy, you know, political figure for the time. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It, it, it kind of like fulfills this myth that, well, we were shitty, but now we're a little better because the, the government knew it was going to happen, but they let it happen. But they did it for patriotic reasons. You know, it's kind of in that arena. That's what I feel like is the mainstream story right now. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I. But then if there is – like there's no real way to know, I guess. I mean you could take surveys or you can do some cold <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. calls or whatever, but how how could we ever really know how many people are 
then you could you can just kind of take a guess just kind of based on your everyday experience and the people you run into and if you've ever broached the subject with them or whatever how many people are responding and how many are not it's kind of it's hard to really get a determination on how many people are there are drinking the Kool-Aiders well I think the I think the elections might be an indicator if you can believe any statistics coming out of it, which I which I don't know. I, yeah, I, tend I have to a doubt hard time with those too because we know for a fact that every election has some manipulation and just rigged and dead people voting and stuff. And so, <laughs> so it was a high percentage of high percentage of eligible voters, not registered voters, but people who are ed- eligible to vote that didn't vote is what they said, and so it's like a. A lot, there was a lot more that didn't vote than voted that didn't vote in the last election. That's interesting. On both maybe, sides. But, yeah, maybe that's positive. Sides, maybe that's right, like Chris? people saying, mm-hmm. yeah, backing off sides. and saying voting is kind of not the thing that's solving this problem. So yeah, but where's then, all the protesters coming from? If a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah, that's a good question. <sighs> well, I was I was trying to make an analogy to that when I was talking about it last time is that uh it's just like if you go to a rock concert and you see like you know forty thousand people there like how many people are the true believer true believing hardcore fans probably like five percent maybe ten the rest are kind of just like oh it's a cool concert i guess i'll go our friends of friends are going i'll go this is kind of an, an event that kind of like oh and then once it reaches sort of this critical mass it kind of it just kind of becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy type thing where everybody's like, oh, everybody's there. Like the um, old adage, nobody goes to that place because it's always so crowded all the time or something like that. It's the same thing with these protests. It's once they get enough people that are paid, I think a lot of people are paid. There's plenty of evidence out there that that's the case. You get these Craigslist ads all over the place for these uh People just show up and do work, and then I'm sure when they show up and work for these leftist causes, they're saying, hey, by the way, you want to go protest the Trump election? It's like, yeah, sure, why not? And they get paid 15 bucks an hour to do it, and they'll do it. And then if they get enough people, I don't know what the tipping point would be, but you get enough people out there marching around, and then pretty soon people will just fall into line because, say, hey, look, it's a protest. Well, I, I kind of feel that way, or maybe I kind of – like feel bad about the election? Sure, I'll join the protest. Why not? Mm-hmm. How many people there, what you're looking at, are really up, truly upset, or they really spend a lot of their time thinking about? Probably a small percentage, I would guess. Yeah. Well, a lot of those yeah. are arranged by MoveOn.org. One, you know, one organization arranges all these big protests. They're they're not by any means spontaneous. Yeah, and you can see their ads all over Craigslist if you go look up. Somebody had a link to all of them. Like there was one, some in Boston where they had the protests, or some. They're they're all over the country. Yeah, our protest habits have gotten very mechanized lately. It's it's just been, and then you go to the and you go protest in the free speech zone. That's a little cage in front of the <laughs> the thing that you're supposed to be protesting, and you stand in your little cage, surrounded by police forces armed to the teeth with uh, riot gear and gas canisters and you're supposed to feel like that's freedom and yeah it's just oh it's horrific remember walking past a cop after cop after cop in riot gear it was just a gaza protest i'm like what do you think's gonna happen dude we're all hippies it's it's interesting too because they always get the orders you really got to prep up for this one this is gonna be the big one 
that's that's the kind of order they get and then they're like yeah yeah we, we should be nervous about this <laughs> Um, wrapping it up, just quick stats. Um, concentration camps in Germany, there were 13. Oh, all okay. right. That's a good And death camps, there were six. So they had them separated. Oh, we were close. We were close. Ah, okay. Right. And all the death camps are on the left side of the map, mostly in Poland. And then in Germany and a couple other countries were all the other concentration camps. Mm. So there, there were 19 camps in all. I'll be darned. And I don't know why only um, six of them turned evil. They didn't spread that work around. They must have been <laughs> overloaded burning all those bodies, you know, day and night. Poland. Do they have an especially Jewish presence in Poland? I feel maybe yes. but Maybe they had control after the war was over. Mm-hmm. Right? Right, yeah. No one come in to inspect them till they did a little, you know, little remodel there. <laughs> Well, for the time being, anyway, let's all keep it real together and do everyone do their own investigation. And don't be afraid of the topic, really, because obviously it's it's not so spooky. It's just more of the same stuff that's been going on forever. So, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, nothing new under the sun, I guess. Well, uh, good night for now. Let's uh. Let's try to meet up again and, and record a proper ending soon. All right. Cool. That's I'll cool. let you, All right, cool. let you uh, get, get some rest, man. Thank you. Take, take care. You too. Have a good okay. have a good rest. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. Chris, for joining us. Yes, Appreciate thank you it. so it's much. Great. It's been awesome. Okay, I'll head out. Okay. Bye. Bye, guys. Night. All right. Bye. Take care, Max. Take okay. care. Take care. Thank you.
Awesome. All right. How oh, you're back. Doing? Hey, yeah. Hey, uh, How's it been going, you guys? I I wanted to ask uh, how you think our show is going so far. Oh, uh, we. I think when we started out, we were kind of off topic. Yeah. Once we got on topic, I think we're doing pretty good. Okay, cool. How about you, Kay? I haven't heard much from you. You sound busy as heck. You got your sister over and... My sister-in-law. You know, sister-in-law. She speaks Arabic. She might be ISIS. I got to watch out for her. Yeah, she might not be a real friend because obviously... Arabs are not to be trusted. They they don't really make friends. They just make partners in jihad. So, <laughs> God dang it! Wow. If I didn't know Arabs, I might believe the news. Because you know that they're scary. They talk different, and they're they they're harsh. You know, that's kind of their culture. But they love you know they love strong, and they don't like things with strong opinion. Both. You know, yeah. I see why they're a good they're good people to target. You got to bring them down a notch because they're too uppity. But you know, being uppity, do you ever see them actually ever do anything horrific, or is it just like anger? <laughs> like, have you ever seen a Muslim person like just beat someone up on the street? Or let's see. Um, no, because you know, like in in normal everyday human interactions if yeah. one were to see that one would want to stop that right like any normal like here in the u.s if you saw someone just getting the shit beat out of them would you go try and intervene well i think i would consider the options about how to intervene safely there's some legendary article i heard about someone getting murdered brutally in a new york alley and everyone just like stared or something, you know. I, I'm not sure how much that story was used to scare people, um, whether it was real or not. Um, but actually, I think the worst thing is getting to a situation where people are in kill or be killed mentality. Because once you've gotten there, it's really hard to de-escalate. So I, I think this whole stuff about Muslims being terrorists is really dangerous. It's it's they say, oh, it's just harmless propaganda, maybe. That's how they convince people to go along with it. But I don't I don't think that's true because it gets people to a point of fear, to a point where they will do irrational things. So it is, it's baiting and inciting violence and everything. And come on, there are real bombers and stuff flying over to the Middle East now because of this. Yeah. So and I, mosques are being tagged, by the way, now, again. The rash is back. Spray painted. Go oh. go home, terrorist. Oh, 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 interesting. Well, yeah. I guess you know. There's hate crimes all over. <laughs> there's right. There's yeah. Nazi symbols and go home, terrorist. Well, Nazi right. But they're they're media driven. Without if they had never watched the news, they would not. Be spray painting. I wonder if they think that it gets them, it gives them some kind of power. It's hard to say. Well, I think the message is everybody just stay home. Don't go outside. It's right. scary outside. Yeah, it's scary outside to interact with people. Yeah, you see less and less of it as time goes on. Like, uh, I do around here, but it's like, I think it's only because I kind of live in a, I guess, a l lower class neighborhood or whatever. 
yeah, anytime you're over in the other parts of town or something, it's like nobody's outside. Do you think like rich people are doing that more often, like just kind of being spooked and stuff? Um, yeah, probably I would think a little bit more like uh, like they're probably more affected. It probably yeah, it probably scares them to think about instability and stuff. But at the same time, I get the feeling that maybe they're a little thrilled that they have an excuse to defend their wealth. It it. it it subconsciously it enforces the idea that yeah there's all this riffraff and you have to justify your ivory towers and stuff because there's just a mass of crazy people that want to kill you out there yeah it does a lot of good for the uh different industries too you know security cameras guns all that stuff which is a uh not a bad idea. I mean, to have something. I mean, you can get a. I think what a good idea is, you know, if, if you don't want to mess around with a gun or get a license for it anyway, you, you can buy like these replicas, and they're they're actually pellet guns or BB guns, but some of them look just like. I mean, there's no real distinction vi- visually, except for it doesn't shoot bullets; it shoots BBs. And you have to paint that red tip that's on it black. No, you like you get them. I mean, they don't have a red tip on them because they're BB guns. Really? I guess there's some other. Yeah, because the thing about all those laws is there's so many different, you know, qualifications or about it. It's like yeah, you can. Yeah, you don't have to because it's a gun that actually shoots. It's a BB gun. It's not a toy gun, and you don't want to label it as a toy gun, right? You don't want to label a BB gun or or identify a BB gun as a toy gun because it's not a toy gun. You know, kid could get hurt, so you don't want to you don't want to paint it to look like a toy, right? But then on the other hand, it you can who's to say you can't make a BB gun out of metal, and who says you can't make it look just like a real gun that shoots real bullets because it is a, technically a real gun, but it's not classified as a you know quote unquote firearm to be regulated. Hmm. So you buy, you can buy one of those, and they look exactly like. I mean, then I think it's a good idea to have it handy, you know, just in case. Because from what I understand, statistically, it, anytime you have an encounter with somebody and you show a gun, it says like like ninety percent of the time it's it's going to, you know, it's going to diffuse the situation, and then you know most they said the majority of the time the people that brandish a gun don't have to you don't even fire it or don't need to fire it because it immediately stops conflict if you have a gun and they don't you know it's like hey i got a gun all right calm down it's like that people are more likely to pay attention to you Hmm. it's just a fact i mean it's like whatever whatever people's feelings about guns is a good fact you pull a gun and somebody sees it looks like a real gun it's like that's going to stop the majority of you know, pro, you know, problem you might have if they're, you know, because re- you know it's a real thing like road rage and shit. Everybody's been in that. And there's there's people out there that will like damage your car or even come after you, you know, over some stupid shit. And, yeah, especially in Arizona, people are oh yeah very materialistic and territorial, and it, it feels a bit wild westish here. I don't know about Oklahoma. I haven't been there. Pretty sure I maybe I drove through, but I haven't really you know, experience living in Oklahoma or Texas, but 
I have the feeling that, yeah, in Arizona, there's definitely a lot of uh, conceal and carry and people feeling like, yeah, this is the safe way to go. And indeed, they have apparently stopped um, criminals by just shooting them. <laughs> and the situation is over. Oh, yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, you say criminals, they don't. They're not a lot of them aren't worried about cops because the cops only get there after the fact anyway, usually. Right. So what they're most concerned about is like, oh, this person got a gun or not. Yeah, I was actually I was walking somewhere where it's kind of rough part is a, a long time ago. I lived in uh, Wichita Falls. And uh, so these two dudes were walking toward me and I could and they looked like they were uh, I don't know, up to something. You just kind of tell. And so, uh, but I was, you know, I, I was thinking to myself, I said, okay, what do I do? Do I try to avoid them? I say, there's really nowhere to go. I can walk down the alley and that's not going to do me any good. So I said, I'll just walk. I'll, I'll just look them right in the eye and go straight towards them. And then just, you know, basically bluff. I mean, I overheard that one guy say to the other one, is like, yeah, let's go. This, this guy might have a gun. They were whispering to each other like they, they were pl- they were definitely plotting to either try to roll me or beat the shit out of me or whatever there's no doubt about it and uh so it's all this is what i'm point i'm trying to make it's about it's about bluff so and it's like street smarts yeah having street smarts is definitely important nowadays it seems you know but then having something that looks just like a real gun is definitely gonna ha- you know i mean that if that didn't work for me it's just the it was just the idea that I had a gun was enough to get them to you know because because just because of my behavior but if it was something uh, another situation where that wouldn't work I mean having something on me that would have looked like a gun would have probably you know diffuse the situation or get get you out of a situation. So it's like, and then you, know, you then you're not in danger of actually shooting and killing somebody, you know, and having to deal with that. What do both of you make of this situation where Australia has gotten somewhat neutered? You know, people still have guns, but a lot of guns were taken away because of the Port Arthur hoax, and now it seems they keep trying to push this in America. I mean, some people, even in fakeologist circles, people who research and try to fact check on the so-called news will say, well, it does drive up gun sales when there are these, these psyops. So does it, is the government really trying to take guns away? Is this just a reinforcement of America's violent culture? What do you think the stories are about? I have my opinion, but I want to hear what you guys think is going on. What do you think, Kay? Huh? I think, they're in cahoots with the arms manufacturers because hmm. my brother is a gun purchaser and a bullet purchaser hmm. and he goes out and he practice shoots and every time there's a psyop uh, he is as inclined as any viewer of the media to go get more bullets when he you know when he hears that himself and the shelves are always empty they're freaking <laughs> sold out <laughs> Are, are we supposed to assume that's not an intended consequence? Well, that's a good point. Okay, that's a very good point. Do I'm going to give my opinion. All right. Mine is, I think they are trying to take guns away, and I have the sense that while at the same time they're trying to scare people and get people to get guns, the 
ultimate goal would be to disarm average people as much as possible so that governments who have the military in their psychological control will have total imperial power. I also have that sense. But you make a very good point. You make a very good point, and it makes me reconsider my opinion because I think that it's also very likely that they may be playing with no real major goal in mind except to just constantly agitate and exploit the agitation. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's more directed towards people that are, you know, the younger generations coming up, they're given this stuff and it's hitting that, you know, it's directed, I think it's directed mainly towards, you know, the younger generations that will come up and then they won't want to have anything to do with guns. Um, like this generation now, I mean, they're still into the gun culture and all that stuff. And then that, I think that is going to be less and less as these, uh, I think it's directed toward the millennial city dwellers, younger, younger people. Cause I, I think that even if the man in the house is pro gun and the woman's going to maybe go along with it, but then at the same time, put things in their children's heads that it's it's not good. And I think that's where like how a lot of propaganda works. It's directed towards it's emotionalism and it's directed towards, you know no no offense, Kay, but it's like directed towards females and getting them to react emotionally, right? So that it's that's that's what this is all centered around. It's like looking for an emotional response to this stuff so that it, it shapes the minds of the generations coming up because they don't give a shit what we think you know because we're older crowd and then we're gonna you know eventually die out and then there'll be the next generation come up and then it's all it's so i i think in those terms like what what's down the road you know what is it what's what, what is this gonna mean for people in the future as far as their attitudes toward guns i think that's what it's yeah designed to do and it's yeah it's always it's always some because you look at the nature of the propaganda too and they always have these emotional stories in there like the hero jumped in front of the gunman to save his new girlfriend or whatever all this you know emotionalism and stuff that's really heavily played upon or like the sandy hook the teacher jumped in front of the children and she died heroically using her body as a human shield that kind of shit, you know. It's like She's all amazing, yeah. Like she, what a hero, heroine, yeah. The heroine, <laughs> and then you know, it's like it, it's just all directed towards the uh, heartstrings, you know. It's very kind of, Hollywood, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah, it, it's the the young people are Hollywood, Hollywood by the hypnotic power of the of the dramatic storytelling and. So the news is borrowing that because they've noticed that people, <laughs> I think they've noticed people don't care so much about the real, the real world as much as kind of this hope of changing the world through hopeful stories and telling new stories. And the news realized they needed to get in on that. They need to get in on where people's attention is. And so they want to grab people's imaginations and drive them in uh, the direction of no yeah the government is still important you know empire is still an important theme we need to be driving forward and 
uh, inflating and making important in our lives because Empire protects us from the evil bad man and yeah, and they show that like especially they really play that up on Sandy Hook. They even said to the, the the to the effect that oh the good guys are here and then they they show an image with all the the goon squad coming in the government goon squad with the body armor and the and and they're all carrying you know. <laughs> the the bad weapons but they're good now because the stormtroopers yeah yeah the stormtroopers and they look like stormtroopers and they're like oh there's the good guys who are coming to save us like <laughs> shit it's like they don't look like good guys but i guess they're but see that's all conditioning and then yeah, and that's yeah. all directed towards young people you know i think you know people you know they're so, yeah. they're going to be like watching this now and they're probably maybe in their teens, early twenties, or something like that, and they're and they're going to get wrapped up in the uh, emotional appeal to it. That's what it's designed to do. It's just designed to hit at the heartstrings and stuff, so that it it's going to condition people. And then at the same time, gun owners are vilified continually, constantly vilified, and then they're they're pointed to as the the reason for these problems. You know, and that's always made made out to be in the media. It's like these damn gun kooks and shit yeah you almost have the sense that while well indeed everything everyone you know up high is getting played by sort of uh, futurists intelligence strategists think tank type people who are in positions of wealth and power and privilege you also have the sense that the the people just below them perhaps or just average government employees who you know are also psyoped they they fall in line with like one or another left right bullshit paradigm. You know they they're actually Democrat in the sense that they think okay we need more gun control laws and stuff like that. And they've been sapped into thinking that is the solution and that is you know justification for lying to people in mass. Oh yeah, yeah. I've said pretty much the same thing. I talk about this stuff like what is the I, what is the what is the driving basis behind conducting these hoaxes? You know, like the people that are involved, like what's going on in their head? Like, I think oh, they must a- be pretty darn up themselves. Oh yeah. They believe in some kind of future utopia where there's no guns and the government takes care of everything. And you know, it's going to be all, you know, taken care of and we'll live in the smart cities and drive green cars and all this shit. And it's like, yeah, they think that's all great. And you can't wait, you know, well, it doesn't take much rationalization for people to go along with the plan. Does it just that's what I'm noticing. A just a little right? bit. Yeah, just a little bit that as long as as the person can rationalize what they're doing, they can continue even if they don't agree with it. Mm, yeah. As long yeah. as they can rationalize it in their brains. They're well, like, well, it's because of this. So, so this brings me to back to holiday markets and speaking of, you know, tragedy and holiday markets and so forth. <laughs> the the theme of the German theme of the hour. That's the new book instead of tragedy and hope. Tragedy and holiday markets. <laughs> <laughs> My brother and I, when we were looking for our uh, Jewish grandfather, because um, we wanted to see what you know, where he went and after he kind of abandoned the family, we went to Germany and we were just in a holiday market. We didn't see anybody filming anything as far as far as I know, there were some people occasionally taking a photo or, or doing some video of trinkets. But the German attitude seemed to be very much about we are in the moment. We're enjoying this time out here. 
Now, I am not sure entirely if I got the stink eye, but my mom, having lived in Germany for many years and being of Russian Jewish descent and being something like, oh my God, you're a crypto Jew. <laughs> Always a crypto Jew. Over half Jewish, <laughs> anyway. I, I don't know what crypto Jew means, but if it means related to Ashkenazi in any way, uh, I apparently am. But th here's the funny thing. I didn't, <laughs> I've always thought it was just a, a religion, you know? I've always associated Judaism with simply, oh, that's just a belief system. That's like saying, I was born Christian. But no, you, you can't be born a religion. That's, that's something that's brainwashed into you later. So uh, that was my belief about it. But my mom is telling me, oh, no, 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 that's different because uh, Judaism is actually associated with a certain genetic strain and you can like find genetic <laughs> evidence of Jewishness and so forth. So I was trying to explore this because I'll, I'll say that Simon has had had a, let's see, how do I phrase this? Simon had had a, a mo moment on the forum where he had a, a extremely racist person come onto the scene named Jumpy. I don't know if you remember this incident, Kay. Yeah, Jumpy sixty four. Yeah, Jumpy sixty four. And I didn't know who this person was except that I had met them in person one time when I was hanging out at Simon's about a little more than a year ago. And he showed up and he was like, "Where's Simon?" And I was like, oh, you know, he just went out um, and he was like, oh, you know, oh, you're Hoy. And it was a pleasure to meet you and stuff. And he seemed kind of like, uh, um, well, agenty. Yes, a little bit, <laughs> a little agenty, because he had these like emotional. Uh, he kept alluding to emotional intuition and things that I didn't believe he was actually tapping into, if that makes sense. It was almost like that was his way of bonding with people. I've got this sense that things are, you know, wrong, and I really support Simon's work, blah, blah, blah. So, I, I had so is sense that how they think we think? I'm not sure. I, you I know, think huh. they think we think like that. <laughs> it's so it's, huh. it's too complex for me to even it's, wow. go into more than this guy is supposed to be uh, a journalist or former journalist who burnt out or something. Simon gave me his story that he bought at the time. Now, I, I have a history of warning Simon about people that, I, <laughs> that I've been right about that turned out to be very fishy and backstabby later. But once again, I said, okay, well, Simon's got to you know, figure it out for himself and so forth. Well, when he came on the forum and started going on about Jews and Simon was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Jews are a big problem and stuff. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. What? He actually really got to Simon. So there was this moment on the forum where Simon was like trying to call me out kind of with Jumpy as someone who was sympathetic to psychopaths because, because I'm like sympathetic to everyone and, and I'm not particularly spiteful of Jews, you know, and Simon was saying something about how he's never met, you know, a great deal of Jews that he had the pleasure of meeting. He always felt kind of creeped out by them and stuff like that. And I was just like, wow, that is not my experience at all. I know plenty of people from all walks of life who 
could be, uh, you know, bastards or, or the totally nicest people you've ever met from any uh, religion or background or genetic makeup. And Yeah, and we so, couldn't even test that. You know, seriously, pick the Jew. Come on. You well, couldn't. I, I guess. I mean, well... Look, I don't know about the whole uh, Jewishness is a genetic makeup. To me, that's like, no, Ashkenazi maybe is a genetic makeup, or a particular tribe is a genetic makeup. But a religion, the point of a religion is to take over genetic makeups and to claim genetic makeups as their own, right? So if a genetic makeup is saying, oh, yeah, I am born Jewish, it's like, whoa, you are completely psyoped then. Well, because that means you you believe that your blood makes you more suited to one or another uh, psychological scenario or philosophical scenario. When I, I feel like, yeah, that may be mm, partially true. That's an interesting. But it's not, but it's not purely true. I mean, what if it's it not is? True. What if it is this part of the psyop to make them think? Is it beneficial for the the Jews to think they're yeah. unique? Because if they have a if they have a plan for them, you know if they're they're uh, the powerful ones in their own society sold them out for a better goal. I mean, what a beautiful way to sigh up their own people. Yes, that that could be true. And all these things were running through my mind um, at the time. But mostly, I was kind of confused about how Simon had been led to his own racism. I was trying to point out, like, hey, look, we've always had this standard on the forum. We don't prejudge. We don't say. Hi, welcome to the forum. Are you Jewish? You know, we don't have anything like that because that is the path of Renzi and other kind of, well, as Chris put it one one episode recently, on getting people to just get back to the racial question and constantly, you know, what can you offer at that point except that, okay, all of this particular race is evil or or is less trustworthy or some other way of um, discussing that. Back to this moment where I was kind of concerned and I was thinking about, I need to leave the forum because I can't, I can't, you know, Jumpy was saying things like, uh, if you're circumcised, you're brainwashed because of an injury, you know, a um, genital mutilation that causes uh, something. And I was thinking, well, that's like 80% of America or something. And so does that make 80% of America Jewish? And Simon was like, oh, yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe they're all Jewish. <laughs> I'm like, no, you're missing this. And then Jumpy went on to black people have no souls or Chinese people uh, are or, or it was it was Asians have no souls and oh, no. black people are subhuman, you know, monkeys. And <gasps> it was it was just and I was like, wow, you know, doesn't this just tell you exactly where this discussion leads and is this you know so getting back to um that whole question of is it worth talking about this i i want to ask you guys do you feel earnestly that there is something valuable in people being able to freely express beliefs in um certain facial and body traits and uh, genetic traits equating to um, inferiority or superiority like do, do you think that oh. that is something that is important for us to express i don't i i don't know where there's any truth to it i mean what do you i mean what are people talking about when they're talking about that is uh if 
I mean, well, I've, well, I've, you know, I was in the military. And I met a lot of people. I've, you know, it, you meet people that are white, and they're just, you know, I, in, in like in the Navy, for example, you got you got guys like white guys, and the that don't bathe or shower, and they're kind of low life scum, and they kind of malinger, malingering. They try to get it, they get out of work, and they're they get they they're just lazy slobs. And then you you have uh you're working with a black guy that's like the exact opposite of that. You know, so it's like, well, you can come away with that saying, Oh, black people are superior to white people from what I know. I don't I'm, I feel bad for being white. You know what I mean? Like you if that was like what you were exposed to, like your whole life basically, that situation where other other white people were scumbags and then you know, you but see there's there's all different types in every race. I mean, I don't know how that's. I don't. I don't. I don't see how people can come away with any other conclusion if they've come across enough people in their life. You know, I mean, I, but then I can see where somebody can might be isolated in kind of a bubble, somewhat, and then kind of glom onto those ideas if they're if they're raised that way too. I don't know, but it's just it doesn't. Yeah, there is no. Like what? Do you, what's the criteria? What are you going to base all that on? There isn't. There isn't any real distinctive criteria that I know of. Like what? Are, what are they basing all this on? Well, I think that the the devil's argument is that it's that we should be able to talk about it and not be shamed for making observations that broadly paint a certain population. So, for example, if you wanted to say, well, white people are generally kind of unclean, filthy people that bring disease to other countries, you know. That's something that you should be free to express, but... But white people, I didn't do that. No, I know, but... How about, can we just name the people who did it? And then the descriptor is unneeded. Well, right, now I'm with you there, but see... Okay, look, this is just... I'm just doing this argument because... This is, I'm trying to understand this perspective and why this keeps popping up in fake, in fakeology research. Because it's very connected to exactly what we're talking about in the Holocaust. Because supposedly, what happened in Germany when my mom was getting all the stink eye was because she looked a bit Jewish and so, you know, more Aryan looking people would get preferential treatment in line. They'd, um, you know, they might be total scumbags themselves. Not necessarily, you know, in, not even hygiene wise, but, we, can we say because of state propaganda, had the state propaganda not been there, they would not have received that treatment? Sure, but think, then the question becomes, who's susceptible to what propaganda? And I think oh, that... Oh, state. Okay, so, right. Well, if, you're, if you have a, a system that's targeting people and going directly into their brains and saying, okay here's how they are easily emotionally manipulated, let's target that. Of course, everyone's susceptible to that kind of horrific, you know, manipulation, that psychopathic manipulation that that's, that huge states do. But my point is that if there is like an inherent racism, um, do do we risk things like Trump <laughs> and you know his cadre um, growing in power because you suppress people's ability to just freely express? Well, I don't trust blank and blank people and because you keep telling them no shut up you know you can't say that uh, you know that's racist that causes anger 
which then manifests as, okay, now we're going to actually, you know, do something ugly about this group that we want to say we can't trust. Well, yeah, I think definitely what I'm hearing from my students is that when Obama was president, they felt their rights to communicate and express their opinion were taken away. Well, how how and were they? they were they were shamed, and so now that Trump is president, they're going overboard with their expressions. That's okay. what I hear. That's what's going on in high schools, also. By the way, we're having a hell of a time with um, students behaving exactly. Ex- I mean, my God, Hoy, I'm watching whatever the news is. And it's um, propaganda and mind control lead down exactly to the student population. And I can only imagine society is exactly the same way. Sure, sure, sure. You know, yeah, so, we're led around like schools oh, are yeah. almost like training for, for um, oh, hell yeah. how to run governments. Uh, iso- yeah, isolated. It is exactly that it, in every way. We hire presidents. You know, we have student body we have people who participate, people who don't. <laughs> it's really just quite an interesting microcosm. Mm, yes, yes. But they're they're behaving only according to how media has predicted they will behave. So they take on these roles automatically. Mm. They get upset because the media told them to get upset. So they identify they're they're an identified demographic demographic, and then they they exactly how the media says they're supposed to behave and act. They do. Mm-hmm. And it's really freaking crazy. So that's what, you know, media, it's, it's, um, what do you call it? It's instructions. Sure. You think you're just listening to shit be talked about? No, you're listening to instructions how if you are the targeted demographic, that is how, what you will do. And okay. I see it play out every day. Okay. So how much control do people really have? Well, that's true. But now let's say, let's say we have targeted demographics. And we also have targeting demographics. We have a demographic of those that are controlling what kind of information is going in and out. And we can say that that is military. We can say that is Anglo. But we have to acknowledge that it is very friendly to certain groups like, I would say, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant group, the uh, Zionist Jewish group. You know, and, yeah. And, you See, know. In, in that way, I like how you're talking about it. Yeah. What I do mean, you think, Chris? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You're, you're you're stating, you know, like stuff that's happening. I mean, this is this is the thing that I think Simon was concerned about, and he was overexpressing his skepticism of all Jews because I think his experience is that in Europe. There is a kind of unfair thing going on where you apparently can be, you know, again, we, we discussed this last, um, last time we met, but okay, even if it's not real, there's disproportionate propaganda against people speaking out against the Holocaust and criticizing it. So what you have is obviously a certain group, which I would say is the English arm or English foot in the Middle East, also known as Israel, where, you know, they've partnered with a, an extreme Zionist cult to forward their aims in just getting a population that they can control with Western mentality and kind of, again, Hollywood minds. 
in this like in in the in the center of a of a dom- predominantly Arab region of the world. It's okay. I think he should have the right to say that. Now, I think maybe he's going overboard in saying all Jews, even Jews that hate Israel, are part of some evil conspiracy. I think that's a bit uh, paranoid and stupid, actually. But he should have the right to express this, even at the risk of sounding racist, because there is a political faction that has been given over to the Jews in Europe. That's like It's almost like this deal, you know? It's almost like, you know, we'll, we'll give you Israel... And you will be an arm for like Western mentality in that region. And you know what? The thread will support itself. It's not like those videos where you're like, all the top CEOs are Jewish and a video. No, the thread would be, why are they all Jewish? Let's investigate. What is their connection? Who put them into power? So, I mean, that would be beneficial. That's actually a very good question and a good point. Yeah, it's almost like, See, the the thing that's funny about the conspiracy that it's like all Jews is like, yeah, but if everyone knows about this conspiracy, why didn't anyone stop it? No, obviously, there's some kind of handshaking going on between various powers, like the top powers. And I don't believe for a second that the very top powers in the world are all Jewish. No way. There's, there's empires scrambling for all sorts of uh, just the most minute controls of the average person. It seems like that's almost right. the, the trend is like China would have that. The Anglo powers would have that. The European powers the Ang- would have that. Like the Anglo consortium, the Chinese consortium. Yes. It seems yeah. as though it's really, but they're in the business of power. They're in the business of controlling populations. So, okay. If I'm, um, too forgiving of Jews because I am uh, considered Jewish. Like, I don't even know how to argue against that. I'm also considered white and Asian and part Tartar. And I don't know what what part you want to accuse of of being against empire and what part you want to say I'm secretly for empire. But I'm like all against empire. That's all. So it's all you and your grandpa. So your journey, you're saying, is to show Simon, I'm Jewish too, you dumb idiot. Well, (laughs) in a way, I wanted to be like, why would you, uh, like, I've been your your best ally in this this research, and and, uh, I don't know why you would just assume that there's, well, there's something off about it, or something evil, or something unpleasant about it. Okay. Fine, but then just let that be your racism, and and you don't have to describe it as anything else. Yeah, my parents raised me Catholic, so I got pretty dark. You know, there's dark corners. Yeah, and yeah. I was raised Methodist. Ugh, I think Bush yeah. was Methodist or something. It's like there's no, just. So I gotta take that off. Oh, Bush was Methodist. That's right. So Hoy went to church with George Bush. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and we're uh, second cousins as well. <laughs> But I'm his. Went yeah. to church with George Bush. Yeah, definitely. Every every uh, every Sunday, there was <laughs> in um, uh, Wyoming. Wait, no, uh, no, I I can't. I'm not a good liar. <laughs> <laughs> Off the cuff. So we we went around and we tried to find our grandfather by making phone calls, like in um, various phone books. And gave up. 
because it seemed as though what had happened was actually uh, his adopted grandson had been given some uh, money by the German government to go to school, and he spent it all on drugs and was arrested, and that is all we know about that family. So as far as I know, my grandfather is either in some retirement home in Germany or dead, or he went to his relatives in, in Israel, and I'm not even sure if I want to go to Israel because I've heard that some countries say, you know, if you go to Israel, then you can't go to, um, you know, like, what is it, Lebanon? or Oh, I mean, all you got to do is lose your passport and order a new one. They're right. just looking at the stamp on it. And I think, they, I think they even let you stamp a separate thing and then have yeah. that be your acceptance. Anyway. Don't worry about that. Well, another thing about it was that I didn't really want to go and, like, spend money in Israel and endorse it because, for me, it's a very creepy place it's as creepy as the united states in the sense that they basically came in uh, genociding the region i mean america's i mean the crimes of america is are innum- almost innumerable but um israel's just as bad because they went in and they said no this is where we're at we're going to be here all you get out and there was a kind of as far as i understand it a kind of holocaust that they produced by forcing the existing residents out and giving them no place to stay, and there was a military... Oh, no, no, into very well-timed and well-placed refugee camps. Ah, interesting, okay. Yeah, well, put it, built ahead, by the way, in anticipation of such exoduses. Oh, so since I understand that this all occurred right after World War II as some kind of settlement for for Jews that probably <laughs> were kind of strategizing throughout World War II in the first place... Um, when would that have been? During World War II, that these refugee camps would be... Oh, let me look. Um, yeah, it was funny. I was researching the exodus of Syrians and Palestinians, and it's almost exactly the same. And the UN had exactly the same plan for both of them. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to set up, be set up to receive the incoming refugees, you had to order tents, Months in advance. Right. You're not right, just right. going to have these millions of tents on hand. Hmm. It's quite an industry, the the goods and services that are required for a UN refugee camp. But that's where everybody goes. It's not like people are scrambling melee. Oh, no. You are guarded and herded into these camps as you're exiting your, your country. Yeah. It's quite planned and controlled and humane. Really, there's almost no starvation. You know. See, I was on the same page with Simon for a long time about a lot of this stuff. Um, you know, when he introduced me to NASA fakery and all sorts of things, I, I was, like, skeptical, actually, until he showed, like, wow, that is blatant propaganda. That is blatant special effects. You know, primitive for the time, but, but they got better. And now I feel really awakened to what he was talking about. So I was concerned. I felt like I was losing him to a kind of, I don't know, a rather dull, boring position that's kind of like, uh, let's just get rid of Jews and that will solve everything, rather than, no, let's name names, find the groups, f- trace the money. You know, I feel like we were much more on a on a very exciting detective hunt and that it was the lazy thing to say, well, we don't need all that if we simply get rid of a certain genetic you know, trait in 
um, the population. I thought that was really sad. But all that uh, went away when his mom died. And I have a little story that is about my reconciliation with Simon that was maybe happening all in my head, and he he might have completely been on a different page entirely because he was just in, you know, a kind of a, a different mood because his mother had just passed away. But I was oh, just I've been waiting to hear this. Oh, treat. I had just gotten back from Germany, and I went to an art opening of my mom's. And then she got sick, and so there wasn't really much to do with her. She just wanted to be in bed. And incidentally, on my way over to Europe in the first place to find my grandfather, which ended up being kind of a bust, but that's okay, his mother had passed away. And, you know, Simon had made this joke like, oh, my cheeky mother passing away around the anniversary of JFK and of the JFK assassination and so forth. And I thought, well, yeah, I mean, there is something to be said for people can choose when to die and stuff. And I thought, I wonder if she had a sense that I would be there because there was no other time. You know, I had didn't, I didn't have the money. It just worked out that I was able to arrange for a ticket with my like stepdad's um, miles and stuff. And so I, it, it was like, just an extraordinary coincidence that I was there in Europe at the time. And I said, I don't know if I can make it, you know, I'm only here for a short time. And he said, look, I'll move the date of the celebration of my mother's life. We'll move it from Tuesday to to Monday. If you can just make it. I said, okay, that is so, I mean, okay, I have to do this. So I looked and there was like a, you know, one of those cheap Euro flights. That's like a hundred, hundred Euro round trip or something. And I just had to make a train to a, a little airport. So <laughs> I'll just the, there was a funny uh, transportation story, which is neither here nor there, but it, I'll just tell it because it's kind of amusing. I was on my way out the door, and I had lined up all the um, the routes. I had to take a tram from Amsterdam to a the train station. Amsterdam Central, and then take the train station down to Eindhoven, and then uh, catch the plane from Eindhoven to Champino, uh, which is the 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 initials of the Champino Airport are CIA. <laughs> so it's like, it, and I, I don't know, it just has that funny look on your ticket. Um, and then I was going to get picked up by Simon at uh, Champino because that's much closer than. Uh, Rome, like Rome, Fiumicino Airport. And I went out the door, and already it seemed kind of weird because I was, uh, the tram wasn't coming. And I was like, huh, normally the trams are pretty regular in Amsterdam. And then I got on, and there was like nobody on the tram. There was like two people and the driver. And I was like, what's going on here? And then um, she said, oh, actually, I'm not going to Amsterdam Central today. Um, I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, the queen is arriving. So everything is shutting down. And so I was like, oh, crap. How am I supposed to get there and catch this train? And she was like, oh, you can take the underground. I was like, how do I do that? She's like, uh, you'll figure it out. She just seemed like she didn't even care, you know. But luckily, another tram pulled up alongside us when we were stopped. And she's like, oh, or you can just take that. I was like, oh, thank you. So I ran and jumped in the other tram. 
And then I was like, do you go close to Central? He's like, yeah, well, actually, no, Rembrandt Plain. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'll just, just closer, closer to the, to my train. So I'm like sweating because I'm thinking I'm going to miss this one opportunity to, to see Simon and all his friends gathered here. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh God, this is not going to work. But then I get to Rembrandt Plain, jump out, and I'm like, how do I get to the, Central and the driver's just like, oh, just follow those tracks there. I said, okay. So I started running and then I realized I'm out of shape. So pretty soon I'm like really sweating and just out of breath and my lungs are hurting. And, uh, I get to a blocked street and there's police and crowds everywhere. And I'm like, how do I get to the Central? And they're like, oh, you have to go around that way or, oh, follow those people. And finally, I get to the street where there's just a big thoroughfare in Amsterdam. And it's like, just follow this, and it'll curve around and go right to Central. So I'm alternately running and walking, out of breath, thinking, I have to make it to Simon, I have to make it to Simon. I look, I get to the Amsterdam Central, and I see the clock on the clock tower of the station, which always seems like it's malfunctioning or something, or there's like some weird stuff going on with that clock. But one of them was working, and... It was showing me like I had three minutes before the train left and I still had to get around a whole big water part right in front of the station. And I remember like, like, uh, running, but like I was in running mode, but I must've been going slower than walkers at this point, you know? And I'm like, uh, uh, and like just barely getting into the station, being slightly confused for a second and then dashing up the stairs to track five and running onto the train. And then like less than three minutes later, the train doors closed and I was, and I had made it and I was just like panting for a few minutes. And I, I was so happy. Wow. All that. I was like, <laughs> all that damn queen, like why did she have to shut of all days? Why did she have to shut down everything? like so inconvenient and but they just the dutch just love their their king and queen or whatever their royalty i, I just i thought it was a funny uh, story about royalty because you know they were they wore, we worship these people for what reason and they just cause this inconvenience so anyway i finally get to the airport and they say oh there's there's fog in rome and your airplane is delayed an hour and a half <laughs> so i didn't even have had to have run i could have just um I could have just gone to the next train the whole time. So I was just stuck at the airport for a long, long time. And but at least you were at the airport. Yes. Right? I was at the airport. At least you could relax a little bit. It was fun. There was a lot of complaining Italians and, you know. Like, <laughs> oh, they love to complain. They love complaining. They? Ah, and they were like, siempre Roma così, you know, like, it's always like this. And um, I was listening to a lot of music and I put on Simon's music and I don't know. Then after that, after that I had a kind of pleasant experience, except when, by the time I got there, um, nobody was there at the airport and I said, shit, how am I supposed to contact Simon? I don't have a phone. So I went around asking, uh, in Italian, they said, Oh, you go to this phone. I went there. It didn't, didn't work. I was like, it doesn't work. They said, okay, try that desk desk. So I went to the desk and the guy politely allowed me to just make a couple calls. I tried the two numbers I have for Simon, got a hold of him, and he was like, oh, thank goodness you're here. Okay, I'm sending my friend, uh, whose name I won't reveal, but he's a guy who travels a lot, and 
He's really cool. He he's lived many many places. He's lived uh, in Africa for a long time. Started a restaurant. Um, he seems like a really active nomadic fellow. And and I was giving him my theory about how I thought that actually a lot of what's going on in the world and the conflicts can be boiled down to nomadism versus um, colonialism and how there's like a colonialist settlement type civilization that's spreading and it's squeezing out every form of nomadism in, in any way that it can. And he was like, hmm, I don't know, but you know, I, I, I've been okay. I've been kind of nomadic for a while and blah, blah, blah. Finally got there and Simon just gave me the longest hug that diffused any concerns that I'd had. He was just like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. And it was so warm and so nice. And okay. it just felt like, yes, this was the right thing to do. I had to be there for this. And all night we kept this fire burning uh, with his friends and you know, people would leave the fire and one of us would be tending it and keeping it going. And we were <laughs> burning everything in the yard. Uh, there was a chair at least or two, I don't know. And there was, um, yeah, all the branches and stuff. We even took some, I think it, it seemed like still living branches. We were just like trying to keep this thing going. And yeah, it was just a, an amazing, amazing warm experience. And I think I met the crazy guy that choked Simon, who Simon wasn't talking to, uh, the ESA guy who had gotten pissed at him and, um, like just, yes, Simon on Christmas Eve or something. Yeah, Simon just challenged <laughs> his paradigm so much that he just started throttling Simon and he was like, whoa, what, what's going on? Like, it's the funniest story. All I, said, all I said was that I don't, you know, believe in satellites and this guy seems like a mild mannered fellow who just lost his cool. And he was, and when I met him at the party, he seemed like he was trying to make himself out to be an Englishman or Swiss. Or I, I don't know, something. Anyway, he seemed nice enough, but I was like, are you the same guy that just like tried to choke my friend? Like, kind of was thinking like, fuck you. But at the same time, I thought. You argued about space, right? Or satellite. Yeah, like he was thinking, he was saying something about. Uh, like, oh, you know, I don't agree with Simon, but, uh, you know, it's good that there's different opinions out there. I was thinking, okay, well, if this is the same guy, he's come to some, I guess he's had some soul searching because, uh, he's now, he's now being more, he's now equivocating with Simon rather than trying to kill him. So anyway, that was, that was the weird moment of the night. And then it was, it was probably about, 5 a.m. and I had to get going right away back to the airport in two hours. He, Simon basically said to me, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have to decide now. And he's he's got to figure out, you know, now that his mother is gone, it's like um, he's got to figure out what he's going to do. And I, I just think it's a, it's sad that she's gone, but it's also an amazing opportunity for him to look at everything and figure out, um, I don't know, like whatever his next steps are. He's still young and. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting time. Oh my God. He can choose anything. Yeah. Look at that. He's got so many options ahead of him. Yeah. Whatever he's going to do, it's going to be right. And it'll be all right. I think he's finishing He's getting to like a major, he just 
Skyped me the other day saying he got over a major hump in uh, the in the model, and he just keeps making more and more incredible uh, discoveries. It keep, it's like it's like he discovered this um, a very simple logical key by by just lining up all the data that's taken from all over the world and from past science. And he's just, it, it's unlocking a lot of very interesting potential for, for new models um, of our system and stuff. And it, it's funny to even talk about it so frankly because, you know, you're talking about challenging uh, what the church and uh, and what atheistic science promoted by the media, you know, or the media's interpretation of atheistic science has hyped for... What NASA for a long time, yeah. NASA and ESA and Masonic organizations have hyped because I think that when you get down to it, they're all kind of mystical. The the Kabbalah stuff, the Jesuit stuff, the NASA stuff—they're all actually they all have kind of you have to. There is no basis for anyone's belief except you know our senses plus speculation. So. When it comes to religions and stuff and speculation, it seems that everyone's basing it on superstitions and, and patterns and things that, that we try to find. So it's just funny that Simon is basically saying, okay, yeah, that's all well and good, but how about if you don't start with some pre-conclusion? How about if you just look at the data and see what kind of model it builds itself? And so I think that is going to be very, very interesting to see in um, the coming Hopefully months, not years. That's exciting. Wow. It. But that I think, you know, if he could if he could at least stay in that house until he finishes his model so that he has a place to be and he's got his supportive mm-hmm. community and I would I see what you're saying. I would love to see that. On the other hand, of course, jealously I want him to visit me in America so I can show him, you know, my childhood home and show him around and maybe we could do another September Clues type project. But anyway, the whole point of this story was to say that he can do both. Just have him come for a visit anyway, regardless of what happens next. Well, I agree with that for sure. Right? I think he's just so so yeah. busy on his model, he doesn't want to step away from it. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. Well, he won't be away from for long. He'll be back at a laptop, you know, or computer soon. Isn't that where his model's at? I mean, is his model paper and pencil, or is it No, mostly? no, it's, it's all, like, uh, just, like, Numbers, so many numbers. I I haven't, I have never seen so many calculations. And where does he keep these numbers? Um, in Excel sheets and Word documents and. You okay, know. so there you go. That if he's with a laptop or computer with that on it, he's he's still working. Yeah, if right? he just has access to the internet. I mean, the point I was trying to make was he seems to have kind of gotten over that racist bit. He seems to have reflected. And now, like, one of the last things he said to me in in our discussions was, you know, of something a little bit more, like, advice-oriented. And he said, like, we're all amalgamations. And you, you know, you're younger and you're, you're part of this newer, the newer and newer generations, which are more and more amalgamations of different people. Um, and that's good. And we need that. And I thought that was a nice sentiment. Instead of instead of telling me that I was corrupted or or I'm a 
what do they call it? I'm I'm some product of miscegenation or something, you know? I'm I'm actually like I'm legit even though I'm a mutt. And I think that was that was nice of him to say. For me it's a no brainer. For me it's like, yeah, like diversity is freaking awesome. I love it. I'm not you know, yeah, the the um the way governments are forcing immigration and forcing refugees is not cool. That's very uh, manipulative. But when love occurs and there's um, these um, beautiful people being produced from just the most amazing different people and different mentalities uh, creating new culture, I think that's cool. I think that's interesting. No, tradition has its has an amazing value as well. I'm not dissing anything. I'm just saying I, I'm an optimist, I guess. I don't see it as bad. I don't see it as like, oh, we're ultimately being doomed and there's some perfect race that's being f- fouled up or something. I don't see it that way. I see it as this incredibly amazing, evolving uh, kind of flower that we all live in and on. Is that too cheesy? Is that too new agey? Sorry. A little bit new agey. Sorry. Well, it's going to be a, uh, I, I, as far as what is, uh, what, you know, what exactly is culture? It's kind of like you, you got to, you know, people have a certain identity based in a certain region and they usually are predominantly one specific, uh, Race, which what is that? It's like a bloodline or a heritage of sorts. Yeah, but, and, um, and dietary habits, and that dietary habits, yeah, and all that, and then it's a way to have. Well, I mean, through all that, you have you can have cohesion or a sense of, uh, yeah, that that sort of community or tribal sense or what have you. But yeah, I think that is. It's not for me. It's not about race. It doesn't have. It doesn't really have anything to do with race. Uh, it, it has it has more to do with um, the uh, you know the, the disintegration of uh, true cultures, uh. and that's what they're that's what we're talking about. We're talking about you know we're seeing this happening in front of our eyes. We're seeing this eradication of real culture, and that and that incorporates race. But see, then you know like everything on our system is co opted. To use it or to facilitate, you know, the the progression of the agenda, which is to, you know, get this mon this monoculture, this worldwide monoculture. It's not just, and then you know, race is I think just a a, a tool that can be used in multiple ways. It, it's I, I don't I don't see it as a good thing or a bad thing or or what. It's just a way. For, I think the good is for people to have their own identity and their own, uh, you know, strong communities and extended families and all that. That is, that is definitely the good, and that what we're really seeing and witnessing, and I think that which is bad or is going to ultimately be really bad is that is the destruction of all that, and that includes races. It's everybody's race is at danger, at risk of this, and everybody's. Uh, Identity and ethnicity and everything is 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 under attack 
constant attack. <clears throat> and Jews too. It's not. It's like I like. Well, I had this argument with this guy that came on frequently. He was of the opinion, you know, that like okay, Jews run everything. And I was trying to get him to explain. I said, well, like we're now if it's a racial, if it's primarily a racial or a biological distinction, it's like why? Okay, why do you go? To anywhere in the United States where there's communities of Jews and they're drinking the fluoride water, they're watching the bullcrap, uh, you know, the pop music. Their children are exposed to all the pop culture they're going nonsense. Going to synagogue and, and getting food. propaganda from their rabbis. Yeah, and they get, you know, they get some additional propaganda through the rabbis and the, you know, the their ideology and all that. But overall, they're still being subject to the same kind of, you know. Uh, destructive culture that everybody else in the United States is like. How do? You, well, then he he went on to explain that. What well, you know? What what I'm concerned with is the elite Jews. Was, okay, so there's so there's this you know real distinction that's being made. So you, all these elite. Well, I mean, so we're basically on the same page, and there's definitely an elite. And then even with that, I don't I don't think there's much value in trying to identify like okay, who exactly is this elite because they're born into the system just like we are, right? Yeah. So they, you know, they can be born into the elite class, quote unquote, and then they get thoroughly brainwashed into whatever their role is in the system. So that's another a, a thing that can be created, like an, an us versus them or a dialectic or what have you, is like, oh, these, you know, us versus these elite. But I think a better way to approach things is like, well, what are the tactics and what are the, uh, problems or the issues that as an individual we're being conflicted with and you know how how can we get out from under it as much as possible i mean i think that's primarily the primary thing yeah i think you you made so many good points just then that made me think of ways that i could have articulated things better on the forum like yeah for me the concern is as well that that the simulation or the fake life is taking over and i don't feel any more protected just because uh, I've been raised in a, in a Christian system or just because I have some blood associated with that, that it belongs in Israel or something, according to some uh, idiot political think tank member. No, like this thing is is taking over all the cultures. And yes, you could say that maybe uh, the Jews have more successfully um, protected some tradition along with many other cultures which have done the same but can you blame all those cultures for trying to fight against the artificial globalist system that's trying to undermine this their system i don't think that what we're going to be facing here is some worldwide jewish system it seems to me that what they're trying to actually get us into is some technocratic weird it's like more like the matrix or something and yeah okay maybe some aspect of judaism or 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 even christianity which seems to just keep changing to claim that they're always on top of things will say oh yeah yeah this is actually we see we predicted it right here in this letter on this page like okay no you're just making excuses for your religion and saying it's it's prescient when it's not so I don't buy that that there's some like super protection that we can all have besides basically just being one of these awful psychopathic uh, super wealthy people in the in the so-called 
elite so-called superclass that's fucking everyone else over. And I don't want any part of that. I want people to just feel like they can um, be authentic and be authentic in themselves and in their own culture. It's like everything it has been weaponized. It's this uh, weaponized culture that we're being subjected to, and that's and that's what we're talking about. I think we're talking about uh, the the really it's anti is is anti-human more than it is any has anything to do with going after any specific race. But I think those futurist people they would claim that well it's not anti-human because it's humans creating it or or that uh, you know like the Bible says that we're destined to rule the planet and and you know make everything succumb to our will you know and then maybe the more traditionalist people like you or I who say no that seems kind of creepy and wrong we would be pressured into going along with, with the apocalypse people who say oh yeah yeah it's wrong but see god is going to stop it because he's going to just end everything because that it's going too far and so those people will be punished and so nobody does anything about it nobody discusses it because they just it goes ties right back in to the religious belief that oh someone else will take care of it or it's not our responsibility to be stewards of the planet because you know no that's arrogant of us to actually like try to take care of each other and be humanitarian and so that's what that's what concerns me
how does this all get back into Holocaust stuff? I guess I'd say the stuff that we're discussing now, can, can't we reasonably say that this kind of stuff has been discussed for some time, at least since the Industrial Revolution was making it clear that people are just going to be treated like cogs in a machine, or even worse than that, because they're like more dispensable or something. But don't you think that maybe some of the concerns that arose in World War II and the propaganda on all sides has to do with this very subject that we're talking about now? I mean, this the Holocaust is more like a, a fear campaign about where industry will lead us. It seems like it's a propaganda thing to say, Technology is bad, and we must caution ourselves against it because we might end up deciding to burn an entire <laughs> an entire um, genetic pool or something. It, it seems like it's that kind of fable level of of culture of fake culture building. Well, I, I was like last time we were talking and talking about how it is. Uh, it, it's part. It's really as far as modern. In this day and age of political discussion, how it kind of, uh, you know, always, you always have uh, this uh, uh, inevitable comparison where somebody gets compared to Hitler, you know, and then it has a useful, as a useful tool in psychological warfare, you know, you can always invoke that when needed. Uh, and now they're kind of bringing Putin back as. Or, or, or something, yeah, like this arc, arc villain, and, and that's you know re, I guess re, uh, utilizing all the Cold War uh, stuff that went on for years and years and years about the evil empire and Russia, and now they're going to get us all, and everybody's highly concerned about that. But apparently that hasn't went away, and we're still, you know, we're we still got to keep an eye out on the on, on Russia and. Uh, I I don't know. Are they a superpower still? I mean, why do we got to be so concerned with them? I thought they kind of the, after the Soviet Union fell, quote unquote, that uh, they are no longer a so-called superpower. But supposedly they're formidable formidable enough that we got to be really concerned about what they do. You know, so the, the confusing thing for me is okay. Supposedly, what is the what is the myth we know about World War Two? America came in, saved the day. Russia defeated the Germans by evacuating cities and starving them. And then as a result, Russia was our ally for just a year. And then suddenly it was like, oh, communism, look out for that. Because it seems like it switched really quickly. And then the whole thing about where do you put the Jews, that seemed to be constantly being driven in the narrative. So I do think there was a like a, a Jewish power trying to drive this narrative into every, every aspect of 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 the western dialogue because you end up with uh israel happening and you end up with stalin apparently targeting and and killing jews and you know and this idea that only jews are intellectual and that is why they are targeted and so i mean this is the propaganda that my mom bought when she was mm. living in russia and she still tells me to this day that i'm like come on can you think about this a little bit more like with awareness that you were in a country filled with propaganda but from her from her perspective it was like yeah they were targeting jews and intellectuals and so that's equated in her mind that yeah like during 
the height of the communist corruption when it was being turned over to the the same kind of predatory class that we see now ruling America and Europe and stuff, what was happening was they were coming after Jews and intellectuals because they were the ones most critiquing the anti-humanitarian uh, efforts of the like this fake communist super regime, which now you know she thinks is oh communism communism is bad because she was buying. You know, she went from one propaganda to the next, saying, um, from being the little girl that had to, you know, swear allegiance to Lenin, to, <laughs> she just seems so susceptible. Um, my poor mother, I love her, but gosh, she just seems so susceptible to this stuff, like, and now she's saying, well, yeah, it was the, the Jews were being targeted, and so I have no idea where she got this info, what she experienced there, and how she was experiencing it. Her sense is that it was all coming through the newspapers, and so that makes me extremely suspicious um, that right after World War II, it was still the same thing, like, oh, send all the Jews to Israel, send all the Jews to Israel. I thought, well, okay, of course Russia and the West are the same, because they're all, they're all driving the same narrative. Yeah. I heard Vladimir, his top generals were all Jewish. Top. Oh no, that was Stalin. Never That's mind. Stalin. Yeah. That's Stalin, not Lenin. Stalin was uh, man. That's yeah. There's that's the funny thing. There's is that whole drama and like it it it, it seems like that's always this question. Like, well, were they were they top Jews? Were they targeting Jews? Was Hitler Jewish? Was he targeting Jews? It seems like the Jewish question, quote unquote is actually inserted deliberately, almost like a conspiracy theory, into all the drama because they wanted an excuse to settle the quote-unquote question by creating Israel. So it seemed like the whole thing is just a psyop to me. And the Jews got caught up in it, you know. They're like, oh, you know, the Holocaust, we're the worst victims. <laughs> like, They're caught up in it, too. They're like Americans. They're just... Oh, victims, man. Um, Palestinians love their victimhood. I'll tell you. If you say that video where the Palestinians are getting bombed is fake, oh no, 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 it's true. It's all true. They did this to my people. Right, yeah. No, they, people love to own that because, I don't know, it gives them some justification in their own irrational behavior. Yeah, I think it does a lot of things too. It, it, you got this, um, I think it's more of a concept than it has anything to do with reality. And I'm not saying that there, are, you know, aren't are Jews that are into their own heritage and all that. I'm, you know, that is uh, the, the question of like what what exactly is the bloodline and all. That. I don't think any of that is really that important. I think the the concept of it is the important thing because it serves a. I think it serves a definite purpose as far as like uh, how how people are manipulated in this thing called civilization. I, mm, I, I like to yeah. point out that it's civilization instead of saying, Oh, it's the West or the Western world. Or if it's, I, I definitely don't say United States or pushing it or anything. Cause I think it's a, I think it's a byproduct of civilization. And part of it is to, is of course it's the divide and conquer strategy. There's that. But also I think it answers the question of, you know, it, in order to have, Race politics, which I think is important, and it's important for divide and conquer, and it's important for, you know, social engineering, social manipulation. We see this used all the time. Uh, 
is that you have to have a you have to have a, a culprit or a bad guy that's also white. So you think about that because you look at the power structure that we can see that's visible, you know, like Parliament or the Crown or uh, you know Congress here in the United States. They're all white, predominantly white. So you have to have you're going to have to you know this you're going to have to have this creation. That is, uh, could it be identified by a race, but that is also the other or some, uh, you know, boogeyman that's inserted into the narrative that has, that serves a certain purpose of explaining like, okay, so if the problem is race, so, you know, cause like people want to, you know, it's really effective to have people focus in on, you know, Hispanics as being the source of their troubles and worries you know it's like oh it's all these mexicans coming over here and they're doing this and that and that's the cause of the problem so it's a divide and conquer strategy so you can keep Mm. people at each other's throats and all that and then i think the jew thing answers the question is like well aren't i don't see any mexicans in charge here like where (laughs) you know where does all this problem come from well oh see they're working with the jews a lot of these people that you think are white are actually jews but they have they and they change their name. They're shape shifting Jews, as like you know, Agenda Show talks about. It's like oh, they change shape, they they change names, and they can get nose jobs, and they can hide their identity. But they're all among they're all in and in, intertwined amongst the the good righteous white European you know uh, true Caucasian races. Which is so funny because they also changed their names when they first came into America. You know, they were like turned they were americanized you know which i think was is uh a part of you know like you said it's it's, it's a psyop i think it's an ongoing psyop it even goes i you know de- definitely goes back to pre-hitler and uh so it's something that is uh and, and i think that's what the the purpose that it serves in inside of civilization is like you, you know you need it's 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 important definitely to keep race politics intellectually viable and then in order to have it maintained you have to have a white a race that's a a distinct race but that is at the same time white and indistinguishable from all the other white faces Hmm. and then you could then you can say oh like white people so they're not white people you you, you know you you notice that that guy's a jew it's like how do i I know they're a jew well they have this certain last name or or okay so then you or of course then you got people that are especially like in Hollywood, which are, you know, self-identified as Jews. So they don't, so you got yeah, that. Yeah, no, Jews run well. Hollywood pretty openly. They're like, yeah, right. we openly own it. Run it. <laughs> right. So, but I mean, what, I mean, now, how, how does it play out as far as like their particular ideology, as far as what they're conditioned with from being born into, you know, Judaism or, and then how, it, how is that directly affecting the way things are unfolding in the world right now? Well, I guess, you know, the argument is you don't see a lot of Jewish bad guys in movies. You know, you don't see a lot of like, no, really. This, this person is an Israeli extremist. You know, it, it's it's usually like an Arab extremist or someone with a kind of, you know, slightly tanned a tanner, browner white person is evil, or yeah, it's kind of I don't know, but there always is like xenophobia in Hollywood. You can almost not avoid that. Do you think Hitler 
really had it out for the Jews and really wanted to get rid of the Jews, and he was acting on his own volition and got the got the war machine cranked up and got the. Now I know you don't believe in the Holocaust, but well, you think he I was really Holocaust. No, I mean he, what I understand is when I go to Germany and I experience uh, German people, I see them as very respectful and and concerned with with German identity um, and there's a bunch of you know liberal type people maybe that are also they don't give a shit they're just like what nationalism that's dumb um, but it seems to me that they they were just victims themselves I mean I think probably like you can <laughs> we found some old magazines in Italy here's an example that I have about that um, talking about the superior Italian physique and they had these funny pictures of, you know, here is an, a, a, this was during uh, Mussolini's time, you know, and it was about distributing to the, the Italian population the sense that Italians are uh, superior genetic makeup. And you can see here that because you're attracted to Italians and you are Italian, that you must recognize Italians are superior. And I think it's, it's just a psyop that they exploited um, um, in all the Axis powers. They did that in Japan. Mm-hmm. They did that to Germany. They did that to Italy. And it was just, it's a almost a universal thing. That it's like, oh, most people in this country are kind of xenophobic, slightly more attracted to familiar faces. So we're going to make them kind of recognize that. So I think that it it was definitely a psyop. It, it wasn't just it wasn't just after the fact saying, oh no, they wrote in this paper that. Um, that there was an agenda to attack Jews or whatever. No, no, from the start, I think they were definitely trying to paint up this Aryan perfection thing, but that I, I don't know why. You know, I think it seems like it was just a way to manipulate people. And But it's it makes you wonder if they were set out to fail from the start, you know, to, sh- to be shown as the defeated because they were attracted to you know their own uh, phenotype you know that seems to be the villainous thing is like being over loving your own phenotype and physiology and i don't know it seemed like there's something psychological there and that just cronyism i mean really i think i mean it could be that <clears throat> right what's cronyism but um Giving your friends the, the nice jobs when they open up. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, like nepotism, yes. Nepotism is when you're related. Oh. Cronyism is when you're familiar. You're not, I mean, you're not family. You're not related. Okay, okay. So cronyism is basically just like doing favors for friends? Or, yeah, hiring friends. Hiring yeah. Friends. I mean, Prefer, preferring, think- preferential treatment like that. Well, I mean, there's trust there, right? They're pre-vetted. Yeah, I'm confused. Is it a bad because, idea? Is it, isn't it good to vet people? Isn't it good to use discrimination? Like, discrimination has such a bad rap now as if, you know, as if you can't use discrimination for good, but you can. Discrimination just means determining whether something is, you know, a, a certain way or not. Right. So, yeah, of, well, prejudice is more like... The bad thing, maybe. maybe, where you're actually thinking that you've figured it out before you actually have. I think what we're talking about here is like how how are we in this thing called civilization? Because 
it's a it's an ongoing process, uh, uh, our our domestication process. And I think what, what we're talking about here is like we're pointing out with the, with the Jews is like um, defining for us in our you know monoculture non-culture how are we how are we to behave and conduct ourselves within the money system and then it's like yeah i mean we're always told as americans being raised in, in america and stuff like ne- nepotism is a bad word like you you just don't do that um in other cultures like in south america from what i understand i don't know i haven't lived there but it's like the it's almost like the opposite is true where, where it's like everybody you know does you know practice nepotism and they don't think nothing of it it's just what you do but it's like the, the Jews is interesting because from what I understand, like in Europe, and this is like, you know, of course, like pre Hitler and everything, like the, people would had had a, a bad perception of the Jews because they were so into the, uh, you know, nepotism. They would come in and like take over and they got blamed for like, oh, they raise, they come in, they take over all the businesses and they raise prices on everything and it's horrible and it's, mm. you know, the Jews, you know, and they're skin flints and this and that. Well, yeah. If you look at Koreans in, uh, especially around this area, it's like they can be pointed out as, you know, practicing the same type of behavior where like they come in and they're taking over like grocery stores and businesses and they work together as families and they, you know, send money to their families over in Korea and they get, uh, and from what I understand too, they can also get loans from, either their government or whatever to come and set up businesses over here and make money. And they, and they, you know, they work together as a, as, as, as a family and they help each other out as a, you know, a cult, as a, you know, cultural identity thing, you know, they're, they have this bond and, um, that, but see, we're kind of going into a phase now where that's, that is largely ignored because what happens is that the first generation that they raise in America is like I was talking about earlier, gets into the pop culture, gets into the, the values that are pumped into Hollywood and through the television and the movies. And then that, that whole thing of working together and saving the money and, and being self-sacrificing and stuff, that is gone. That is out the window. First generation is like, so it's not even a concern anymore, but there were times in history in the past where that was a concern, you know, that, that was a thing that had to be dealt with. And I think that, I think the whole Jew thing, uh, the identity and the concept of it is, it w- was put out there as, a, a, as an example to say, this is not how you behave in civilization as a civilized person you don't do the nepotism thing you don't do that mm. it's, it's bad it's very bad and then you know. then you know it becomes this thing where yeah there is this legitimate concern where okay the jews are are nepotistic in hollywood and um in and maybe you could say masons are nepotistic in the military and nasa and whatever cronyistic 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 yeah. yeah no i need to right. I need to adapt that one to cronyism. It's an interesting one. And yeah, that's that is the, it's not so much that they're Jews is that they're these particular a group that's identified as Jews or whatever that practice in this behavior that they want to that is obviously discouraged. I mean, look how the United States is like like you don't see I I just don't I don't see it. I know there's exceptions, don't get me wrong, but Typically, you don't have even the notion of like, hey, you know, like I have a brother and a sister and like, you know, let's say, I, you know, 
and then we we kind of just naturally say, hey, you know, we need to like pull our resources and help each other out, and let's kind of let's do this, like like let's, let's get a uh, you know you know fifty acres of property out here, and let's just build it up and kind of like have our own house, but like help each other mm-hmm. out and share and share resources and stuff like that, and you know start businesses and do stuff. No, that's not what you do in America. That's not that's not what it's about. You go seek your own thing. You go. You know, you go super it, individualistic. Yeah, yeah, you're super individualistic, and you'll go like it's very typical to have like uh, a household. You know, they get of age, and as soon as they get of age, they go like one goes off to one college on one side of the country, and the other goes off, and then it's like nobody works together. They all have their own shit, and they're all they're all beating their brains out to have the you know the washing machine, the the car, the three or four cars, and nobody. You know, it's like Koreans, like they have the opposite thing where like. They share everything and then they, then, so they're sharing resources and stuff and they can save money like crazy. They're just, oh, they're just socking money away. And then like the next thing you know, it's like a couple of years go by and they got enough money to buy a gas station and they yeah. buy a gas station and then they buy this and that. And it's like, that's called cooperation. Yeah, it's cooperation. <laughs> it's, you but, know, but well, I don't, yeah, it's, I don't see that's a, like a huge problem except that, it, you know, maybe some well, groups don't for... help the groups that don't do it as well. Yeah, and then then what happens is like um, it, then you get the old timers, of course, like yeah, especially around here in Oklahoma, you hear it's like oh, them damn Koreans are taking over and blah blah blah. It's like, well, why don't you do that with your family? You don't even talk to your sister or brother or whatever, because like that no, that's what we've been conditioned to like not even talk to our family, you right? Know? Like, the anonymous we, cogs, yes. Yeah. So, but then you know you can have this. Uh, uh, it, but like I said, like so, even the, the you know the Koreans and maybe as strong as their family bonds and their culture is to do that sort of thing, it doesn't last because once you know once the first generation raises gets raised up, you know they have kids and they get brought up and exposed to all the you know pop culture and everything. They speak perfect English and so they're able to understand everything that's being communicated to them through the uh, weaponized culture. They start becoming ultra, you know, in, individualistic, which is ironic because actually it's, it's the opposite. You come ultra, it, you come ultra dependent upon the system. Yes. Like, wow. Then, you just summarized so much. That's so good. That makes sense. But yeah, that's what I think. That's because I think people get it's, it's a big red herring. The whole race thing. It's like it's it's it, people could fixate on that and just totally ignore what's going on around them and just like be oblivious to it. And then they can, and they can reinvoke this racing, which stirs up inner, like long held practice and belief, which I think is in your, uh, epigenetics and everything. It's like, it's part of your being, you know, to want to be a part of a tribe uh, or a culture like that. But mm-hmm. then we've had it beaten out of us. But see, they can always bring that back in, in limited amounts, just enough to manipulate and get people stirred up. And that's what sure. it's used for. This is like, it's, but it's, in the United States, that's gone. It's long gone, man. You ain't never going to get it back either. It's it's done. Yeah, you're, and then you're, the, yeah. The, the whole subject of you know how the African people were robbed of that by their uh, what their leaders that sold them into slavery, and then the white people that went were like, yeah, this is great. Let's uh, let's just treat black people like animals, and so now they lost their original culture and you know they have to it's, it's like this constant quest for some of them who even care um where what you know where did i where did it come from and how can i get back this like fragile 
thing that is like kind of home home ethnicity and yeah it's interesting you know as someone who is kind of always an outsider like i, I do i've i've benefited so much from being having pale skin you know in this society which which that's seen as like a plus that's seen as like a trustworthy thing like oh yeah you be independent but you know will do you an extra favor because you look like a nice pale person. You know, you don't have too much, <laughs> you don't have too much melanin in you, which is yeah. scary stuff. So yeah, it, it's like that, that kind of weird thing where, oh, I can, I can, I'm free to protest, you know, traditionalism and, and nepotism and cronyism because I've benefited from the super state as, as a, as a, someone considered white. And not Asian, not white Asian, which I'm more, which is more like accurate to call me. But they, yeah. But I'm seen as like a a white person that can be trusted to not reverse course on this horrible globalist system. Well, I want to reverse course on it. So I'm sorry, you know, if that's a, you got an example of that. Yeah, I that mean, came in handy. Well, I, it's hard to say because, you know, I think white privilege is, is, uh, a bit, a bit invisible to people who just don't have to experience a lot of, um, inherent mistrust off, right off the bat. Or, um, but no, I mean. But I mean, see, I think racism, see, it's, it's troublesome to try and come up with like a specific example for most people. I think racism is such, it's a, a division we are taught to believe in. Well, but also, it's ridiculous no, but, at its core. I mean, is there someone who just hates blacks and nobody else? Is there well, people like that? Are there I think if you go to the South, you still that? get people who do that. Yeah, they call each other nigger cracker. I mean, it's very. And they, they love all other races. No, it's, it's more of a, I mean, I don't know how to describe it. If you just go to the deep South, there is a, a still lingering mistrust of the other color and mm -hmm. it, it, you know yes you could call it artificial or whatever but it, it's a real cultural phenomenon i, I think yes oh yeah it, boy and deep held <laughs> yeah those people are not changing their mind no matter what you do they no. will have to die with that opinion and hopefully their progeny will be a little more enlightened Maybe, yeah, or maybe okay. and darkened, right? Or <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, strong held belief, and you know, but you know, that's that's ignorance, right? If you're going to educate yourself enough, like Chris was saying, you're going to see the overall pattern in humanity, and you're going to be like, oh, I just didn't know. Oh, I just I thought everyone was like that. I think you know? white privilege also manifests as our own unconscious decisions and confidence. Like sometimes our ability to say, oh yeah, I can do that is is bolstered by the lack of reaction when you go do that and nobody bats an eye but when you do do it and you have dark skin and you're the only person in, in the room with dark skin you get looks it lowers your confidence about you know people aren't colorblind they're just you know that's not in our culture as much as i, I mean i've seen it a little more in europe but in america we have this deep paranoia and um, and, and sometimes it's not exactly racism, but some manifestation of racism, which continues to perpetuate it. It's a mistrust of the other, a mistrust of what is this uh, foreigner doing in my territory kind of thing. And I think as Chris touched on, the the super 
independent the idea that we can be independent, which is silly because we're actually, as he said, yeah, that we become, we become codependent on the, on the super system. Um, but in that illusion of independence, we were like, everyone's a gang and I'm on my own. I'm this lone wolf that's just like striving and succeeding. And I have to, you know, if, if I have to crack a few eggs, step on a few heads to succeed that, you know, it's better than being in a gang of them, those other people. So, I mean, I think it's it sometimes manifests that way. Like, I can I can know I can go into some place, but I've gotten funny looks. Like, when I accidentally went into a cafe that was... It was a Somalian cafe. And the room instantly went quiet. And it was just like, everyone was staring at me because, oh, shit, I'm the only white person. And, I'm, and the cashier is kind of nervous. Like, what's going to happen? And so they were kind of like... Um, yes, you know, what, what do you want that thing? Okay, sure. Just, and just hurry up and get out of here kind of. And that was funny. I, I didn't, I don't think that's exactly what black people have to deal with. I wonder if they got robbed recently, you know, white uh, guys are robbers. <laughs> Who knows, you know, but the, the point is that, yeah, it, there was definitely a color conscious thing going on oh, and right. that still happens. I think that still happens. Well, from what I understand, there was a time period, I think during around through the fifties and sixties, maybe, I think, no, maybe it goes back earlier. I got to go back and look at this stuff again, but yeah, they had, uh, very cohesive black communities around the United States where they were into the nepotism. They were into helping each other out and they flirt, they started to flourish and have like, uh, strong communities and strong community identity and stuff like that. Mm. And that was systematically destroyed, deliberately destroyed. Um, that is the, uh, thing that needs to be driven out of us is that sort of thing. You know, that's something that, people will naturally fall into, you know, like I think they're like that period I was alluding to. I think the, you know, black, like black people have bounded together and now they've got, you know, this, uh, welfare state and all this stuff. And then to, and train people to be dependent upon the state. And then that is, that's how that's been effectively eradicated. And, uh, you, you know, that, yeah, there's a there's a class of black people too that's that's totally bought into this strange system and they have their own they're like we've got our our black corner of this system and they're completely in on these psyops with Black Lives Matter and 9/11 where you know they've got uh families involved in the street theater that's you know, promoting this idea. No, these are arti- artificially created. Yes. Uh, by these, uh, you know, these uh, move on organizations and stuff like that that are primarily what? What is it? Soros funding? He's a he's a pale face. And then you got so they're like, why do they want to do that? Why do they want to contribute money? Because they love uh, minorities so much and they want to help them and they love them. And it's right. like, no, no, it's like exact psychopaths opposite. in every single. Because place. what is the reality that's going to be manifest in our system at, as a response to the you no know, Black Lives Matter and all that? It's federalization of the police and continually ramping up the militarization and the federalization of the police. So it's like, oh, problem, reaction, solution. And there's an example that you can point to where it's like, oh, so identity and race and stuff like that is a natural inclination that's been co-opted and that can be used to manipulate people. And then like you see a direct result of that happening right now with the, Mm. it's like, Oh, we got a problem. Oh, your local police are racist. So, Whoa, we'll we'll take care of that. We'll federalize, federalize you. That'll solve it. 
and that's what they're doing. So it's like, yeah, problem, reaction, solution. Does it, is it going to make the black community stronger, more about, no. Uh-uh. That's not the point. If that was the point, then... No, you'd actually be seeing that happening, right? Instead of yeah. just Obama getting elected, which didn't do shit for them. No, it did the opposite. You know, there's, they said there's more black people that have gone into the prison system under Obama than any other previous president. Is that He did the exact opposite of what he was uh, portrayed to be the sort of advocate of minorities. No, it, was, it turned out to be the exact opposite. But that's how, that's how everything in this system is. It's like the, if you take on its face and then turn it at 180 degrees around, and then, well, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get the exact opposite of what is purported it's presenting itself as a representative. In other words, what can we take away from this whole Holocaust psyop besides the idea that it didn't happen? Besides the idea that it maybe it was inflated for some specific political or militaristic action? It's to facilitate in then making the rhetoric to be able to take take the rhetoric and then you affix this uh, life or this life or death consequence to it. That is that gives it more uh, uh, yes. so that people that can engage in this and then you, you see this, too, with, you know, especially people that are identified as leftists. It gives them this moral high ground, this unjustified moral high ground to where they could point to these sentiments that are like natural sentiments. Like, you, you know, you, you like <laughs> white, white people want to be yeah. with white people and they say, well, right, we right. want to. You know, we want to have our own thing, and they want to be identified too. It's like, no, that's bad. It's like, well, no, it's not bad. It's not for. It's not bad for black people to do it. It's not bad for white people to do it. But see, they can say, they can invoke this this life or death consequence of it. It's like, oh, this is gonna. What you're telling me is you want to throw Jews in the oven or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. that's what it does, and I think that's, it's that's it's, right. it's a, that's a good analysis. That's that's what it is designed. That's why it's so important. You you got to wonder, like, why is it so damn important? Why do they throw people in jail that deny the Holocaust? So that's that's outrageous, ridiculous, and it's, and it's antithetical to what a democracy is supposed to be about, right? You're supposed to be able to speak your mind and stuff, and but no, nope, nope, can't do that on the Holocaust, and it's it's so hypocritical and ridiculous. But then then it exists, you know. You have these laws, or at least these perception that you're going to get hammered if you you know. Ex- ex- expressed out about the Holocaust, but no, it serves it serves a, a distinct purpose. You know, it seems like it, the Holocaust is a great tool for getting any government to force its denizens to become citizens and to be taxpayers. It's like you will pay this tax, or you will risk some crazy rogue nationalistic group, um, you know, coming to destroy every single one of your kind. But, uh, Kay, what do you think? Any last reflections on this? Um, well, can I, maybe just like a beginning question. Yeah. It's like, was there ever even a campaign that existed where some people at a refugee, at a concentration camp were given orders to now start killing Jews for no reason? Has that, is there like proof that ever happened? Because all my research has kind of showed that the whole Holocaust propaganda machine started uh, at the end of World War II. I mean, there were rumblings of it before. Mm. You know, they were like spreading rumors among the people that exactly what they found, what the rumors were happened, that, you know, they packed them in showers and gassed them to death. (laughs) 
even though there's no proof that ever happened. So does it seem like that's a really good question, but that makes me ask the question, was there a real conflict which nobody knew why the fuck it was happening, but everyone had to justify and so, in the end, they just chose the Jewish explanation because it seemed convenient. Was there a real conflict? I mean, it, it seems that people were really killing each other over this, whatever it was. But I'm confused, like, what it was. It was like, this kind of state can exist, but this one can't. But they were all, they were all just, they all had imperial ambition. All of them. The ones that won. The empire won. No matter, no matter who was going to win World War II, it was empire was going to get in. It's like the old joke. No matter who you vote for, government gets in. Like they tell you about the the whole Holocaust thing, the story, the the mythology it, it, that it you know prior or leading up to it, you had um, active eugenics programs, you know, in the United States and Europe stuff, where you know they forced sterilization and all that stuff. And so that was kind of that's positioned even to this day as like the kind of ultimate cautionary tale about like what, what this ends up being. So it was like kind of, it was, it's presented on one level as this repudiation of eugenics policies, like, Oh, Hitler is the ultimate manifestation of that. And that is obviously bad and horrific. And we, we, and so it's, but no, we're in reality, what they're, what what we're being taken through is this dialectic where in in response to that they say well, well no we we need to back off on the eugenics concepts and stuff are are dangerous and bad but what what was the answer to it was to turn it around so that it it is going to to turn the target on culture cultural distinctions themselves as being the bad thing that needs to be eradicated, which has the end result of what doing more damage than the the Holocaust, if it happened, could ever imagine to create and have more effect in destroying distinct cultures and identities than anything else. So it had the, you know, then again, too, it's exact opposite. And we see that again, the exact opposite effect of what is purported to be, you know, it's, that's where you get all this, these, uh, policies and this uh stuff that designed to tear down uh heritage cultural identity and all that stuff it, on its face it looks like a a setback for you know the idea of eugenics and survival of the fittest and Dar- darwinistic materialism and all that but it's exact exactly the opposite because of the way it way we're seeing things shape up now with uh, the the positioning of this cultural Marxist idea where you know they're, they're mainly uh, concerned with um, working to, to break down any of those uh, distinctions and at the same time, Focusing in on these things like they're the most important thing in the world. Well, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, you know, there's no real distinction between even male and female. It's only they're just cultural constructs that don't have. That's the position of the left that they that these are all artificial social constructs. The distinction between male and female when they're exactly the same. And but on the other hand, it is so vitally important that Hillary Clinton become president. It's like, well, <laughs> why? It doesn't matter if she's female. 
no, it does. It's, it's very, very important that she be put in office because she's female. It's like, that doesn't make any damn sense. I thought you just got through saying that there is no difference. <laughs> it's also a, a war against logic and reason, but it, it, but I think that that is, it, you have to tear that down too in the process in order to get this agenda underway. It's like, you, yeah, you have to also tear down <laughs> logical thinking and reason. So it seems like the agenda is usually just to benefit who's ever in charge at the time and make them stay in charge. That's the ultimate end goal, right? I mean, to to maintain the current because it's 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 we're always moving into a new phase of it, but it's the the overall program is is the same. Yeah, we're the plebs and they're the the uh, the dukes. Or the cash crop. Uh, yes, we are treated Paying like those taxes. Yeah. <laughs> or milked. You got to keep the herd happy. You have to. And how do you manage a herd? You can't manage each cow separately. That's ridiculous. No, you got to <laughs> especially manage the children. Which segues nicely into uh, next time when we'll be talking about the column, the so-called Columbine massacre. You're saying that didn't happen either way? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Mm, well, you know, I would take a look at it again if you hadn't looked at it in a while. It's got some pretty fishy elements to it. Really strange. And and it's really tied into Hollywood again, too, with the... I think Gus Van Sant did the movie that's like, we're going to reproduce Columbine from the perspective of the killers, you know, kind of maybe almost a little sympathetic with them, but, you know, it's not really Columbine. But it kind of kind of is, and so yeah, there's this idea of like getting right into people's heads about the gun issue, and you know, oh, what is abuse, and oh, the bullying going on, and oh, those poor kids that get bullied, and like we need more state intervention, and <laughs> oh yeah. Challenge. Are you guys familiar with Rachel's Challenge? Um, that sounds familiar. I think you mentioned it before. Yes, it's an assembly for high school students. They do once a year to combat bullying, victim, of course, and bully mentality, of course, you know, get that dichotomy going in kids' heads. But And then at the end of the assembly, you make a link, and you all link them together, and you have this big Rachel's Challenge chain, and it surrounds the lunchroom, so you're reminded of it, and then you have to sign the poster. I promise to talk to someone who no one's talking to today. Ah... Get them engaged. <laughs> Don't let them mm-hmm. escape the system. <laughs> <laughs> and they, it's, really it's at first it was the brother of Rachel. Then it was the friend of the family, Rachel. Then it was the cousin of the friend of the family, but knew them. So they keep changing who's doing the assemblies, but Gosh, they're still doing them. of the AIDS campaigns when I was in school, and it was like, we have to read this depressing book about a girl going through adolescence and AIDS at the same time. And, oh, like, and AIDS. Yeah, adolescence isn't bad enough. You also have to be dying of a fictional disease. So it's like just the worst kind of shit. Man, it brings me back. School was horrible. School was just the worst. But, you know, I got some good out of it. Anyway, that's what we're talking about next time. Thank you guys so much I I don't even know how to express my gratitude for being able to speak with intelligent 
um, compassionate, humanitarian type people who don't throw up a paywall just because you're talking about interesting subjects. It's not a knock on anyone in particular, but just saying, um, you know, we talk about this stuff for free because we're interested in it, not because, you know, we're getting some paycheck. So even though that you're a Jew, Hoy, we could still talk to you and. I'm not even a Jew. <laughs> I kidding, man. No, I'm even more American because I, I don't have some Jewish certification or like, you know, what am I? I don't know. I'm a mutt. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yeah, so that's I am. Good. Yeah. What are you guys' backgrounds? Okay, he's got an interesting. Pedigree. What did you, what did you say you were? Uh, okay. I am a quarter Czechoslovakian. So my grandpa. Ooh, that's grandpa where you get your Czech. good looks. Oh, thanks. Yeah, the Aryan. Yeah, that's the Aryan blood. In. <laughs> and then my um, other grandpa is from Austria. Austria is very, they tried, as far as I understand, they always had a kind of, like, we're Austrian. And the Germans were like, no, you're German. And they're like, no, we're Austrian. (laughs) (laughs) And then French and Irish is the rest. Cool. Married to a Muslim guy. Married to Palestinian, which they're mutts too. Yeah, they're quite the Arab mutts. So they're they're like a mix of different, yeah. So yeah, you're a exactly. you're a dirty muzzy, and I'm a dirty heeb. Yeah, <laughs> so my <laughs> kids are half raps, you know. <laughs> but there you go. They got the best food, so it's great. Oh. And they're in there cooking right now. My husband's sister's visiting from Jordan, and they're in there cooking up a big meal. They're making rolled grape leaves. Is that doma or is that a different? That's Greek version. Yeah. Yeah, it's doma. They call it diwali. Okay. It means leaf, you know, but yeah, diwali. Does it and mean so leaf? Just, is diwali also mean leaf? Yeah, and like paper. Diwali's paper, too, like a leaf of paper. Kind of, cool. kind of the same idea. I love language. I That's one of the main things I love about multicultural things is learning about languages. Alright. So it's, Chris, what's your heritage? I'm not exactly sure. I know that I have some American Indian and, uh, maybe, uh, I was just talking to it, talking about this with a listener that she's from Scotland and she's saying, oh, you're got a Scottish lineage, Kendall. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe I do. I never looked at it. But according to the, what you call it, the art, what do they call it? Ancestry. That there's a uh, a Kindle Scottish clan or something. I don't know. I'm not sure. I really don't. I'm white. I look white. Do I sound white? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I have, yeah, white white guy. I, uh, European descent, I guess. But I'm. I think I have a black relative, according to what I've been told. So I haven't looked at my genealogy, so I don't know. But uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that I have full full black relative somewhere, and 
so I guess I'm part part black, part Indian, part white, and then mainly white. I guess I don't know. I really don't know for sure. Yeah, I'm lucky. I actually, or maybe unlucky, depending on how you look at it. I have got people in both my mother's and father's side who are into genealogy and have like kept track of stuff. Otherwise, I wouldn't know what the fuck I am. But they were like, "Oh no, yeah." So your dad, he's basically about as Anglo as you can get. German English, or very English, and a bit Luxembourgian, kind of uh, been in on the North American continent since like before America was America, on the one side, and then on my mom's side, like first generation Russian Jewish Tartar, like whatever that is, like some kind of Mongolian mutt, and then that's where you want to go next, Hoy. Mongolia. If you want to research, well, yeah, the Tartar. <laughs> Korea was interesting for that reason because they're related to Mongolians, and I felt um, there was an aspect of Korea that I felt extremely at home. And I kept seeing people. I was like, Oh my gosh, you're like you're the you're the Korean version of my mom's brother, and like <laughs> you know, like very just like interesting things happening like that to me. I felt yeah, Korea was very special for me. But uh, but anyway, yeah, there's. Yeah, I don't. I want to travel all over for sure. Chris, do you get to travel much? Can you? I have traveled some. Um, I yeah, I like to take trips and travel and do that when I can. So. Uh, have you ever thought about doing like some kind of seeking your roots kind of thing? Like I tried and failed at. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, I think anybody should try to do that if they can. I think that would be a good good deal it's 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 important i think it's important for i I don't know what practical application it has though in in this current system it doesn't seem to have much practical application does it well the only thing i can think of is if you can sometimes people get health issues in our modern system which treats people like shit and sometimes if you learn your like traditional cultural foods You'll definitely find some unhealthy habits <laughs> that, like, we can maybe, like, outgrow just due to, like, oh, they had to eat this to, like, survive. And it's actually kind of something we shouldn't be eating too much of. But you also find things that are, like, oh, like, that was something that balanced my system. And that food was tied to, like, so I think it's useful for finding foods that may be good for your 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 body you know, I don't know, but that, that's the only thing I can think of. Plus, it's kind of fun to to learn languages, but that's all I can think of. It's interesting, right? Like traditional foods that why you eat these pairs together because you get the maximum one helps leach out the protein that's in the other, and yeah, or like these yeah. this particular almond paste was like anti cancer, you know, and things like that. Right? They knew that's why they had them as traditional practices. Yeah. If we lose that, that's kind of a big thing to lose. Mm-hmm. Cuz then you just end up eating frozen pizza from the corner and that's pizza that's hut not delivery. Oh, that tastes <laughs> like sugar. Why is it so sweet? I don't know. Or fake ethnic things like Olive Garden. It's all frozen, prepackaged, filled with preservatives. That's right. Eating healthy. Well, I, on that thing. note, I hope you guys have a very delicious but also healthy holiday season. 
to you. For me, it's I, I I hope you don't mind me wishing you guys a Merry Christmas, even though you know I don't I'm not a believer or anything. But uh, have, oh yeah, have this, a good one. Doesn't it mean yeah? I care about you. Have have a good, yeah. good holiday. Have yeah. a good holiday. I, yeah. Happy same, New Year. Same to you both. Happy Christmas, New Year's. What is the celebration there, Kay? With the uh, is it Eid? Is it another Eid? Um, it follows the lunar calendar. There's two Eids, Eid al-Adha and Eid al-Fitr. And we just, one is around Ramadan and the other is around the journey to Mecca. Well, however that's pronounced, I wish you a happy one. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, have a good one. And as, as well to you, happy holiday season. Let's catch up soon. It was a great talk. It was. Wow, got, it. We, I think we got down to the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. We solved pretty much everything, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we solved everything. Stuff. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, Simon will maybe will wrap up the rest of it. So, um, do you know our, Chris, do you know our little slogan or catchphrase that we have here? You all, you all have a catchphrase? Yeah, we try a catchphrase. Do you want to try it? We say, sure. let's keep it real together. Let's keep it real together. Yeah. Okay, we'll say it in one, at one, two, three, go. Let's, Let's keep it keep real, the together. real together. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That's part of the racial challenge, too, by the way. <laughs> no. <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now we have to all go sign a poster, and it's got like a Magic Johnson with AIDS on it or something. And <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh dear, we should probably should laugh. But. Oh dear. Okay. All right. Well, for reals, guys, have a good one. See ya. All right. You too. Take, Take care. care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.
It's coming somewhere near your place, I know.